In the Golden Deer route, Claude proves that the mysteries of Foldlin aren't so mysterious after all. If you just bother to ask a fucking question every once in a while. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Asynchronous, a video game catch-up show. My name is AJ. My name is Kim. And today is a very special episode of the podcast because, well, we're still talking about Fire Emblem, so I guess it's not super, super <laughs> special, but we're still talking about Fire Emblem, but we are talking about specifically the entire Golden Deer's run. The whole thing. Uh, from this video game. This is going to uh, be a long one. Yeah, we, I mean, we've got we've got a lot to talk about, so uh, why don't we just start off? Kim, do you have any bullshit? So here's the thing. I will have some bullshit, but yeah. uh, it, this is already going to be a monster of an episode. So to tighten it up a little bit, the bullshit will be delivered via Twitter this <gasps> week. So uh, keep an eye out for that. It's really good. I'm really excited. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really something good. I've been thinking about. <laughs> For a very long time since I've been, uh, <laughs> since we did Blue Lions and Black Eagles. So yeah. make sure you're following us on Twitter at AsyncPod. Smart, smart. Uh, thank you. Tell them where to find it. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, look forward to that and, um, or maybe go find it now, I guess. Uh, yeah. When it's you probably listen up to now, this, right? it'll probably yeah. be up already. So the way that the rest of this episode is going to work is we're going to talk about the Golden Deer run in chunks. Um, starting with part one, um, because it is pretty similar to part one for all the other runs. We're just going to sort of highlight the differences um, and talk about that in one fell swoop. And then we'll take the part two chapters two at a time. And to move things along, I have written some plot synopses that will sort of capture the the big plot beats in each these sets of chapters and then we'll sort of talk about our impressions or little details that we noticed that we thought were interesting and then at the very end we're going to do a deep dive on each of the students I guess not that deep because we don't have that much time right <laughs> we will talk about uh the golden deer students one by one so don't worry your fave will get their moment in the sun mm -hmm. uh and then we'll we'll talk about our general impressions a AJ how'd you feel about this run this run was good it's a good run this run was good like you said, part one is the same for mm -hmm. everyone. So it was fine. But even that, like there's stuff that we will talk about in the part one of Golden Deer. That's like, why? Why is it only in this? run? Right. I mean, I know why because of the characters, but like it's so relevant. <laughs> to the Golden the Deer run feels like to me the canon run mm -hmm. or at least like the main story run or sure. I, I, I don't it, know how to describe it, but it's like it feels like the most cohesive story. It was the run that was written to make people like us who want to know the story mm -hmm. happy. <laughs> I just wish I'd known that up front. <laughs> yeah, which is an interesting thing to say that the this run tells you the story of the game. Mm -hmm. But as we've talked about with the Black Eagles and uh, Blue Lions, like those are kind of insular stories. They're about those students mm -hmm. and those people. But the Golden Deer is kind of just about what is happening in Foldland altogether. Exactly. Uh, it's 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 way more satisfying from a narrative standpoint in that way. And I think just in general, I had a better time hanging out with these kids than it's, I did the other ones. This run, I forgot what it's like to have fun. Like, <laughs> this run, 
It was so upbeat. Sure. Like the other runs are so dour in comparison. Yeah. And I don't even think I realized just how dour until we were playing this run at the same time that like episodes about yeah. our part two had started to drop from Blue Lions and Black Eagles and like coming from Blue Lions, especially it's like, oh, like everything is not like terrible all the time, you know, like there's yeah. not Claude doesn't get an eye patch and stand in the monastery and stare at rubble <laughs> and tell me to go fuck myself. So right. really a different vibe and a vibe that yeah. I quite liked. Yeah. The blue lions, I think especially is like, that's like how real people are affected and deal with war. I mean, on a, to a certain extent, because they are also all, you know, noble children, <laughs> but the black Eagles is kind of like, they're all kind of cartoon characters in a way. <laughs> um, and black I mean, that was all the, love my, the black Eagles, golden deer is kind of just like fun regular people mm -hmm. like the black eagles are kind of like caricatures of like right what it means to look evil hubert and like <laughs> what it means to like want to save everyone uh, you know i don't know yeah i i definitely did find too like i think that the golden deer kids felt the most like real kids and yeah. and the way that they related to each other felt very real mm -hmm. which uh, we can talk about as we uh, yeah. get more into it yeah i think something also worth noting about this run is that we did do new game plus we did. So we started with all the you get you start off with all your renown just in a bank and then you can like buy professor levels and support levels and skill levels. Uh, you also get 10, I think, um, like crests that you can give to students as items mm -hmm. that do certain things. I used a couple of those. I don't know if you utilize those at I all. I didn't know. OK, <laughs> yeah, no. I gave one to <laughs> Raphael and one to Leone uh, that would like they had a chance to like negate critical hits or something. I don't remember what Ooh. exactly what it was, but yeah, they were helpful. Yeah. I didn't use those at all. I did use new game plus, um, un immediately unlocked as high a professor level as I possibly could. I think that was a mistake. I think it's a, a mistake. lot of monastery time. Yeah. It's, you just don't need that much monastery time in yeah. the early part of the game. <laughs> yeah. I do think though, like I recruited a bunch of students and I think this is still general thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I recruited several students, most most of the Black Eagles, just because it was so easy because you could just mm -hmm. buy their support levels and then talk to them and they'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> but then I also had so many professors, like I had so many activity points for the monastery that I was like, I guess I'm going to start the relationship building now. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to have 10 meals a day <laughs> for a month. <laughs> but yeah, so so I, I think that's just that will flavor the rest of at least my uh, experience with this run mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. The one other thing I wanted to say about New Game Plus, too, is that I like, you know, you use your renown in the beginning to like unlock those little perks in the mm. the room with all the saints. You keep all of those perks, yeah, even right. though you get your renown back, which I thought yeah. was a really like I appreciated that that because yeah. otherwise you would just, you know, end up spending it all on the same shit. So yeah. um, I, I appreciated that. You yeah. can also like unlock different abilities and stuff, which I thought was kind of neat. So um, yeah. yeah, New Game Plus. It's a good time. New Game Plus. Yeah. And then also I had the DLC. I didn't play the DLC adventure part, but I did have extra auxiliary battles that would give me like three times the gold as a regular battle. Oh so I would do one battle and get 16,000 gold. So then I just wouldn't do any more battles for the rest of the month. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. So that's that is all preface. Mm -hmm. Did you have anything else? No, I'm ready to dive in if you are. Let's dive in to part one of the Golden Deer. Part one of the Golden Deer route has essentially the same plot beats as part one of the Blue Lions and Black Eagles, with a few notable exceptions. We find out early on that Claude was only recently recognized as a legitimate heir of House Regan. 
His grandfather is Duke Regan, the current leader of the Alliance, who is in poor health. Claude says he grew up with his father, and he says his mother lives somewhere far away and has no desire to return. Throughout part one, it becomes apparent that Claude is very interested in learning more about crests and heroes' relics. It seems as though he had hoped to get his hands on the Sword of the Creator. In chapter five, after we defeat Miklon, Claude and Byleth are in the monastery discussing the relics when Tomas overhears. He explains that the original heroes of Fodlin were corrupted and turned into beasts by their relics, but that records of these events have been destroyed, including at the monastery's library. This thread continues in chapter eight, which is the chapter where we go to Remire Village. At the beginning of that chapter, Byleth finds Claude in the library, once again, researching relics. Claude finds a picture of the Immaculate One, a dragon with a crest stone embedded in its brow, which was supposedly sent to Fodlin by the goddess to save the followers of Saros. Sedith appears, notices what we're looking at, and confiscates the book, saying this is not part of the library's collection. Claude accuses him of removing records from the library, but Sedith just leaves. The next big difference is in chapter 10. After Geralt's death, Claude finds Byleth reading Geralt's diary and asks to borrow it, since it might reveal what the church is hiding. After Byleth merges with Sothis during the battle, they reveal to Claude everything that happened, including the fact that Sothis has been with Byleth since they were a baby. Finally, when we arrive in the Holy Tomb in chapter 11, Claude reveals that he's snuck in there before and tried but failed to operate the ancient-looking contraptions inside. When he realizes that Edelgard is the Flame Emperor and came to the tomb to steal crest stones, he surmises that she knows about the power they wield and resolves to demand answers from Rhea. Unfortunately, he doesn't get the chance before the Battle of Garrig Mach, which again ends with the destruction of the monastery and the disappearance of both Rhea and Byleth. Okay. Hey, huge ups to you for writing this. Oy. These synapses and I just figured uh, it would be so much quicker. It's great. Yeah. It's it's truly truly wonderful. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Uh, so that's part one. That's part one. I don't even know where to begin. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> we sort of talked about general impressions about the students already, but yeah. like right off the jump, really loved all these kids. They feel like actual teens. They relate to each other like actual teens. They seem mm. like actual friends. Mm-hmm. Um, one detail that I love that is like a recurring theme throughout both parts is obviously Marianne is like a very quiet, unassuming person. Yeah. Um, and whenever you're in these these scenes where you're sort of chatting with all the kids and everybody chimes in with their opinion about what's going on, uh Hilda will always say, what do you think, Marianne? Yeah. And I love that. Like, A, I just love that about her, like her character. But I think it is also like it feels very real. Mm -hmm. Um, And a a lot of those scenes can feel kind of unnatural (laughs) the way that it like goes down the line of everybody like bringing things up. So like the fact that it feels it feels more like a conversation in this house. Right. I agree. I completely agree. Uh, These students are great good vibes only but they have like real problems but they're not they're not problems that like suck the life out of them Mm -hmm. uh except for maybe marianne uh 
and I guess, but that's the thing. Like they, I was going to say, and also Lysithia probably, and like maybe, but, but you know, they all have these problems and like they obviously shape them as people, but they're not like, we're not bringing up Glenn in every support. Right. Like <laughs> I know we all have this shared trauma for Glenn and the Blue Lions <laughs> and I don't want to like, I understand that that's, you know, a way to deal with trauma is just to talk about it and stuff. But like everybody has their own problem that they are all dealing with, but they are all also just like trying to be kind to each other. Mm-hmm. Like they're all just kind of being bros and hanging out. Yeah. Well, uh, and uh, I feel like a lot of the problems that, of the students in this house, a lot of them are very grounded. Like obviously, yeah, yeah. we have Lysithia who uh, had a whole blood experiment performed right. on her and has two crests, which is, uh, you know, fantastical. But uh, we also have Ignaz who's just a guy who wants to be a painter, yeah. but his parents want him to be a knight and he mm-hmm. feels that pressure and he's like embarrassed of the fact that he likes to paint. And, yeah. you know, like that is a really grounded story. I think mm-hmm. also Leone in a lot of ways feels very grounded. She's like, oh my God. you know, I got student loans and I really yeah. want to, you know, I want to do my best here. And, uh, you know, like she, she's a penny pincher and like it, she, it feels like a real person, you know, yeah. thinking about Leone's story one, because I love Leone, but You're it's just generally stand now. I'm a Leone head. It just makes me want to cry because like there's a, one of her later supports is like the only reason I'm here is because everybody in my village like Mm -hmm. donated to this like college fund basically to get me to come to this monastery. So like her whole thing is flavored by like, I have to like, I have to do this well for my village and to like, you know, for the, the people who helped me get here. Like I owe these people a debt, not just, financially but like you know like a life debt you know mm-hmm. like her, her her whole life is because the people around her believed in her enough to to give whatever small amount of money they had yeah uh, to really send sweet. her to the monastery it's very sweet to send her to war school i guess is something that we also should <laughs> yeah but but <laughs> But um, it's yeah. very, very, very sweet. Yeah. Uh, and I even think uh, Raphael, like the idea of this is a kid who had to take care of another kid, essentially. Mm-hmm. He, like, I mean, it, they I guess they live with his grandfather back at home but like that that is also a very grounded story um Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people grow up with grandparents or it just it feels uh, especially with the commoner kids in this house i really love how we get more insight in this house into what life is like for commoners in fodlin because i feel like that's absent from a lot of houses Mm -hmm, or it's mm -hmm. like oh i was like poor and living on the streets like this is very much a, a house where it's like well what is it like you know not for people who were like dorothy or Ash, who like right. were literally, you know, living on the streets. Yeah, um, like what's it like to be a middle class student with a dad right. who owns a small business? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's cool to like finally get insight into like all of those strata in Fodlin. Mm-hmm. Cause I just feel like the daily lives of people in this this world are not very explored um yeah. in basically any other context. Right. Yeah. Like when going through the blue lines and black eagles, it's just all like noble, noble, noble or like crippling financial situation. It's noble, noble, noble. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do love this. And even the noble. Well, most of the noble kids in this house are like they are nobles, but they're not like constantly talking about it. Right. Aside from uh, aside from Lorenz. Lawrence, the only <laughs> I'm sorry, this did not. 
the golden deer deer run did not uh endear me to him yeah it did not endear me to him uh yeah sorry Um, to to everyone specifically uh my friend will yeah who's a noted lauren's apologist like i Um, get it will and we'll talk about it but i still don't think he is redeemed. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Lorenz is just uh, rotten through and through. Maybe not rotten, but not fresh. <laughs> you know? Foul. He's got like a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to kind of the differences plot wise, I guess this run just feels so much more. I'm like, finally, <laughs> you know, someone is asking these questions. Uh, Claude is like, ugh. The theme of today, if anything, is how much if you the way that you love Leone now, I love Claude mm. um, and I always was into it. But like the he's so he, he gets it. He gets me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's asking yeah. the same exact questions that we are. Yeah, it's it's I mean, it's it's something that we've because we've had an ongoing yeah. discord conversation or I guess an ongoing <laughs> private conversation about our various beats and thoughts about the whole game, about these specific students. But like Claude is a perfect audience surrogate, I think, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, because he is coming looking at whereas Edelgard and Dimitri are looking at these systems. They realize that these systems are messed up in some way, um, but they are looking at them from within the system. You know, like they are both heirs to thrones. Uh, and so like everything, all, all the stuff is like, maybe this isn't good is kind of like flavored in in that. Um, but with Claude, he's like, he is not from Fodlin. He is just merely in Fodlin now. And he's viewing all these systems around. He's like, hey, this is fucked up and like what is the reason for this and so he's like doing research and not just like taking what you know oh i here's the imperial history that i was taught this is what's the truth and it's like oh here's the the kingdom history i was taught this is what's the truth claude is like no like what is the actual truth let me read these books right and ask questions to people who might have like actual answers uh and then not just take the first answer i get as the truth so claude is great and perfect Mm -hmm. in every way (laughs) Yes. And I, I love like introducing more of that suspicion of the church in a way that mm-hmm. isn't just like, wow, Ray is a little weird, but I guess we're going to yeah. keep doing everything she wants us to do. Like it <laughs> it, it feels more it, it's easier to buy in, even though the plot beats are the same. It's easier to buy in when like someone else is like, this is kind of fucked up. Right. You know, like yeah. uh, we're not yeah. just like ignoring all of that. And I, I appreciate, too, um, in part two, which we'll get into uh, you're you're trying to find Rhea, but you are given dialogue options now where it's like, I want to find Rhea because I love her or I, yeah. like, I want to find Rhea because I want fucking answers. They give you right. that room to have a motivation <laughs> that felt to me more like how I actually felt. And so it, it just made it a little bit more engaging for me. Yeah, I completely agree. There's one near the end when you're when you're rescuing Raya that's like the the one choice is like I just want Raya to be safe and the other one is just I want I just want to uh like get to Raya or something. Right. It's like nearly the same thing, but one is like I care about this person's well-being and one is like I need to be in the same room with this person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like let's like, just get this done. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much my my thoughts on part 1. I one thing I wanted to ask you, AJ, is who you chose for the Goddess Tower. Yeah, um, I took Leone to the Goddess Tower. Obviously, I was there was no there was no doubt about it. She asked why I'm there, and I immediately like lie about it. <laughs> for some reason, both of <laughs> both of my options were like I was looking for Rhea, or like I heard a noise. I was like neither of these things are true, but okay. 
Uh, and then we talk about the legend. She makes a promise because she's like, well, we're both here, so we might as well make a promise because that's the thing to do. Uh, and she promises to meet me on the grounds as the best mercenary or sorry, as a mercenary beyond compare. Uh, and that's that's where it ends. Uh, it's very sweet. Yeah. Who did you take? Who do you think? It was Claude. There was no both of our <laughs> both of our compasses pointed true north mm-hmm. the and whole stayed time there the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Claude, when we show up at the goddess hour, he's just like, he's not really into parties. He likes music and fun, but um, mm. like he thinks that parties in Fodlin, especially among the nobles, are like kind of stiff. Mm. Uh, so we talk about the goddess tower legend and he, he's like, it's not based in fact, which as we... <laughs> we know it's not actually it is based in fact but um (laughs) he says it would be a waste to pass up the chance to have the wish granted so we we pray for our ambitions to come true and in this early part of the game you you don't learn uh claude's like true motivations until part two Mm -hmm. um so at this point he's just like yeah i just i have a pretty big big ambition um (laughs) (laughs) that's cool uh so um mysterious but and uh, sort of platonic but fine Mm -hmm. um and before he goes he he says promise to spare a dance for me so long as it's not one of those goofy noble dances i am a treasure on the dance floor (laughs) which i bet he is um so that was very fun uh, I should say mine's mine started. Leone was there because she she also got sick of dancing and like being nice. around people. She's like, I do not like parties or like dancing or anything, really. So I'm just kind of hanging out. That makes sense. Yeah. I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. So who did you make your dancer? I'm so glad you asked this question. Yes. Uh, I made my dancer. It was one of my recruits, Linhart. So. Whoa. Whoa. Did we not okay. talk about I thought we talked about this. We talked about a lot, Kim. I, yeah, we did. <laughs> so, I'm also, sorry, I also have played over the last 48 hours. I've played about 30 hours of the video game. So. We should have mentioned that at the top. AJ played like half the game in the last two days. Yeah, I did from, I, I got to the time skip on Monday and then I spent Friday and Saturday doing the entire second half of the game. So Champion, we do this for you, listeners. Yeah, content. Um, so... <laughs> I, I chose Linhart. I, I recruited him because he has a paralogue with Leone, which we'll talk about yes. eventually. Um, and first of all, love this kid. You undersold this boy. I love him. I did. I, I'm really sorry. I, I, I didn't it's pick okay. up on the same vibes as you did, I guess. But you're fully right. Go on. Oh, yeah. I, I, love I your think thoughts. he's so great. And maybe he shines in this house. I don't know. But, uh, you know, Linhart's whole thing is that he's kind of a pacifist. He doesn't really like fighting. Um, you know, he's not just lazy for the sake of being lazy, which even then would be fine. I am also lazy, but he he really he doesn't like fighting. And so I thought, OK, what if I focus him on white magic, um, on faith and uh, make him my dancer? And I committed to um, basically in the entire game, Linhart never initiated combat. Nice. I I always had him, you know, dance or heal someone or warp someone or, you know, do something yeah. like that. And, you know, obviously if he if he got hit, he would counter. Yeah. But I, it was a fun thing to, like, put some guardrails on myself or some mm. uh, impose some rules. Yeah. And he was a great dancer. Um, I, and I, I just really enjoyed having him. So it was a nice time. I'm sure that ponytail looked great in the dancer garb. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. The man really bun, even better. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. His second half look. Wow. Oh, I love his second half look. Yeah. Um, Very into yeah. it. 
I think Linhart's great. I think the reason he shot he might shine in the Golden Deer is because he kind of feels like a Golden Deer. He does a little bit. Uh, yeah. Like if he wasn't a Black Eagle, he would be in the Golden Deer. I think. Um, mm-hmm. And from from I guess in the Black Eagles run, I just saw him kind of he's yes he is a pacifist and he is like this intellectual who just like wants to learn stuff and doesn't want to like be in war and whatnot. But I think seeing him as that personality, but around these like the rest of the house as like this kind of like lighter vibe Mm -hmm. like not everybody is like constantly talking about war all the time i think i think he was probably make a really good fit there yeah yeah who was Um, your dancer my dancer also a recruit uh was mercedes oh love that great She's a great dancer. I think I gave her the um, the new game plus like movement up item uh, or something. It was either that or it was just some other one of those items, whatever. So she her movement was off the charts. She could move like 10 to 12 spaces (laughs) regularly just with no zooming. uh, She's zooming, dude. So she made a perfect dancer because I could have like one of my Pegasus Knights or something like fly ahead, do an attack and then come back a couple spaces like, you know, to get them out of the range. And then she could run up and get them back the rest of the way. Oh my God. She was amazing. And that's amazing. Cause it's the dancer falls behind so easily because they spend their turn helping someone else get ahead. And so that is, Oh, that's smart. It really worked out really really well i was very happy with it and then in the late game that combined with uh lysithia's like 400 yard shot put of magic (laughs) um is so good it was it worked out so well by the end of the game lysithia and ignatz could just like fire at something from across the fucking map it was so good anyway get me started on ignatz i love that boy anyway my dancer (laughs) was mercedes uh and she ruled I don't know if you took note of who she was up against or who who Linhart was up against in your uh like in that scene. Oh, it was Dorothea. Oh my gosh. Who yeah. was it from Blue Lions? It it must have been Annette or Mercedes. Yeah. I think it was Mercedes because at this point in the game, I had recruited all the Black Eagles that you could recruit. I had recruited <laughs> Mercedes and Annette. So at that point, I had recruited Dorothea. I had also recruited Mercedes. So my dance competition, it was Mercy against Hubert and Dadu. Shut <laughs> I love that. You know that they did that as a joke. It's yeah. like, if, if you recruit these specific people, here's a little treat for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because in, I don't know how it is in the Blue Lions run, but in the Black Eagles run, if you talk to Hubert, he's like, I don't want to do this. But mm-hmm. if you need someone to do it, I will. Oh, you know, um, I don't think I ever talked to Dudu about it. Because why would I? I wonder what he would say. Probably the same thing. Probably like, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it for Dimitri. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'll do whatever. I will dance for the king. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. He would. He would actually. In a heartbeat. Uh, So it was a very funny, a very funny scene. Uh, Mercedes swept. Everybody voted for Golden Deer. It was so funny. Uh, so, so she ruled uh, 10 out of 10. Honestly, her white magic, not super great. Her healing and stuff, not super good. Uh, no, kind of bummed out. Marianne's is better. Uh, so maybe it's just it's not as good as Marianne's. I'm trying to remember. I uh, by the end, I think Lynn was really my best healer, but I also made Marianne. Lynn, I think Lynn is the best healer in the game. He is so good. OK, that that makes sense. One thing Mercedes does get her like B or A spell that she gets from Faith is Fortify, which heals mm. for like 30. Yeah. In like a huge radius. It's so yeah. good. It's, it's so really, good. really, that's a really good spell. I think Flane also gets that, if I recall mm. correctly, or maybe not. 
Maybe. I don't know. Mm. I never used Flame uh, long enough to actually get any of her good spells. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, I, I don't. I think I'm ready to move on to part two. If you are. No, I think I just wanted to touch on um, in part one. Uh, we get Ignatz and Raphael's paralog, which you have already done. Yes. But I had only like heard you talk about it. I haven't actually experienced it. Uh, but basically, there is a. Um, Count Gloucester is like being a real shit and not letting merchants mm-hmm. pass through whatever. So you have to go take care of that. Um, but you find out that like Gloucester is like directly responsible for the death of Raphael's parents. And I wrote for and Duke Regan. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Claude, I guess not Claude's not dad, Claude's dad, grandfather, but, uh, the, what was going to be the, the heir to Regan. Oh, right. That, and that's why, that's why Claude is now heir to the throne is because that person mm-hmm. died. Right. Okay. Yeah. So like, so Lorenz's dad is like fully responsible for that. I mean, it's, it's a rumor, but but I don't think we ever hear anything else about it. No, I don't think so. But it's just like up until that point, like we had been told that like, oh, the alliance is kind of a tenuous thing. Like some, Mm -hmm. some lords, you know, bump heads all the time and whatever, especially like Gloucester. It's like, okay, sure. I can, I can deal with that. But like having it directly affect students that you know i have a relationship with or whatever it was like Mm -hmm. oh like this dude is like it's not like he's just uh foiling trade routes he is like murdering people yeah well i think it's implied that gloucester either wants to rule the alliance or Mm -hmm. wants to set things up so that lawrence can rule the alliance i think both um yeah and it's it's only because claude shows up that uh lawrence is no longer like in the running yeah. Um, which is why he's such a little shit to Claude for yeah. the vast majority of the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to make note of that um, because I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's part one. Uh, let's move on to part two. Chapters 13 and 14. After the time skip, Byleth returns to the monastery to find Claude, who, of course, showed up for the class reunion. He's skeptical of Byleth's explanation of where they've been for the past five years, although he seems unsurprised to see them. The two of them begin fighting off the bandits who have been plundering Garrig Mach, and gradually the rest of the Golden Deer arrive and join the fray. After the battle, we find out that Claude is now the leader of the Alliance. Some of the Alliance lords support the Emperor, while others, including Claude, oppose it. Meanwhile, the kingdom is in shambles, with Dimitri believed dead. With Byleth's return, Claude has a plan to put an end to the conflict, secure the cooperation of the Knights of Seros, make Garrig Mach a base of operations, and begin fighting back against the Empire. Claude unites these forces under a new symbol, a banner depicting the Crest of Flames. This new army successfully defends the monastery against an assault led by Imperial General Randolph. Claude reveals to Byleth his great ambition to put an end to prejudice and discrimination by breaking down the borders between Fodlin and the outside world. But first, he needs to defeat the Empire. He hopes that this journey will eventually lead them to Rhea so he and Byleth can get some answers. That said, Claude observes that Fodlin would be better off if Rhea was not restored to power. He says that because the people of Fodlin believe in the faith of Seros, they have accepted the noble system as though it were the only option and refuse to associate with non-believers. Claude envisions a future where the people would be free to think for themselves. He believes Edelgard's goal is similar, but her methods require too much bloodshed. Part two of the video game. Yay. (laughs) Well read. Um, The reunion is so nice in this route. Yeah. Everybody's chill. Nobody has an eye patch. 
Claude gives you a snack. Yeah. Um, it's like you uh, that that scene where like you walk in and Claude is like standing by like a window yeah. and the sun is streaming in and he just turns to you and is like, oh, hey. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Such it's good like vibes. he never he never lost faith, you know. Exactly. Uh, love that boy. Love that scene. So this opening scene, correct me if I'm wrong, is the same or opening battle, I guess, is the same as the Blue Lions, right? Fighting Pilardo and yeah. the, the thieves. Was yours not the same? Uh, Not in Black Eagles. No. We oh, didn't. that's right. You just show up and everybody it's like chill. Yep. I show right. up and everybody's there. And because uh, the Empire has already taken Garrick Mock, they're already right. there. So when you did this scene with Blue Lions, you said there's a, a thief who has a name for some reason and then right. we kill them. Um, so that thief is Pilardo, uh, <laughs> who in the DLC, Anna is a recruitable character. Uh, Anna the Merchant. Anna the Merchant, right. The one with the pink hair, who is apparently in every Fire Emblem game uh, oh, yeah. and just like travels the multiverse or like there is just a, <laughs> a, a, a dearth of, of Anna's. No, a wealth of Anna's. Very funny. So Anna's paralogue basically introduces you to Pilardo, this this thief. Um, but in this part, he is just a fellow merchant who basically is like, hey, we found all this treasure. Come help us get it and we'll give you half of it. And I'm like, this is absolutely a scam. I'll come with you to make sure you don't like get murdered or something. Um, so we yeah, go. All, we gr- that, all of that treasure fell off the back of a truck. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we go and the battle basically starts immediately after you like get all the treasure and he's like okay well now i have to take it back to like our village and like count it all out so and then i'll send you your half <laughs> and anna's like no like that's not how this works i will take my half now and pilardo's like no 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 no, no it's fine and then we fight and there are so many guys there are wow. so many guys uh because it's like his entire you know, thief. It's his whole MLM. Deal. Yeah, it's, it's every everyone below <laughs> him ent- on the pyramid. The, the entire pyramid in yeah. this pyramid scheme is yeah. fighting you. Uh, and every single person has uh, like every time you kill someone, you get an item or like you, you get some money ah. or whatever. So it, every single person has like that little green square. Uh, it's a very satisfying battle because you're constantly getting rewarded for doing murder. So so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you uh so that's that's pretty much it we we get the treasure back and whatever but but that is where pilardo is introduced as like this shady merchant and Great. now in the second half he is a thief there is i have learned because uh, after i finished this game and still had uh, some gaps in my knowledge i did right. start just googling things sure there is a shocking amount of information in the dlc Really? Yeah. I had thought about playing it because I had I had it, but I didn't want to introduce all those students and then all that extra dialogue that I would have to read. Yeah. Well, and that would be yeah, it'd be a lot of time. I would still be playing um, the game. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's a lot that's revealed in the DLC. Oh. Another another thing that I love about uh this beginning of the I guess it's beginning of chapter fourteen. Hilda, it's like you're, you you arrive at the monastery. Claude's like, I want to make this our base of operations. And people talk about like, well, we should probably like clean this place up. And Hilda's like, it'd be really great if we could get someone else yeah. to do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, later, uh, Sedith and Flane show up. They showed up with, um, I think it was with, because I had recruited them, Alois and Shamir. And they're like, oh, oh hey, we've been looking for maybe that that isn't when they showed up but it was like it was like oh the knights of saros are here and so are sedith and flane and they've been looking for Rhea. they came back because they thought that maybe she would uh, you know return for the what would have been the millennium festival yeah 
and you know claude sort of like uh, offers them the deal and they're like okay i guess it makes sense for us to team up um and he's like you know you guys like really let this place go to shit <laughs> yeah you should probably clean it up right hilda yeah and he was like oh yeah i can't believe you let the monastery <laughs> get this so dirty good. so basically we con the the knights of saros <sighs> into being the ones who clean up the yeah. monastery yeah it's Incredible. so good my night I, I didn't even think about this as like a possibility um I had recruited all the faculty. So my knights included Seneth, Flane, Aloise, Shamir, Catherine, and Cyril. They all showed up. Wow. And so Cyril was like hyped. Dude loves to clean, especially for Lady oh. Rhea. He was like, I will spit shine this entire monastery if I have to. Uh, um, maybe don't do that. My <laughs> you know, if 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 Lady Rhea is coming back, then we have to get this place to be like I'll top. Spit all over this entire place, <laughs> top to bottom. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, that was just my my, my flavor I put on I it. He didn't say that. <laughs> but it would have been funny. Um, yeah, but it's it's really good. I really, really love Cyril, but we'll get to that later. I'm fascinated because I have never had any interest in that boy. <sighs> yeah, yeah. He was another one of those like, what do I need to recruit him? And then he said, yeah, I'll join you. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> nice. Um, speaking of recruits, uh, I don't think we we talked about some of our recruits in, mm-hmm. in the first part. I'd like to talk about more of them because I really enjoyed and I think you get this in every run. But I like I noticed it the most here because this is, you know, I recruited a lot more this time. Everyone has sort of a specific line explaining why it is that they came here as yeah. opposed to staying in the empire or the kingdom. Yeah. And they're really well done. So one of my recruits was Felix, of course. And he says, a country with no king has no future. That's why I came. Don't let me down. Yeah. Basically, because as far as anyone knows at this point, Dimitri is dead. Right. And so Felix looks around and he's like, I'm not going to waste my energy, you know, trying to fight off the empire from the kingdom like the 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 empire's already won here you know i should go join up with the rest of my classmates and people from the alliance and see if i can you know fight that way petra i also recruited she she basically says listen like i was tight with edelgard and i you know I, i was like a prisoner in in the empire essentially but you know i was i was tight with edelgard but you know this this is a a threat to Bridget now, really. And so this is where I, I want to be. Linhart was with his family in the Empire until recently. And he just sort of says, you know, I just like don't have any real allegiance there. I, you know, I'd rather join up with you. And he says, I admit to feeling a little guilty betraying her majesty, but only a little. Mm-hmm. Ferdinand, obviously, I think Ferdinand is such an obvious recruit. Like it it makes so much sense for him to not be with the empire in part two, to the point that I actually think it's weird that the default is that he is (laughs) because he, he, he's lost his entire, like his family has lost their land. Mm -hmm. Um, They are no longer nobles there. I think his father is like arrested at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's like, yeah, I want to stop Edelgard. Um, And I think in his dossier, it says that like he wandered around for like five years, basically. And it's why his hair is so long. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. That's really good. Uh, And finally, my my last recruit, Ash, is not here, Mm. which we will discuss. Interesting stuff. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. I do want to also talk about a couple of of my time skip legals um, Mm -hmm. that I recruited. Caspar literally was just wandering around 
like because Burgley's is minister of military affairs. So he's like with Edelgard and Caspar's like, mm-hmm. well, this isn't super cool. So he was just like wandering. And he basically is like, I ran into some old classmates while I was walking around and just followed them back. <laughs> my, my man. That's amazing. Are you good? Was he wandering for all five years or no, is it like I don't recently think so. I, he left. Yeah, I think just recently he had left. But mm-hmm. but his like actual dialogue that he says to you is like, oh, yeah, I just ran into some students on the way to the monastery and I thought I should hang on. I should <laughs> come along. It's like, okay. <laughs> I didn't write specifically what Dorothea was doing, but she seems like really happy, which was so nice. She gets more sad as stuff happens. But yeah. like in, in, in the beginning of the time skip, she's literally just like standing next to the, the lake, like the fishing pond singing. And she's like, I'm so happy to be back here with you and like all the people that I care about. I'm like, oh my God, she gets, she does get sad, but it was just like for in the black Eagles route, she immediately starts off with like, this is, this sucks. This sucks yeah. so bad. Like I'm wow. with you and I understand and I get it, but this sucks. But in, so in, in this, in this route, she's just like literally standing next to the pond, just singing. It's like, oh my God, this is so nice. I don't remember that from blue lions. I could just be forgetting, but well, that's the thing. I think everybody has like, I think for every route, every student has unique dialogue interesting because like a lot of the stuff i mean for my recruits i guess they were all really specific to like the th- the events happening mm-hmm. yeah so, that's true i mean do was do you remember what the felix dialogue was when you when you recruited him in black eagles uh yeah it was i don't think it was like oh yeah he wouldn't say a country with no kid because they obviously because right, they knew that yeah yeah because he was still dimitri was in power yeah i think he just leaves because he he respects edelgard more than he respects dimitri interesting right right he didn't want to be with the boar prince you're right right uh, interesting okay just generally i feel i think this is the worst route for felix i think this route <sighs> fucks is felix is fucked up so hard I, by the end of this this route yeah this is I, I know exactly the yeah. moment that tore your heart out because it tore mine out. I think he's better off staying with the Blue Lions and then you murdering him than he is staying alive oh. through the Golden Deer, honestly. It's really sad. It's really, really sad. It is really sad. Um, and then Bernadetta, uh, her dad was put under house arrest because he was one of the one of the nobles who like jive with this whole thing. So like Duke Iger, Iyer is also mm-hmm. under house arrest. So her mother had taken charge and then she had basically just like snuck out and was like, I am just trying to go back to my room at the monastery because that's where I feel safe. So she spends mm-hmm. she spends this entire route in her room. <laughs> Um, she's not out in the monastery, but every time you talk to her, she's like local recluse feeling good. Um, (laughs) she's like, she's like really happy to be just like in her, in her dorm room, which like, Hey, you know what? That works. That's fine. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, Um, yeah. So that's, that's my beginning of, 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 uh, thoughts. I have some paralogs, but I think that doesn't happen until next, this next section. So, yeah, I also think aside from Vlad's paralogue, I think it might make sense to talk about paralogs when we talk about the students. Yeah. Okay. That unless there's something where you like, it would make more sense to talk about it. I Mm -hmm. got the Caspar and Mercedes one in this next section. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I want to hear about that. So I think that might flavor. Maybe I'll wait until late. I'll I'll hold on to it until we get to the chapter with the death knight in it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to, to talk about Claude's motivations too, since he finally reveals them uh, in these chapters. Incredible. Yeah. Like good stuff. (laughs) Fantastic. 
Um, obviously the the like weird colonialism and racism and stuff is something that was a real bugbear for me <laughs> in the Blue Lions mm-hmm. run. And so the fact that it is so front and center with Claude's story, I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I, I forget if you like learn it here or sort of later. Soon it enough. might be like <laughs> in one of his supports, but sure. like Claude is only um like Claude's mother is from Folan, Fodlin. Claude's father is not. Yes. Um, Does he ever say that he's from Elmira? He he never explicitly okay, says okay. it, but Claude's Claude's father is from Elmira. Yeah. And actually in the this is one thing that you learn more about in the DLC. So um, I can spoil it for you if you want, or we can you can save it for whenever you play that DLC. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, go ahead and spoil it. I'll put uh, uh, I'll put me here in a second saying what time code you should skip to if you don't want to hear this spoiler for the dlc me thanks me go on (laughs) great (laughs) so uh this is something that you learn um in supports with balthus Mm -hmm. one of the dlc students claude's birth name was khalid whoa and yeah he was the son of the king of almira and tiana the daughter of duke regan um, as a child in Elmira, he often found himself discriminated against due to his Fodlan heritage. Um, and when he left Elmira, yeah. he was discriminated against for being part Elmiran. Right. And so I think that that's such an interesting story, you uh-huh. know, like obviously it's like, oh, of course he's like the son of the king. But like exploring something as complex as like what it's like to have a multiracial identity yeah. is like fantastic. And, and I think that they handle it in, you know, I, I'm no one to speak on it, but it, it seemed to be handled in a, what I thought was a sensitive and interesting way. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I, I thought it was like Claude is seeing a much bigger picture than the other two house leads are. Yes. And what we'll talk about in you know, as we continue is like those two are just pawns in something so much bigger than them. Yeah. And Claude is the one who sees that mm-hmm. because he asks questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. It, I, I just uh, I love this boy. I don't even know what else. I also love that he straight up says, like, I hope she's alive in regards to Rhea. Like I not least of all because I want answers from yeah. her, but I don't think she's good for Fodlin. Yeah. I don't think that she should be in power. Yeah. I'm like, you get it. This is what I am saying. This is what I've been saying, Claude. (laughs) So great. Claude is the house leader for the people, you know, Mm. Um, at least for this people. This. (laughs) Yes. For these people specifically. Um, You and I. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's great. I think he says he he describes it. I don't remember if it's if it's here or if it's a little later, but he describes it as a uh, a bottle with a lid on. uh, And he (laughs) said, like, Fodlin is in the bottle and everything else is outside the bottle. But he wants to destroy the lid. Yeah. Which I thought was really like a, a a succinct way to describe it. I don't think it's anything mm-hmm. revolutionary to think like I want there to be like a global community, but like to describe it like that, I think is a really uh, digestible and good way to frame it. Um, right. Um, and I like how he connects, you know, there's so much going on in terms of like the church and the noble system and, you know, like that social strata and also economic strata. And he he sort of sees the connection between all of those things and Fodlin's prejudices against, you know, outsiders. Right. And I like I think it's a very nuanced thing. It's not like 
explained, I think, in a very nuanced way. But it is a very nuanced thing to recognize that, like, all of these things are related. Right. And, you know, I think Edelgard seems to think that she is dismantling the power structure. But she is the power structure. And again, she is being manipulated by something, you know, she that I think she thinks she has a handle on, mm-hmm. but I don't think that she does. Like Claude is the one who is actually dismantling yeah. the power structure. Because yeah. Edelgard's coming at it from like a we need to get rid of like the noble system or whatever, whatever that means. But Claude is like, no, we need to get rid of like discrimination and prejudice, which is like the basis of all nobility and stuff is to just further discriminate. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's good shit. It's really good. That's really all I have. Yeah, uh, me as well. All right. Moving on. Chapters 15 and 16. In need of reinforcements, the Alliance plans to rendezvous with Judith, the hero of Daphnel in ALL. A spy alerts Count Roe, a kingdom lord who has sided with the Empire, and he sends forces to intervene. After fighting them off, Claude and Judith reunite, and she teasingly calls Claude the Master Tactician, a nickname he despises. She also reveals that Rhea is alive and being held captive in Enbar. We find out that Claude has left his territory in the care of a retainer named Nardell, and Judith, wishing to join our fight, has asked Nardell to care for her territory as well. As the first part of his assault on the Empire, Claude seeks to secure the Great Bridge of Murden. The bridge is located in Gloucester territory, led by Lawrence's father, who's been cooperating with the Empire in order to avoid losing his lands. Claude has the forces of House Regan and House Daphnel stir up a skirmish in the northern part of the territory, allowing him, Byleth, and the gang to take the bridge. With that victory, Claude departs temporarily to rally the support of the Alliance Lords. Byleth accompanies him and meets Nardell, who seems to have a close relationship with Claude. I wonder who Nardell could be. <laughs> who is he? So I, I I at this point was like, oh, that's his dad. I don't oh. actually think that it is. No, I don't think so. I think it's just like a cool uncle. <laughs> but um yeah. or do you know? No, I mean I think I think um this is this is from some support knowledge, I think. Uh mm-hmm. he and Hilda talk about his weapons master or his weapons teacher or whatever growing up and how his oh. his mom could kick his weapon teacher's ass even though he was undefeated in battle so that is nadir the undefeated oh got it mm-hmm. i do remember that so uh, the, another thing that another thread that i was misled down i thought that judith is claude's mom i also did i also did and i was kept waiting for that reveal but it did yeah, not come he, he again he talks about like she's a great fighter she's like you know, sort of has like kind of a fiery personality. Um, And, you know, Judith, she she calls Claude boy and like sort of talks down to him in like kind of a playful way. And, you know, in this chapter, he talks about how before we like meet up with Judith, he's like, oh, she adores me. There's no way that she's not going to help us. And mentions that um, he'd never have been recognized as a legitimate heir to House Regan without her recommendation. Mm. So I was like, is this yeah mommy sorry um but no (laughs) i mean we'll get to that um (laughs) i think maybe now that i like have a bird's eye view like maybe they're just supposed to be like kind of flirting yeah i really i really truly do not know what the relationship is because house daphnil daphnel is is not a name we hear anywhere else (laughs) 
Like we only hear about it in reference to only, Judith, right? Only in reference to Judith. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I truly don't know. I truly have no idea. Yeah. The relationship there is, is strange, it's but um, she also later on is like, or maybe it is in this chapter. She's like, Oh, that Nardell, he's good looking. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. and yeah, Claude's yeah. like, that's what you consider good looking. <laughs> um, which is so funny. But that that was the point where I was like, okay, so only one of these people can be his parent if, yeah. if either of them are. Right. Right. Um neither. Neither. But anyway, just... I I also, um, Judith, I'm free on Thursday night. <laughs> Hit me up. Judith's energy is Chef's kiss. It's so good. Amazing. Um, yeah. She's great. Um, also interesting in this chapter when we talk about ALL. Mm. Marianne is the one who who remembers the story and sort of explains it to everyone uh, before the battle. Claude goes, you're telling me the goddess who's supposed to be benevolent burned the forest to a crisp. Uh. Typical. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Marianne's like, yeah, well, that's that's like what the legend says, but it's not actually recorded in any scripture. So Claude's like, okay, so either that's bullshit or the goddess is a monster, (laughs) which is actually so funny because both of those are true. Right. <laughs> I love the 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 battle or like the pre-battle scene for this is just all of them being like, it's so hot. I wish it wasn't so hot. I know. It's <laughs> just like, God, I am fucking boiling. Like, <laughs> oh, something happened in this. Oh, I think Lysithia maybe had just gotten warp or something. Oh man, I, I don't know. I remember doing this battle and being like, wow, these students are good. Like these students oh, yeah. rule. <laughs> um, but I don't remember exactly what was happening. Mm-hmm. I think they were just kicking ass. I think, oh, you know what? I think this was the first battle that I had Leone on uh, Pegasus. Fucking wrecking shit, dude. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. (laughs) I, um, I forgot to mention in the last chapter with respect to the time skip, Ignat starts this game. (laughs) Yeah. As like just the worst looking little boy. He has such a terrible haircut. Stop. Post time skip Ignat made me question everything I thought I knew. about the world and myself <laughs> he the the thing that got me is the voice change mm. i like i don't think there's any other most of the students i think their voices don't change at all mm. or, or maybe they're so subtle that i didn't pick up mm. on them ignots his voice dropped entirely in the five years yeah. <laughs> since and it's like oh this is no longer a boy this is a man yeah um so i just i also his he's just a great character and we'll talk about it more but like love him little crit machine oh my god uh, another thing that happened to me in this chapter i found ash again yeah in this battle yeah for some reason if you recruit ash he leaves your ranks and you have to get him back in this battle mm. this is also true if you recruit lawrence in any of the other houses and what you have to do is like have I've heard conflicting things about whether it's like you have to have Byleth defeat him or someone else. But at the end of the day, like you get the option to either recruit him or kill him. Why? Why only these two students? Is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't make sense to me because like yeah. Ash is not essential for this battle. I know because I fucking had him in Blue Lions yeah. and did the same battle yeah. um, and it loses nothing. So I just I don't quite understand like there part of the thing is like that is canonically what Ash does in his uh, in the time skip is go and serve House Row. So it, like, OK, it makes sense that he would be here, but also like it makes sense that Ash would 
dip. Yeah. Because like Count Roe immediately folds to the Empire, which is like Ash isn't about that life, mm-hmm. like obviously. Mm-hmm. So it's just I don't know. It's very strange to me that it's just with this person. And the only reason that I knew that I could re-recruit him and how to do it mm. was because our friend Jill told me. Mm. Uh, thank you, Jill. <laughs> you know how much how important this boy is to me. Yeah. And I thank you. <laughs> profusely for making sure I got him back but like for why though Mm -hmm. and uh, I wouldn't have known otherwise I don't know it's just a strange thing yeah and that's so that's only that's only Ash and Lorenz it doesn't happen with any other students not that I'm aware of Hmm. I know that there are students I know that if you didn't recruit even if you didn't recruit Lysithia I think you can recruit her to Black Eagles late game sure that tracks yeah part of me Um, feels like it's like kind of more interesting if like if this is something the game wants to do to have like students go into battles against mm-hmm. you, even though you've recruited them or whatever. Part of me thinks it's more interesting to have all of your recruits. Correct. Do that. And then like when you run into Ferdinand in whatever battle mm-hmm. that you're doing on behalf of or, or like against the the ire lands or whatever, like to have him be like, wait, don't you remember our times together? Like, let me, you know, whatever. Right. Part of me feels like that is more interesting than just like picking and choosing which students decide that their family was right or wrong, you know? Exactly. Or, you know, at least like handling it in in a more nuanced way where like with Ferdinand, yeah, maybe it would make sense for him to immediately defect. Uh, Maybe with someone like, I don't know, Lynn or Petra, maybe it would make more sense if they stayed with the empire and you were able to be like, Petra, why are you siding with the empire? They have subjugated your people for years. Like, I, I think that there are like, there are ways to make that a really interesting and nuanced part of the game. Yeah. I think it might also be interesting if it depended on like what support level did you get with them? Right. That's the what time I'm saying. Skip yeah. Or, that's what I'm thinking. Like if you were able to recruit them before the time skip, I think you should have the option to like re recruit them or like have them be like, Oh, you know, mm-hmm. like in the battle. I don't know. Cause, cause also part of me is like, there's no way every student was like, Oh, it's the millennium festival. Like there's shit going on. I don't, oh, yeah. you know, like some people could forget <laughs> or something. Well, and like, like canonically too, like it's only like the only people in that scene are actually the core people in the house. Right. Yeah. Um, your recruits aren't in that scene. And so I guess it also like recruits do show up like afterward, you know, they're not yeah. in that like initial battle. So yeah. I guess that sort of makes sense. It's like they hear that you're back there and then return. But yeah, I mean, it's just I don't know if that was going to be a thing. I feel like there was a more interesting way to handle it than yeah. to be like just these two for some reason. <laughs> need to re-recruit. Yeah. And to be clear, I think we're asking the game to introduce a mechanic that does not exist within the video game um, no, but like- <laughs> uh, of like, I mean, but you can talk to people mid battle. Like there are certain lines mm-hmm. sometimes that are triggered only in battle, which only happens like once or twice. But every single loading screen is like, you can talk to people sometimes. It's like, OK, yeah. um, <laughs> But like if that if they made that a bigger part of the game, I think that could be really interesting and fun. Like if instead of attacking Petra or Ferdinand or whatever in these bat or mm-hmm. Lorenz or Ash, you know, if you could talk to them instead right. um, and there was some sort of like dialogue tree a la tea time, but less abstract. Yeah. <laughs> um, like the, the, the <laughs> systems exist, I think they just need to be tweaked or adjusted. But, you know, whatever. This game's three years old, so I guess we can't. Yeah. Really <laughs> Too late now. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was so strange. Yeah. Um, oh, can we talk about the fact that Claude hates Master Tactician? Oh, it's really good. That is so funny. It's I feel really like it, it's it's a bit that only works if you're coming from one of the other yeah. two runs or both of the <laughs> yeah. other two runs. Like, and oh my gosh, like, it's the Master Tactician. The Master Tactician. He's like, oh, I fucking hate that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hate that people call me that. 
But my man, if you don't want people to call you that, don't have such good plans. Cause like yes, this whole are good. This was the only well, I mean, I didn't play Blue Lions, but hearing you just describe it, like there didn't seem like a lot of military strategy in that because you're kind of like you're kind of just scraping your way back up to the top in Blue Lions. And Black Eagles, you're already on the top, so you have spies everywhere, so you know everybody's plans already. Um, <laughs> which is really funny to me. But in this route, like Claude is actually making plans and and like he has to talk to the 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 Alliance Lords to like get funding and food. And like that part of the story is so, so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's absent. And I like I understand why it's absent from the other two routes, but it makes this one even better, even though it, it, I do think it is the best one. But like I think that just sets it even farther apart from the other two runs is, is like the, the actual military strategy part being a part of what's happening mm-hmm. and it's not just like hubert comes and tells you like oh we, we here's our plan like i don't know it's just it's it's i mean i guess claude is also coming back and be like here's our plan but like his plans are interesting and they're not just like we show up and we fight they're like we right. have to start a battle in the north so that most of their forces are in the north so that we can kind of take out their forces in the south which is kind of a thing the empire does um in like the battle of garrig mock with like you know we're going to send our strongest people here so they send their strongest people here and then the rest of the, the rest of the empire mm-hmm. is going to attack everywhere else, uh, which works. Good plan. But I don't know. I just think that the military strategy in this route is so much fun and it makes mm-hmm. it just makes it so interesting because it's not like I know that in the end of the game we win. Sure. But right. But <laughs> like, it's not just like, OK, battle. But like it just feels like you're kind of being shuttled from one battle to yeah, another. We're not like carving a war path or anything. It's like we are strategically taking these places so that we mm-hmm. are able to like we take the bridge of Murden so we can get food and more resources and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're taking the bridge of Murden because it's on the way to the kingdom capital. Like we need this because we need resources. Like, I don't know. It's it's just it's it's not yeah. a battle for the sake of like winning. It's a battle for like I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is, but it's just interesting. It's more interesting. And I like it. I I get you. It feels like thought out. Blue Lions, there was a little bit of this where it was like, well, we could go to the West or we could go to the East. And, you know, you're trying to make those decisions and they sort of give you the choice, even though the path is always the same. And you see that being undermined by Dimitri, who is not thinking that way. And it's just like, what's the quickest way from me to Edelgard which makes sense um yeah and so I think that that like in in relief is very interesting Mm -hmm. to see I mean even though (laughs) these these two routes really follow the same plot beats seeing how they arrive there differently is very cool yeah I mean follow the same plot beats generally generally yeah but yeah I think it is really fun to hear like oh here's like the strategy behind what we're doing Mm -hmm. and like you said it's um obviously you have to take the the bridge of Merton to like get to the empire but the more immediate reason why we do it which you alluded to is right now we can't unite the alliance because uh, you know alliance nobles like Gloucester basically need to cooperate with the empire to make sure that they don't lose everything Mm -hmm. um which Mm -hmm. is like you know you can debate whether that's moral or not but you know the idea is and it's very interesting having having lawrence with you um he's like listen my my father doesn't like siding with the empire but he's doing it because if he doesn't well they're they're just gonna you know remove him from from power there um and take his lands anyway um so in many ways 
Gloucester is as- acting as like a a stopgap between, you yeah. know, a complete empire takeover. Right. But the idea is in order to be able to take the empire, not only do we need the, the bridge to literally pass over, but we need to take that pressure off of the alliance nobles in the south so right. that we can all unite and yeah. take on the empire. And that yeah. is just so interesting. And, yeah. um, you know, the dynamics between Claude and Lawrence in this this second half are are fascinating. You know, there's there is like a hint of like, can we trust Lawrence? And Claude does. He's like, mm. I, I believe that you won't sell us out because I know that what you really want is to protect the alliance. Yeah. So it's it's all very fascinating on like <laughs> A, a you know military strategy level um like a politics level mm-hmm. on an interpersonal level it's yeah. very fun yeah and even the fact like in the that happens in this chapter yeah okay i was just making sure i feel like we're spending so much time on the on the the bridge i was like oh my god wait does this even happen um like uh Acheron, who is a character that we run into in a paralogue i think that he, he he's he he's a shithead and he has always mm-hmm. been a shithead like in my Black Eagles route, he shows up on the Great Bridge of Murden. We defeat some people and he's like, oh, no, fuck this. Goodbye. <laughs> and he leaves. Mm-hmm. So to get to murder him this time <laughs> felt great because <laughs> he's just doing the same deal. And then w- when you kill him, he's like, I shouldn't have sided with the Empire. It's like, OK, fuck <laughs> off, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. No shit. Yeah, my guy. No shit. But like to have to, to actually see an Alliance Lord like be one of your enemies at one point, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, because th- th- that I feel like that's the only time that really happens. The whole rest of the game is just them talking about how, like, some lords don't like you and they want to fight, whatever. Right. <laughs> Moving on. But but Asheron <laughs> is like actually there, like actively in battle with you, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting to illustrate that point. It's very interesting. So we take the bridge. Yeah. Um, the one more thing that I like um, at the end of this chapter is uh, once we take the bridge, Claude's like, so I'm going to go try and rally support, um, you know, my fellow nobles if you could like go pressure your parents yeah. into <laughs> providing us that support and everybody else like if you just want to go visit home yeah go ahead yeah. which i think is so sweet again it just feels it feels grounded and human in mm-hmm. a way that the other runs don't necessarily yeah. well i mean you figure in in blue or in black eagles at least like everybody's family is like dead or under house arrest and like right. their, their children have now taken their place uh in 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 lieu of them um mm-hmm. so i think having their families just like be around and like have them able to just like move around because that's the the alliance that claude has created or helped create i guess of this like you know kind of neutral thing where you're not going to get murdered if you go outside of your mm-hmm. borders um is really good it's really good moving on moving on Chapter 17 and 18. Having secured the support of the Alliance Lords, Claude's forces press forward toward the Empire. We hear rumors that another army, flying under the flag of the Kingdom, is also marching the same way. It turns out Dimitri is alive and intends to kill Edelgard, who leads her own troops from Fort Mercius. The three armies meet at Grander Field. Similar to the Blue Lion's run, both the Kingdom and the Empire attack the Alliance, even though that makes no sense. Edelgard and her army are forced to retreat from the ensuing battle, but not before executing Dimitri off-screen. Dadu is also presumed dead, but a cutscene reveals that he has survived and intends to defeat Edelgard in Dimitri's stead. After the battle, Lysithia approaches Claude and Byleth to report that she saw strange masked mages among the Imperial troops. She recognizes these mages as belonging to the same group who performed blood experiments on her and the other children of her house, Ordelia. 
They also seem to be the same group responsible for kidnapping Flane and for the experiments in Remire Village. Claude hatches a scheme to breach Fort Mercius, which is under the command of the Death Knight and represents the last barrier between the Alliance army and the Imperial capital of Enbar. Ignatz, the most innocent looking of the Golden Deer, is sent to deliver a message informing the Imperial army that reinforcements are on the way. Unbeknownst to them, those reinforcements are actually the Alliance army in disguise, an idea contributed by Hilda. To trick the Imperial army into quickly opening the gates, Claude stages a skirmish between the imposters and another group of Alliance allies. Those allies turn out to be the forces from Almira, the foreign land that lays east of the Alliance. They are led by none other than Nardell, who turns out to be legendary Almiran general Nadair the Undefeated. With their help, the Alliance takes Fort Mercius, but their victory is short-lived. The Death Knight escapes, delivering a cryptic warning just before so-called Javelins of Light descend on the fort. The Alliance forces escape, but the fort, once known as impenetrable, is destroyed. When they regroup, Claude's former classmates have a lot of questions about how the Almiran army, previously an enemy, came to join forces with the Alliance. Claude explains that he arranged a meeting between Nadair and Hilda's brother, the celebrated Alliance general Lord Holst, so the two could settle their differences. Claude also reveals his goal to one day tear down Foldland's borders for good. He recognizes that although there may be resistance, he's prepared to face it, and points out that his time at the Officers' Academy proved that people can overcome barriers of birthplace, status, and ideology. Interesting one. Yeah, this is okay. So I mean, it's it's the the battle of the eagle and lion one, uh, which mm-hmm. is I I don't remember. Did it get this in my Black Eagles run? You did not get the battle. Okay, of the eagle I didn't think lion. I did because you had defeated right, Claude. Right, right, yeah, right, right, right. Before it was even yeah, yeah, wild. So wild. So this is your first time. <laughs> this is doing my first this time. One. It's my first time hearing this song in context, and it slaps dude it's so good oh my god it's so good it's really good sorry for yelling no it's good so kim wrote these synopses uh so there's some salt sorry there is some salt here about the uh blue lions attacking the uh, alliance for no reason which i think makes more sense here than it does the opposite Uh, just because dimitri is not of of his right mind well or i think yes but also because edelgard has the same justification of like i'm gonna make such a chaotic battle that nobody's gonna know who's an ally and who's uh an enemy but like i feel like dimitri as a general is like kill everyone i'm trying to get to edelgard Mm. whereas if you're if you are playing as the blue lions and and gold and the lester alliance is the other route i feel like claude could see through that pretty easily um, so it doesn't really make sense for Claude to just like randomly start attacking you in the in the Blue Lions run as much as I think it makes sense for the Blue Lions to randomly start attacking you here. <laughs> yeah, I still it still doesn't really make sense, though. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, um so, yeah, I uh, like whatever. It's fine. I uh, like the fact that Dimitri has an off screen death in this. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> um, it's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, I am wondering, did you. How how did you kill everyone in this battle? Because uh, I avoided killing some people. I killed Ingrid on mm-hmm. accident, <laughs> not on well, accident. It's hard but she not was, to. She's. It's hard to avoid right, her. She's right there. Uh, yeah. I did also kill Sylvain. Yeah, same. So I guess no, I didn't leave anybody alive. Nobody. Wow. Okay. I, don't I think so. um. So I did the first person I 
I had Claude kill Bernie and I hate <gasps> no. that. But I, she's too powerful she's and I couldn't leave her strong. alive. Yeah. Cause also she's like on that ballista thing. So like she can reach you wherever. Yeah, I had recruited Bernadetta, so I didn't, I didn't have that issue. <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry um, that's the thing too i feel like I, I cut out a lot of the emotional impact of some of these moments especially at the end which we will talk about because i recruited every black eagle that wasn't edelgard or hubert yeah i um i tried to be more judicious with my recruits <laughs> no no and i um i believe i did cry when i took out bernie um i also killed sylvain and ingrid because like you said they're on they're flying and there's just no way to avoid them mm -hmm. um both times it was ignots Sorry, my little art boy. Um, I don't want to fight. He's very good yeah. at killing, yeah. incidentally. But I avoided attacking Mercedes and Dudu. So I just had Byleth take out Dimitri and then booked it for Edelgard. Um, okay. So that, like, it was nice at least to spare some people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's still rough. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was, I mean, I didn't have any... I don't really have any connection to Ingrid or Sylvain, but I was sad when you kill sylvain dimitri just goes <laughs> but, but when you kill ingrid he goes ingrid <laughs> uh, uh, i which, did not take note of that which i thought was kind of sad that he cared about ingrid <laughs> but yeah i guess the it's sort of an easter egg for if you have played the blue lions run you know that this is the point at which dimitri begins to realize that his revenge plan is bad he's seeing like oh yeah like if i go on a warpath my friends are gonna die <laughs> so yeah i guess that's like a little wink to people who've played blue lions and sure. know that like it's probably it's meaningful that he has like had <laughs> any reaction at all right yeah, yeah well yeah that's that's why i was like oh no he said ingrid's name yeah <laughs> this is this is a, a, a level of emotion i've never seen yeah yeah but yeah it's it's sort of bizarre that he has an off-screen death you know and everybody's really sad about it um <laughs> yeah this is the part where in the monastery after this battle felix is torn yeah, up because dude. this is the first time that he learned that dimitri was still alive um and he he explains that there was a time when they were best friends and says could i have saved him could i have stopped him yeah <sighs> Yeah. Sad. Yeah. It's really sad. It's really, really rough. Yeah. And it just gets it just gets more rough for, for Felix from here on out because every single monastery scene he is talking about Dimitri. Every single one. Maybe not every single one, but like from what I remember, basically everyone is like, oh, the Boar King this, the Boar King that, you know, Dimitri, whatever. It's just like, oh, my God, it's so sad. Yeah, it's real sad. That's really all I have on the Battle of Grandeur. Um, yeah. I have more for the later stuff yeah. um before we we push on to fort mercius um i thought it was funny we have one of these little meetups with the golden deer mm. you know everyone says their little lines about how they're ready to like start the assault on the empire and then queen hilda uh <laughs> says so what uh, we're all supposed to take turns saying we'll do our best yeah. until the very end <laughs> yeah, really, like, finally so, someone said it, said it. Um, yeah. sometimes it feels like claude and hilda are playing the game right. with us <laughs> in the way that right. they react to things and that was one of those moments yeah i loved that yeah yeah so that's uh that's the battle of grander uh mm -hmm. and before we move on to fort mercius mm -hmm. i would like to talk about caspar and mercedes's paralogue I've been waiting for this one. I am so excited. I do not know how satisfied you will be. 
Oh, fuck me. All right. It's not unsatisfying. Let's go. Okay. So (sighs) to set the scene, whatever, uh, we're hanging out. There's an Imperial invasion happening and Caspar is like, it's so, okay. Let me just start off by saying this makes me so fucking angry. Oh, wow. Okay. Just because you sound like me. How the hell are we supposed to know that we need to recruit these students to this house? How would you know? To get to this scene. How would you know? They I don't mean, you, have, you don't have to recruit them to this house, do you? You wouldn't get this paralogue in Black Eagles because because the only reason you go after him is because there's an Imperial assault happening. So that Black Eagles definitely out of the question. For Blue uh-huh. Lions, I don't know. If you recruited Caspar, maybe. But definitely not for Black Eagles. Because uh-huh. the, the beginning of this scene is... Uh, sorry, still angry. They don't have any supports together. No. <laughs> at all. Well, neither do like Lynn and Leone. Um, I don't think Ferdinand and Lysithia do. And they have a support in this one. Sure. But Ferdinand and Lys- Well, I guess Ferdinand's kind of makes sense because it's about his dad. I guess that's kind of story stuff. But like Leone's is just like, let's go do this thing. Um, yeah. But like <laughs> the Death Knight is a character that we don't learn anything about. And it's so interesting, I think. But whatever. All that aside, <laughs> Mercedes and the professor are talking and Caspar comes to tell Byleth that the Death Knight has been spotted with some Imperial troops mm. to which Mercedes is like, the Death Knight? <laughs> like, yes. He's like, well, <laughs> she they, she like starts acting really weird and they're like, why are you being so weird? And she's like, well, I was just thinking about my brother. And Caspar's like, why were you thinking about your brother? It's like, well... <laughs> my brother's a year younger than me we have different dads and then Caspar's like why are you thinking about him and then a knight comes in it's like we have to go there's a battle starting it's like oh oh my god so then Mercedes is like I have to go and runs and then Caspar runs after her and then we go into a battle in the sealed forest whatever it's it's some forest stage there's a couple the sealed forest yeah that's where we um that's where you fight like Kranya in part one. Oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 it's the same it's the same deal so like Okay, then then you have some premier reference for this where Solon is after you merge with Sothis. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. where the Death Knight is up on that little like raised area. Uh, that is also where Casper and Mercedes are. <laughs> but the rest of your troops uh, are at the very front of the I map. I fucking hate when they do paralogs <laughs> like that. Okay. Sucks. So we, we start off and, and like I said, they're, they're right up next to the Death Knight. And Mercedes is like asking the Death Knight, like, please take your helmet off. I like want to see <gasps> your face. She says, I've been searching for so long and the Death Knight doesn't say anything. And then the battle starts uh, and Caspar, you know, Caspar's up there, too, but he doesn't say anything of note. (laughs) So the first phase of battle starts and the Death Knight says, flee. I will not chase you. Challenge me and I will have no choice but to fight. Uh, and then he doesn't move. He doesn't move. He doesn't have any of the like the attack, you know, red arc thing that says he's going to attack anybody. He's just standing on that dais mm-hmm. and he's and, and even a, a thing pops up on the screen is like the Death Knight doesn't seem like he wants to fight you. Wow. So there's that. But then the, the, the little pop up says something about like it. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it said something that caused me to Google. Do I need to fight the Death Knight to get this full story <laughs> or can I leave him alone? Um, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, so, you know, you do the battle, you do the whole thing. Death Knight does not move. He does not attack. And at some point, more Empire reinforcements show up. And one of the guys uh, is like, Death Knight, you have to like a fight for us or whatever. And he's just basically just like, no. <laughs> um, and the guy's like, wait, what? Why not? Uh, he's like, I'm, I'm not, not going to do, do that. that. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> off. Um, so then you you defeat everybody uh, and the Death Knight just says, I, I must, must go. go and leaves. <laughs> 
It's like, okay. But then immediately after the battle, we get a scene with Caspar, Mercedes, Byleth, and the Deathman. Mm-hmm. And so they, they catch up to him, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Mercedes is says like how many years has it been i'm so sorry i should have come for you uh i'm sure it wasn't pleasant living in house bartels caspar says i don't follow do you know this guy mercedes and she says my younger brother emil is it really you and then he just tells uh he basically then tells mercedes like leave the monastery or you're going to die or i am going to have to kill you um uh, and she basically tells him uh, even if I die, I've made my choice. Please, Emil, fight on our side instead. He says, I, I cannot. cannot. My, my soul, soul has long departed, departed and yet here. And he gives you some like relic that like cuts mm-hmm. attack damage in half. Uh, and then he says, when, when we next meet, meet I, I will kill, kill you without, without hesitation. hesitation. She says, you won't kill me. I have this now, which is the, the thing he just gave her, which mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know, whatever. And then he says, do, do not, not die, die until I can kill you. you. And then the scene ends. <laughs> um... <laughs> Fuck me! What, what the fuck? Okay, I'm 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 looking at the wiki for the script just because I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure it was accurate. If Caspar defeats the Death Knight, the, the Death Knight goes. Caspar <laughs> says, "What is it? You got a problem with me?" And he says, "Take, Take this. this," and gives him the scythe of Sariel, <laughs> the, the the weapon that the Death Knight fights with. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, and Caspar says, "This is," and then Death Knight says, "I, I will kill, kill her. her. Until, Until then, then, she must, must live." live. And then he leaves. What the fuck? God damn it. I hate this game. <laughs> Why does he want to kill? Okay, first of all, before we get there. Yes. I called this. Yes. I mean, it's, I got this right. Yeah. It's not like terribly yeah, yeah, yeah. difficult to figure out. Oh my God. That's why he's wearing his stupid little mask. Stupid. <sighs> Dumb. <laughs> Dumb. Dumb game. Yeah. Like, like a fucking like Cinderella shit where like once I put on this mask, yeah. <laughs> nobody will recognize me or yeah. like. Uh, Clark Kent, Clark with, Kent yeah. with his fucking glasses. Come on. Oh, stupid. Yeah. So for those of you who have not listened to <laughs> our Black Eagle Blue Lions episodes, <laughs> the Death Knight is Yuritza and Yuritza is apparently Mercedes's, first of all, younger brother. Well, that's why she's so old. I always wonder why she's so much older than everyone. Yeah. She's older than Byleth. Yeah. And that's why. So it can make sense that her brother is Yuritza. Yeah. <laughs> her younger brother. Right. Um, <laughs> I just. But also he's so young that because like. I don't think he was like a year younger than her. I thought he was like a few years younger. Whatever. No, it it says a year younger in the like in their dialogue. He says, my my brother, he's a year younger than me. Stupid. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, Yuritza is Emil is Mercedes's younger brother. I got in like if I if and when I do a Black Eagles run, I have to recruit Mercy because they they must have supports together. Right. I guess they they have to. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Let's see. Let's look at the supports real quick. (laughs) Yeah. Just take a gander. Uh, See also Yuritsa supports. Yeah. Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I assume is where you find out what happened in House Bartels. I don't know, because um, mm-hmm. all you find out about him in the Black Eagles route, uh, Yuritsa, is that he was adopted into the Von Hrim family, mm-hmm. which was uh, the family that was interfering in or, or yeah, the family, the family whose territory Duke Iyer oversees. <laughs> right, right. Because they rebelled against <laughs> right. the Empire. Hrim and Ordelia went to rebel against mm-hmm. the Empire and then were that was quashed. And then right. the Von Eyer family was put in charge of their territories. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which then caused him to be sent to Bartels, I guess. 
or, or, or something, but, but yeah, we don't get anything more mm-hmm. specific there. So I, I, yeah, it's, you're going to have to get those support scenes, <laughs> I suppose. I guess so. Um, oh man. Yeah. Silly. <sighs> Bro- brothers um, and sisters. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's that scene. Nice. And then back in the real, back yeah. in the real world, uh, Fort Mercius. we're going to Fort Mercius. Um, I, uh, this is the part where I just really came to, appreciate the chemistry in this house where mm. when we're talking about the Fort Mercius plan, it's like everybody's involved in the conversation <laughs> and it just feels, it feels so much like, yeah, these are people who've been friends for years. Yeah. Like it, it feels very organic the way that they banter with each other. Mm. I love that the disguises are Hilda's idea. Yeah. I love that they're, they send Ignots to deliver the message because he has the most like innocent yeah. looking face. Yeah. Like I, I think I think it's all very fun that it's like each of these characters is sort of playing to their strengths um because like in in blue lions for example it was just basically just like gilbert's like here's what we have to do next and dimitri was like i want to kill edelgard and then everybody picks a side and it's just like not that interesting yeah. whereas here it's like everybody sort of contributes and um i don't know it just feels way more personal i don't know yeah. it's uh, i just love this house so much yeah, it's good i mean even the like we get student in 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 when i i keep saying this but like i'm I obviously can only speak on my black eagles run so i'm just gonna stop mm-hmm. saying it because i feel like i i have to preface everything i say with that yeah but no, that is, we all know yeah like all the students there or i guess they weren't students at that point but whatever would like question some stuff that were happening like i don't know if this is really the thing but they're still going along with it but like <laughs> here the questioning is like Hilda came up with this idea. Yeah. <laughs> Are we sure about that? Are we sure about that? <laughs> I really don't know. Um, yeah. I really don't know if this is the best plan. She's not like super reliable or whatever. Uh, it, uh, but it's just like, it's it's a doubt you would have about a regular person. Not like, I don't know right. if we should murder these people. It's like, I don't know if this person's idea to disguise ourselves. It's a great mm-hmm. plan. I don't know. But yeah, it just feels slightly more grounded in, in reality. It's just like, yeah. it's fun. It's more fun. <laughs> It is. I think also um, this is a part where I began to feel like this is the like Byleth to house lead relationship that I enjoy the most. You know, Claude notoriously calls Byleth teach in the first half of the game. In the second half, he just starts to call you my friend, friend. which I love. It feels more natural and it feels right. Like you there really is a a friendship here. It feels like a partnership, you know, I think it's notable, as we mentioned earlier, that um, after emerging with Sothis in the other runs, you're just like, the goddess gave me her power. Whereas with Claude, like there is a fade to black where it's implied you have told Claude everything yeah. about about Sothis. Yes. The fact that you've been with her, you know, she's been with you forever. Yeah. It, it feels so much more like an actual give and take relationship. And mm-hmm. the reason why I bring this up in this part is there's a part in one of these chapters, I don't remember which, um, but Claude, you have a conversation with Claude where he's like, you can be honest with me, like you're having trouble adjusting to this role, right? Because you weren't even a follower of Saros. And now you're leading the church, which like, thank you for saying that. Like no, nowhere else in the game is it acknowledged that like Byleth didn't know anything about the church before the events of this game and suddenly they're leading it. Right. You know, I appreciated in this this run having someone acknowledge that and like be asking how Byleth was doing because it makes Byleth feel like more right. of a character. Right. 
and I, I I don't know. I just think that it's it feels like in Crimson Flower, the game just seems to be recognizing like so you're doing this because you're like into Edelgard, right? <laughs> like they like they imply that Edelgard has a crush on Violet. Yeah. They imply that like, uh, you know, they give you the opportunity to call her cute and flirt with her and like do all of that stuff. They, they nearly force you to call her cute. <laughs> it's yeah, it's like bizarre yeah. the way that. They see and they're not wrong because I feel like a lot of the biggest supporters of Black Eagles who I've seen are just people who love Edelgard. Me. But yeah. <laughs> like I, that feels almost icky to me. Mm. Blue Lions. There's a lot of highs and lows with Jimmy Tree. So that is like an interesting relationship in that way. But like Claude is the one who feels like, OK, we're like really in this together. There is like an actual relationship here that doesn't feel forced and weird yeah. it's like it it feels organic yeah um so i i just really appreciated that moment because i was like oh okay there's like a give and take here mm -hmm. and the byleth is being imbued with more than just like blank slate uh, <laughs> you know, a silent protagonist right. who's railroaded into certain things like right. you can uh, like role play by a little bit more in this this run, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's you say it's icky and it is icky for that to for that to be by uh like motivation or whatever in the Crimson Flower route. And like, I agree. And it's, it's just it's 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 so interesting because like people always do this with games like this where like you're playing the silent protagonist or whatever and like you'll project feelings onto certain characters or whatever you'll do certain things because you you feel like unjustifiably like you have a crush on this f fictional character but like <laughs> for the game to be like yes that is what byleth is feeling is like oh mm -hmm. uh, i actually now feel worse about this because like mm -hmm. in my world this is a fake person <laughs> who like right. has pretty eyes and like kind of intimidates me. But in <laughs> in like the world of Fire Emblem, like she's a not a good person, mm -hmm. really. And like, I don't know. I don't think it makes sense for Byleth to like have a crush on this someone who was his student. Right. And like for all intents and purposes was like his student 10 minutes ago because he fell asleep for five years <laughs> while she became an adult. It's, yeah, it's just very weird yeah, it's, that it's the game strange. is trying to force you to do that. I know we're talking about Golden Deer, but mm -hmm. it's but it, with Claude, the, yeah. the relationship evolving from teacher to like friend. Friend, right. And like, I feel like the, the more natural. Yeah. And it it does mirror how I feel about Claude of like, you know, he was a student who I thought was a cool guy. And now we are like cool friends. Um, mm -hmm. So for it to mirror that relationship, I think is less weird and scary or creepy icky whatever right than the than the edelgard relationship and like for dimitri i'm sorry there like isn't really anything to mirror there because it's like <sighs> yeah it's just so antagonistic yeah in the blue lions route it feels like byleth is literally just there it's kind of like a camera <laughs> like you're there so you can see the things dimitri does well and like i think too like the the idea is supposed to be that Byleth is the one who really helps Dimitri out of his rut, you know, obviously with help from Rodrigue's parting words. Mm -hmm. But 
I found all of that so unsatisfying mm-hmm. for a myriad of reasons mm-hmm. that like I was like, all I said to him was like, follow your heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like it didn't feel a, like an organic sort of relationship or I, I don't know. Sure. It, it just didn't feel super grounded. Yeah. Well, that's because it's because the, like the, the stuff that Demetrius is going through isn't something that you can kind of just talk to somebody about for two months right. and then then be OK. Like it's something that right. takes a very long time, which I understand mm-hmm. that the game doesn't have time to deal with that i suppose but i just think it, again like <laughs> if the game really didn't need to go down the mental health route like it tr- literally yeah. could have just been like this guy's being a piece of shit and like it takes you know a, a really unfortunate turn of events and like some tough love from from byleth right. his former teacher and you know someone who like could be a friend i guess Um, Because really, there's never been a point where at that point where like Byleth and Dimitri had that kind of friendship. Maybe that's why it bugs me, Mm. because they know, you know, like there's you go from being Dimitri's teacher to him pretty much loathing you along with the rest of the world. And then you're like, follow your dreams. And all of a sudden (laughs) it's supposed to be like, we're best friends. Yeah. Um, It just like doesn't it feels weird. Whereas like if the idea were like this guy's just being a a dick and a I guess that's an understatement for a war criminal. But like (laughs) (laughs) if it were just a matter of like him just being you know angry and dealing with that and and projecting that in a bad way and you helping him realize like this is so unproductive and destructive and you're destroying yourself and you're destroying people that you love and like there is a better way right yeah like a person can experience the things that Demetrius experiencing without suffering from literal psychosis like right he didn't have to have hallucinations and hear voices and all of this stuff and then for Mm -hmm. that to just be like and like, like, I, you know, I, I don't think that there is some anything inherently wrong with them having pursued sure. the mental health angle, but the way that they resolve it, it is not justified. Yeah. And so it's like, if you didn't have time to, to handle that in a nuanced and sensitive way, you could have just, you know, gone down a different just path. But angry. I think <laughs> something that I will talk about again in this episode is the way that the game seems to really pull its punches when it comes to you know it it, like it makes everyone morally gray Mm -hmm. except for claude basically but it makes (laughs) it makes both dimitri and edelgard morally gray but at the end of the day it doesn't want to put you off of your waifu and so (laughs) like they have to be good at the end of the day you know so dimitri has to have this justification of well he's not he's mentally ill Mm -hmm. so that if you want to ignore all of those things about you know the fact that he is just a cold-blooded murderer Mm -hmm. who admits to killing children and Mm -hmm. shit like you can i guess it doesn't make it better that he did these things in the name of the voices in his head like yeah exactly i've i've taken us so far yeah sorry we are talking about the golden deer chapter 20 but i know or or chapter it's it's hard now having this bird's eye view and realizing there is just so much more care i think put into this run than the previous runs that we did yes and it's hard not to compare them anyway. Yeah. So Fort Mercius. <laughs> Fort Mercius. <laughs> um, this cutscene ripped. This cutscene was so cool. Literally, my notes say the cutscene at the beginning of the battle fucking rips. It's so <laughs> cool. It's sick. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. 
it it is so fucking rad. At first, I didn't understand what was going on. I was like, oh, this is the like mock skirmish or whatever. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I I just oh, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's really all I have to say about it. It's it's very cool. Yeah. Um, the Elmiran troops are actually good NPC allies. They like mm-hmm. do some shit. They get crits. <laughs> like, they kick ass. They kick ass. They they took some hits too in mind. Mm-hmm. I started healing them because I was like, I want these guys to live. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, really fun uh, to get to fight with them. Mm-hmm. I also really liked the post battle scene with. Uh, the rest of the golden deer where mm. Claude's like, so here's the deal. Yeah. And I, I appreciated that, like in this scene, Claude admits like, yeah, I know that my goal is not something that is easy to achieve. Right. Like I know that there is going to be resistance because right. I've seen takes where people have said that Claude is like too idealistic. Like, I don't think that he is. He cl- like he clearly recognizes there are going to be people who are not going to be pleased with what he's doing. Right. But he has faith in the fact that, like, once you put people in a room together, it gets really hard for them to, like, <laughs> you know, like the the way that he did with Nader and, and Holst. Uh, like that, that is almost a little bit silly. <laughs> like, it, basically, he puts them in a room together and they start drinking together and become buds. Yeah. But like, I, I do appreciate, like. Like he he just has faith in people mm-hmm. in a way in a non paternalistic way like mm-hmm. Edelgarden Dimitri do, <laughs> and I I just love he, you know when he's talking about his time at the monastery he's like you know Dusker once opposed the kingdom and but there was someone from Dusker in our class and Bridget you know Bridget and the Empire have had conflict but Petro was there mm-hmm. like we were all there um, and at least back then we were all friends. Right. So like, I, I have faith that this is possible. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with him being a little idealistic. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. He doesn't have to be upset and angry all the time, you know? Right. Like, I think that's the whole, like the thesis statement of this, uh, entire arc is like, you can be chill, but also like fight for the things that you think are right. And like, be earnest about that. But like Mm -hmm. you can kind of hang also (laughs) like I don't know. So I did this battle so fast. I don't know how like if you remember. Yeah, I so I made it complicated for myself because uh, if you don't recruit Caspar, he's on this map. and I didn't want to fight him. But at some point, the Death Knight tries to uh, escape. Yes. And you have to stop him. Yes. which makes it hard to avoid Caspar. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of had to finagle a bit. Yeah, I guess not having a, a unit I had to avoid because he he ran away and then I immediately warped and danced Byleth directly next to him. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that was quick. Um, so, yeah, I, ma- I managed to like pull it off. Um, and I was also um, I didn't want to defeat him until I got the stuff in the chests. Uh, was there anything good? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> probably i don't know um so yeah it's i i like dragged it out longer than i needed to because i had those challenges um (laughs) but then you know he like got towards the end and then i was like all right beep up boop kill um (laughs) and uh it it worked out uh so as you defeat the death knight he's like hey (laughs) follow me if you want to live 
And then we get yeah. a sick cutscene, um, of which I've seen the still of him pointing to the sky. I was like, mm. oh, this does not bode well. In mm -hmm. my head, I always thought it was, oh, this will be the Golden Deer, like, Aryan Road scene. Right. Because in Blue Lions, or in Black Eagles and Blue Lions? If it happens in Blue Lions, I think it it's just, like, something we hear about. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. That, like, something is destroyed, but uh, we don't get the scene. Yeah. No. In Black Eagles, I knew that Aryan Road got Javelin of Light in. Right. So it's like, oh, okay, that must be what this scene is. But no, it was the other strong impenetrable fortress that we don't hear about in any other route, I don't think. I don't think Fort Mercius is ever brought up. <laughs> Oh no, it is. Really? Um I yeah, I took Fort Mercius in the Blue Lions run. Oh, really? Um it just didn't end like this. Oh. And uh in that one, like in this one we have like a a sneaky plan. Yeah. In that one it's just like I guess we're just busting in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's like everyone just starts uh, at the bottom of the map. Um, yeah. I think like even I don't remember where exactly, but like you start outside of oh. the fort and have to make your way in. Interesting. Whereas in this one, you sort of start just on the inside, oh. if I recall correctly. All right. Um, because the idea is you've been let in yeah. because of Claude's sneaky yeah. ideas. So let me ask you, hmm? what did you think of the Javelins of Light being just bombs? Just <laughs> fully bombs? Like, it just looked like a missile. <laughs> yeah, no, they're just they're like meteors, essentially. I Let me tell you something. The phrase javelins of yeah. light drove me fucking crazy but, by the end of it. I'm like, uh, couldn't we just think of it like that is such a stupid turn of phrase. And they don't even look like just, that. No, they don't. Not at, at all. There's nothing like Claude is like, oh, that's a perfect name. That's exactly what they looked like. No, it's not. <laughs> like if anything they look like i know they don't have any description of missiles because this is a like medieval story mm -hmm. whatever like i don't know if anything it looks like a tower that fell from the sky or something like it doesn't yeah. look like a javelin of light in any way i do think no. the way that they fall though is sick like they come through these like weird circles that like are, are make a path in front and behind them i assume uh to to get rid of the atmosphere around it so it can fall faster i don't know mm. i don't know that's my that's me trying to just like science my way out of it um but i'm also a person who loves to have the way magic works described to me <laughs> yeah speaking of which how the fuck do they do that magic is magic from 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 when space, from space, whom space magic. from how they do the space magic but yeah i just thought that was uh I don't know. Yeah. Unsatisfying and strange, yeah. but um, sure. Whatever. Mm -hmm. So the Nadir reveal happens here. I think it's sick. I love Nadir. Mm -hmm. And then he just leaves. He's he like, yeah, bounces. I'm Nadir. Bye. Like, yeah. Oh, I gotta go. Okay. I'm supposed to be watching Claw's house, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I love how Claw's like, he's just, he's just house sitting. Right. <laughs> we have Nadir, the undefeated <laughs> house sitting for yeah, us. Yeah, right That's now. what I, when, when, uh, he showed up, he shows up in the, in the black Eagles route. I was like, oh, I can't wait to have this dude as an ally. Like he seems sick. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something too. like Judith sticks around after you uh, recruit right. her or whatever, but she doesn't have any like support scenes, which I guess I shouldn't really expect. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like Rodrigue saying right. Blue Lions, like there were no support scenes or anything with him. He was just kind of there until he wasn't. Yeah. It seems weird that they give Gilbert support scenes and nobody else. <laughs> Cause like Gilbert is also <laughs> a, a person that just like shows up and is like kind of there sometimes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, he's 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 really a like a I guess because he's like technically a knight of Saros at the beginning. He's like right. He's an actual unit. Sure. I wonder if you could like recruit Gilbert to the Black Eagles. Do you think you could do that? Um, I don't know. Because like, why would he ever join? Yeah, I don't know if you have enough time, but I guess 
I guess in a new game plus, like if you did it, you would probably have the support levels you would need to recruit him immediately yeah. in Black Eagles. I wonder. So you could try I it. I wonder. You could try it for your church girl run. I feel like I need to take notes on all the things <laughs> that I'm thinking of doing for that run. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, fun battle. Good battle. Disappointing that Nadir leaves, but whatever. He was a good unit yeah. while it lasted. Uh, should we move on? Uh, the last thing I Ooh. wanted to talk about in this section was Claude's Paralog. Oh, right. I did it in this one, um, and it has some implications for uh, what we learn throughout the chapter mm-hmm. or throughout the run. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it starts out with, I think, I forget the context, but I think like Claude has like done some research or something yeah, on uh, St. Macuil, mm-hmm. one Ma- of the saints. Mac- Macuil? Mac- yeah, something yeah, like that. Know. He was known for like forging weapons, uh, and there are... Tales of him having died at the Battle of Teltian, but there are other legends that say that he set off on a journey to find a new land. <laughs> and uh, Claude, I guess, has also found accounts of ruins in Srang, which is uh, another like territory north of like the kingdom. Like it's very far north. Yeah, it's um, a desert supposedly built to worship a sacred beast that appeared from across the sea. Um, and Claude suspects that might have something to do with Macuel and there might be some very powerful weapons there. Mm-hmm. And so we go and sure enough, there's like a big talking griffin thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, called the wind caller. Mm-hmm. Um, and we battle them. There are also these like cool, like la- like snakes, sand oh, snakes. Yeah. yeah. Those are really fun. Um, I love Dune. And um <laughs> is that a Fuck. thing in Dune? I've never Yeah, no, I've that's that that is the thing Dune. in Dune. Yeah. Great. Um interestingly, this the wind caller <laughs> can tell that Claude is descended from one of the ten elites. Yes. And says, You cannot be permitted to live. Uh it also has a crest on its forehead. And if you bring Sedith and Flane. I also brought Sedith. Okay, great. Um, I think I I think I only brought Flane. So then oh, I, went I only and brought looked Sedith. up set what Sedith. So if you mm-hmm. <laughs> Flane calls this thing uncle. Do you want to uh say what happens when Sedith encounters the wind? Uh yeah, when I mean when you go Sedith, the, the thing's like, hey, do you know these people? He's like, Yeah. Also, Saros is kind of in trouble right now. And he's like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> the thing's just like, yeah, fuck you. Bye. I like, it, uh, I think they say it like the, the, the kingdom of men disgusts me or something. It's mm-hmm. like, holy shit. And their wars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's good shit. Uh, battle this thing, get its weapons. Uh, afterward, Claude is like, huh? So the immaculate one is a monster sent by the goddess that <laughs> right. has a crest stone in his forehead. Could the wind caller be something yeah. like that? And then that's the end. Yeah. But you say like, oh, maybe that was St. Macula. And he's like, nah, Macula was alive like a thousand years ago. There's no <laughs> way that this big magic beast could have been him. That wouldn't make any sense. It's like, no, way. man, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Anyway, I, I do like that when you defeat it, it just falls asleep. Yeah. Like you you, you fully bring its HP all the way down and it just goes to bed. Yeah. It's just like, all right. <laughs> like, okay. Gonna... It's not like, oh, you've defeated me. Here's my weapon. It's just like you defeat it. And then Claude's like, well, I guess let's let's look for the weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, this looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what um, was it? I don't remember. I don't remember either. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, 
answers will be found. Yeah. Finally. Uh, ready for chapters 19 and 20? Uh, yeah. Chapter 19 and 20. Chapters 19 and 20. The Alliance invades Enbar, killing Hubert in the process. Regrouping outside the Imperial Palace, Claude and Byleth are approached by Dedu, who explains that he came to the city to kill Edelgard. He declines Claude's offer to unite, but passes along intel about the castle and asks them to finish the job should he fail in his mission. Claude steals himself for what lies beyond this battle observing that Fodlin will need a strong ruler, and lamenting that while he'd prefer to walk this path with Edelgard, she is unlikely to yield. As the Alliance forces breach the palace, Dedu joins the fray, apparently having changed his mind. On the edge of defeat, Edelgard laments that she was unable to have Byleth on her side and begs them to be the one to strike her down. Byleth obliges. After the battle, Judith approaches with a letter from Hubert, which was passed along to her by an Imperial Guard. Hubert, preparing for the possibility of Edelgard's defeat, wrote the letter to ask Claude and Byleth to defeat the allies of Tomas and Monica, whom he refers to as the threat that slithers in the dark. He explains that they hold deep resentment against the people of Fodlin and will bring great calamity to the world and that the destruction of Fort Mercius was their doing. He discloses the location of their stronghold, Shambhala, and reveals that Rhea is in a secret chamber in the Imperial Palace. Claude and Byleth find Rhea, who looks like shit. At Claude's insistence, she reveals what she knows. Nemesis was originally a bandit who plundered the Holy Tomb and stole Sophus's remains. He appeared in the Red Canyon some time later, using the Sword of the Creator to massacre the people there, whom she refers to as the Children of the Goddess, thereby plunging Fodlin into war. Claude deduces that Nemesis, like Aelgard, was a pawn of the Swifties. Let me explain. <laughs> For the rest of this game, we refer to the big bads as those who slither in the dark. Mm -hmm. Which is a very cool name, but a fucking mouthful. Mm -hmm. And I don't intend to say it again. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to come up with another name for them. They are given a name later, but it's never actually spoken aloud. Mm -hmm. It's just what they are referred to in the text of the game. Right. Uh, the Agarthans. So uh, I instead am calling them Swifties. Now, why is that? Uh, <laughs> I would love to know. My thought process I slither in the dark, snake slither. Uh, Taylor Swift is a snake, according to a popular meme. Uh, so I'm calling them Swifties. Now, I do not. I want to clarify for my real Swifties out there. I, I don't think that Taylor's a snake. Um, I think she's great. Actually, I have gone on record on this podcast about the fact that she is so powerful that she ruined Jake Gyllenhaal's day 10 years after they broke mm -hmm. up just by releasing a song. That's unprecedented good for her and also i have listened to an unbelievable amount of her most recent albums in the course of this pandemic mm -hmm. so um i this is not a knock against taylor i just <laughs> it's I just good. needed a shorter name so they're gonna be swifties yeah anyway although much is still left unanswered the scene ends afterward claude speculates about who the children of the goddess are observing that some are probably still alive 
since the Swifties are still seeking revenge. Okay. <sighs> Can we just start calling the children of the goddess like Halls or something? Sorry, that's stupid. That's no, dumb... it's not. <laughs> I it's saw you good. start thinking about it and then immediately regretted bringing it up. Jill, here's the problem. Halls is a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it's a single word. If, you're, if your antagonist's name is a sentence, yeah. no. Yeah, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Halls. So yeah, very interesting uh, to, to get to what seems like the end and then there's yeah. a whole other ending. Yeah. First things first, I was so happy when Dudu showed up. Mm -hmm. I was so sad when he said no to joining up with us. And I, it made me so worried that he was going to do the crest stone thing yeah. and turn into a monster that I was going to have to fight. Me too. Yeah, I messaged you about this. Yeah. Thank goodness that that was not the case. I don't know why he said no to joining up with us <laughs> and then was like, actually, yeah. I'm going to join up with you. Yeah, I guess he just wanted to do it solo so that we would think he was cool or something. Like, it, I mean, it Didu doesn't care about that. He's not like that. <laughs> <If you say so. laughs> I should know. I married the guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think it's really nice that he I mean as much as I don't love that it's like I'm gonna do what Dimitri set out to do and then disappear yeah, yeah I do think it's like nice that we get to see him I was very happy that it was like on good terms yeah <laughs> yeah he I mean he was great he really helped out with that one monster in the throne room and then immediately started walking away from Edelgard <laughs> <laughs> like he he defeated that monster and then whoever I had in the doorway was like being attacked mm -hmm. and he went to go help them instead of going to kill Edelgard. <laughs> I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. I actually thought about warping him directly to her. Me too, kind of. To let him take her out. Yeah. But I think she would have taken him out first because yeah. uh, she had some magic, if I recall correctly. Uh, I don't know. My only interaction with her was walking directly up to her and killing her. And killing um, her but yeah. I do think we are getting ahead of ourselves because there is the whole battle in Enbar or oh, like yeah. in the city outside. Oh, I didn't. No, nothing. Um, I don't even think. No. So uh, up until this point, like I had felt like I was getting better at the strategy part of the game or whatever, or like I had started feeling good about like, oh, I get. I get it. <laughs> like I get how the game works. Mm -hmm. uh, and granted, I was still playing on normal, so it wasn't super hard, but I was playing on classic. So the stakes were raised just enough where I was like, okay, I can't just like send everybody forward and not really care about who dies, whatever. And the battle in Enbar sets splits you up. Oh, so yeah. half of you are in the like Northwest corner and the other half is in the South spot, whatever, which I hate. I hated that. It happens so many times. There's so many battles where you're split in half. I'm like, why are we split in half? I mean, I guess yeah. strategy, it makes sense. Master tactician, et cetera. So I guess maybe that's also why I felt like I was like, oh, I get the strategy because I was able to work with half of the, the amount of uh, soldiers or whatever. But it just felt good. I, I felt really good about how I was sending my units around and doing stuff. At one point, I had warped Lorenz over across the river and then had Ignatz run across the bridge to get across the river. And then they like pincer movemented on these nice. like yeah it was good it felt really great uh also the death knight was there i had mercedes kill the death knight nice which triggered her basically asking him to like hey i don't want to kill you like join us um mm -hmm. he, he tells her to leave he says the place of your death is not here and then they fight which was weird i don't know where is the place of her i i just truly don't know uh and then he says yeah. to kill <laughs> he has the edgiest line <laughs> to kill to, to die, die, to, to know, know one, one without, without the other, other would be maddening. 
<laughs> okay, man. <laughs> sure. Great. Cool. Sure. You could have just hung out with your cool older sister, but that's fine too. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, I just wanted to touch on the, mm-hmm. I felt like I'm good at the strategy part of the game. So ma- it I'm makes so me want to play on hard to like yeah. actually be good at the strategy. Cause I was doing some stuff with like combat arts and gambits and whatnot, which I like didn't really even do in black Eagles. Um, mm-hmm in terms of like really thinking about what battalions I was giving people and like how that they would interact with each other and stuff like that. Um, so that was all I went to touch on. <laughs> I, I have done some of those. I mean, this is unsurprisingly Mike because I started with a level yeah. <laughs> uh, professor level. I, the kids were again, so overleveled. Yeah. Um, so I probably will play on, I was playing on classic, but it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> By like chapter 18, I think I had, like or maybe 17 or 18 i had stopped doing auxiliary battles i would do maybe yeah. one every two months because i needed an in, a, an mm-hmm. injection of gold so i would do one of the dlc ones that gave me sixteen thousand gold at the end um but otherwise i was just you know as purely vibes we were only leveling up in the, <laughs> in the story missions but i was you know still training them and stuff mm-hmm. uh at this point over the last two months i guess of this game i had been trying to get leone's bow skill up so that she could use the bow that she gets in her power log she's um, so good with a bow she fucking dude. rips with a bow dude holy shit yeah i i made her bow knight all the way and mm. it was incredible yeah she's an incredible unit but anyway so I, I had had some struggle, like we were all around the same level as the people we were fighting. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the Death Knight was actually like one or two levels above us. Um, so that made that interesting to try and like take him out in one turn without yeah. his counterattack, absolutely wiping my fucking team out. But yeah, so then we go inside, we kill Hubert and he's like, oh, no, I, I don't know. He yeah. doesn't say anything cool. <laughs> he just dies. <laughs> I really fucking I, I hate Hubert so much, dude. I'm so sorry for this man, but he sucks. I know, I can't. I, he, I mean, he gets a little bit of redemption in this one, but not much. He, I loved that, but that was, yeah. Um, sorry, we're all over the place in this, in this section, but Hubert, like having the forethought to like write a, in case we lose, like open Mm -hmm. in case of loss note, 10 out of 10 from that man. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was the one example. I mean, I guess, you know, it gives some justification to his, like, I do things that Edelgard doesn't know about. (laughs) Like she didn't know he wrote this note. Um, but, you know, obviously it was for a good purpose. But yeah, otherwise rancid. Rancid. Yeah. I mean, that battle was I didn't take many notes on it because um, it was basically pretty similar to what happened in the Blue Lions run. I since I had recruited Dorothea and Petra, it really Ooh. took the emotional stakes out of this <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because there's like you could go through the middle path, which leads you directly into a monster or you could go to the left or right which there are two monsters there, but they're small and easy to mm-hmm. defeat and then go through the doors there and come around the side and kind of flank them. Yeah. I did not recruit Dorothea. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to avoid her. So I just like brute forced my way to Edelgard yeah. in the second battle. Yeah. yeah. Like I, um, it's like you can, you, there's a door there. Yeah. You can open it and just sort of like slowly Steam get everyone in there forward. Yeah. <laughs> one by one. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much what I did. I did end up flanking on one side because there were like what's it called reinforcements, uh, reinforcements yeah. coming from from the back on the sides yeah. um so it's like to stop them you kind of need to send somebody there yeah. so on one side i flanked to the other side i just like went once i got in that door in the middle i just sort of mm. like went to the back but yeah i was like i don't have the patience to like do this whole map i don't really care what's in the chest at this point like there's only two battles left there was a whole weird like garden section 
like to the to the southeast that had mm-hmm. just units in it. It didn't look like any of them had anything. I think some of them had chest keys and stuff. I think that was right. If you were trying to do the whole thing, you had to get them. But like they were just there. It's like, okay. yeah. So the when I did this in Blue Lions, this is another situation where like we started in a different part of this map. It sure. was like you started in sort of that garden area kind uh, of okay like directly to your right was the garden area and directly to your left was like that area with all the chests right and i was like i'm not going back there like i don't <laughs> yeah i don't have the patience to do that yeah i'm taking this bitch out and moving on with my life and yeah. so um i i just went straight forward so yeah. i avoided killing dorothea that way got to hang out with jadu mm-hmm. loved it killed it and yeah i think i i <sighs> liked that claude was open to like yeah. Being chill with Edelgard. Yeah, <laughs> like, there was a um in the pre-battle chat, one of your options is like, I don't want to kill her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I get that. I don't really want to I don't either, either. But yeah. I don't think she's gonna give us the choice. Like if she does, I'm fully open to it, but I don't mm-hmm. think she's gonna. Um and, and sure I, enough, she didn't. She didn't. I, I tried to like only take not kill her in one hit, um, but Byleth critted and destroyed her. Yeah. Um so I looked up like if once you get her to half health, uh Claude is like, like you can give up and we like won't kill you. And she's like, No, I can't, blah blah blah. Oh, that would have made the whole thing more satisfying. Yeah, but I just destroyed her in one hit. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I had him attack her mm-hmm. and he destroyed her in one hit. And when, when Claude attacks Edelgard, she says, I understand your ideals are not far from my own, but without sufficient knowledge of this land's suffering, I can't entrust Fodlin to you. He says, perhaps it's true I don't understand the history of Fodlin. Still, I've seen many things. Don't worry, I'll finish the job for you. Wow. And that final cut scene... <sighs> tore my fucking heart out dude it's so i when i went back and looked at my notes i was like in that moment i was really shocked that it ended the way that it did yeah i did not think that byleth was going to kill edelgard in that moment me neither it was intense Mm -hmm. oh my god but she like i think i think if she hadn't said anything i don't think byleth would have killed her but she says straight up like you have to kill me she says, mm-hmm. um, your path lies across my grave. It is time for you to find the courage and to walk it. And then basically yeah. begs you, like, if I, ha- if I, begs you, if I must fall, let it be by your hand. Yeah. Oh, um, my God. So yeah, it's sad and it's fucked up. Oh, um, I also note if, if Flane attacks Edelgard mm. in this battle, she says, if you strike me down, they will return. I cannot permit what you desire. You are a ch- child of the goddess of Gyllenhaal. Uh, <laughs> You must not be allowed power. God, I'm sorry I said it. <laughs> you are a Gyllenhaal. You must not be allowed power over the people. Fuck. I mean, it works. It does work. It does work. We can't. We can't be giving the Gyllenhaals this much power, everyone. Yeah. So yeah, I. It was. It. It's intense. Um. And afterward, like the vibe is even before we hear what Hubert had to say both Byleth and Claude are like sad about the way that it turned out and say yeah. this isn't the ending that either of us really hoped for yeah yeah and then Judith shows up mm-hmm. <laughs> with a letter yeah Hubert not as shitty as you could have been yeah <laughs> yeah Hubert's one redeeming uh moment basically just writes a note that's like hey the those who slither in the dark exist we know where they are they are the reason for xyz they destroyed fort mercius and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh you have to kill them to make edelgard's sacrifice worth it right i like how claude's like wow hubert was a better man than i thought he was yeah um but he he also says like you could have just told us yeah dude <laughs> yeah 
that's the thing like yeah the whole theme of this i this uh i've already said what i thought the thesis statement was of this arc but i'm going to say another one is like just tell people stuff like when yeah. and and ask questions of people like when Byleth comes back after merging with Sothis, Claude's like, yo, what's up? And then Byleth is like, here's my entire deal. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. OK, we have come from a place of mutual understanding of the things that are happening now. And we can now move forward with all right. the information required to continue our relationship. Like even when you go to fight Edelgard, she says that I will smash the false false goddess and her minions to the ground, I will fight to free this world from her vile grasp. And like, she doesn't say that anywhere else. Like, she, we, we we don't talk about her her mission being to like reclaim humanity and stuff. We're just like, oh, she wants to take the church down because that's all she tells people. Right. Like, just right. tell people the information you have and maybe we can all come to some sort of mutual understanding that like, yeah, we don't want to be ruled by aliens. Like, <laughs> goddamn. Alien dragons. Dude. Jesus. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. It, it, like, it, I guess the frustration is that like a lot of the conflict in this game is a little contrived because mm. people are like keeping secrets that I don't think it would be rational to keep. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I think it goes back to like Dimitri and Edelgard being these royal kids who are like, well, it, I say the thing that happens and then it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, and and from Claude coming from the outside to be like, no, here is exactly here is exactly what is going on. And I'm going to ask questions. So other people tell me what is going on with the stuff that I don't understand. Whereas Edelgard mm-hmm. and Dimitri is like, I understand this. You need to trust that I get it. And I'm not going to tell you why. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think also as again, this is once we finish talking about all the chapters, like this will be clear, but like Dimitri and Edelgard are, to me just like both very tragic pawns in something bigger than they understand yeah but like it it's not that hard to figure it out you know like (laughs) so yeah we start we start we get half the story from Rhea finally Mm. um at first she like won't answer our questions and Claude gets pissed (laughs) he's like what Uh, the fuck like yeah also did you uh notice that uh, she has pointy ears. No. Yeah. In there's like a still of her like she, you know, because she doesn't have her right. like crown on or whatever. Oh God, and her ears are like poking out Fuck. from between the strands of hair and they're pointy like so. So this is. Oh, my God. I didn't even um, I was too distracted by how well they made her look like shit. Like her mm-hmm. portrait really made it look like she was being held under a yeah. fucking castle for five years. Her hair is stringy. She has like dark circles under her eyes. And I mean, Hu- Hubert tells you in the letter, like, I think she's in poor health, yeah. which like kind of fucked up to like, you know, just let her like languish yeah. and shit. <laughs> like, I also think uh, Claude figures out like, oh, the Swifties used Nemesis uh, to get what what they wanted the first time they basically like turned him into their their pawn to start this war yeah because he was just like a guy um before that yeah and they used edelgard the same way and i also like this brings full circle why edelgard was so anti-church you know and why she believes like oh they are evil monsters who like want to you know manipulate humanity Mm. as we will find out that is true but there's a reason for it this is why she like believes why why she views it all this way because it's probably been fed to her by the swifties her entire life yeah 
Um, so I, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Again, like Edelgard and Dimitri think they have it all figured out and they super don't. Yeah. But yeah, it, it like it gives the sense like Edelgard thought that she was the one in control with that tenuous relationship. And perhaps in the Crimson Flower route, because Byleth is there, that might be true. Yeah. But otherwise, it's super not. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't have much else to say. I think you you really hit yeah. the nail on the head there. <laughs> yeah. Chapters 21, 22. Uh, yeah. Chapters 21 and 22. Wow. The video game. Chapters 21 and 22. As the gang prepares to invade Shambhala, Claude wonders why the Swifties don't just destroy Garrig Mach as they destroyed Fort Mercius. Rhea explains that the Holy Tomb contains a power that repels evil. The Swifties once tried to attack the monastery, but their attack was instead diverted to Alel. This is why the children of the goddess gathered nearby the Red Canyon. In spite of her weakened state, Rhea insists on accompanying the group to Shambhala. Claude's forces arrive in Shambhala, a sprawling underground city with futuristic-looking tech, and begin to battle the Swifties to the ear-splitting sound of bad dubstep. Sensing defeat is near, their leader, Thallus, summons his Javelins of Light again, hoping to destroy Shambhala entirely and take Rhea and Byleth down in the process. Rhea goes full dragon and begins pew-pewing the Javelins with her laser. When the dust clears, Thallus has been killed and our heroes are safe, except Rhea has been gravely injured. Meanwhile, elsewhere in Shambhala, an undead nemesis busts out of a big chained-up coffin. Sure, why not? Back at the monastery, Rhea finally comes clean. She is the last child of Sothis, the last Gyllenhaal. Sothis came to Fodlin from far away, yes, that is all we get, and shared her quote-unquote knowledge and skills with humans to build a prosperous civilization. But the humans began to think of themselves as gods for some reason and challenged Sothis to battle, leading to a literal scorched earth war. The Swifties are the descendants of those humans who retreated underground and spent literally thousands of years plotting revenge. Sothis revived the world and fell into a slumber in the holy tomb. She left behind her children who settled in Xanado to protect the tomb until Nemesis arrived, wielding the sword of the creator and slaughtered the Gyllenhaals. Rey reveals that crests and relics were not in fact gifts from the goddess, rather they were stolen. Crest stones are the blood and hearts of the Gyllenhaals, and the relics are made from their bones. The Sword of the Creator was created from Sothis' body itself, and Nemesis stole her blood, which is how he obtained the Crest of Flames. After the Red Canyon tragedy, Rhea gathered the remaining Gyllenhaals and defeated Nemesis and the Ten Elites on the Taeltian Plains. This lore dump is interrupted by some grave but pretty predictable news. Nemesis is back leading an army of phantoms from the east and destroying everything in their path. Rhea speculates that perhaps the seal was broken when Shambhala was destroyed. If by seal she means some chains, then yeah, sure. Byleth is the only one who can defeat him, because Byleth too has Sothis's blood running through their veins. Why? Because when they were a baby, Rhea implanted Sothis's crest stone in Byleth's heart hoping to resurrect Sothis. We wait all month for Nemesis to reach Garrig Mach, apparently unconcerned about the warpath he's forging along the way. 
Byleth and company fight Nemesis and his ghost army, which includes spectral versions of the Ten Elites. All the while, some guy sings an incomprehensible opera in the background. In the final cutscene, Nemesis faces off against Byleth and Claude. Claude gives a speech about the power of friendship, fires an arrow into the sky, and charges Nemesis, who easily knocks him away. Byleth and Nemesis swing at each other, and Claude smiles as the arrow he shot into the air falls on Nemesis's arm, giving Byleth the opportunity to land the killing blow. The concluding narration explains that Fodlin's new leaders proceeded to build a new world that would cherish differences in race and belief, one where all life would be valued equally. Yay. Hooray! <laughs> we did it. Yeah, so this was absolutely bonkers, the last two chapters of this game. Yeah. Uh, Just. I, I don't even uh, know where thing. to begin. I, yeah, like I was wanting, I've been wanting this. Right. I guess <laughs> we have been asking for this. I wanted this, I thought. <laughs> And then I got it and I was like, this is so out of left field. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just feels so divorced from the rest of the game. But anyway, starting starting from the beginning, yeah. there were some interesting things that like conversations in the monastery oh, yes. that hint at a theme that is not actually, I think, explored in the chapter one monastery scene. Ash, you know, now that we've learned the true story of Nemesis, he says, which version of that story is correct? Mm. I don't know what to think, but I think that's the nature of history. I wonder what the generations that come after us will say about the Whoa. battle we're about to fight. And similarly, in chapter 22, Ignat says the Swifties descended from humans who were forced deep underground after the goddess defeated them. They're trying to wipe out the goddess and her followers in the hopes of taking back the surface. That's why they called themselves right. saviors. To their mind, they were. Mm -hmm. So there's this unexplored theme of the fact that like history is written by the victors. And I, th there's an interpretation, which when, when we after we maybe talk about the epilogues, yeah. we can talk about there is an interpretation of this game that where that is more to the forefront. I don't give the game that much credit, frankly, to think that it's it's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I suppose it's, you know, it's possible. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just think it's like that is such an interesting vein mm -hmm. that really doesn't get mined much deeper than that. Yeah. And uh, on a lighter note, we find out that like Hilda's brother was gravely injured because um, yeah. he, he tried to attack Nemesis. And it turns out, you know, he knew he couldn't win that face off, but he did it to allow his like friends and allies the opportunity to escape. Mm -hmm. And Hilda says, dying to save someone else seems to defeat the purpose. I wouldn't do it, <laughs> um, which is funny. But also like the point is like we know that Hilda would is the thing yeah. um because she's a good good person <laughs> yeah but yeah otherwise um just sort of i guess we should talk about the battle before i yeah um the shambhala battle before we launch into yeah uh a couple of other things i wanted to touch on uh in the monastery as well mm. uh is what happened to some of the empire families mm. um so uh, we'll talk about it well i guess we don't really have to talk about it but lysithia and ferdinand have a paralogue where essentially ferdinand's dad had escaped house arrest and then was discovered by some bandits and then gets murdered mm -hmm. he ends up he ends up dead at the end of that paralogue so that's what happens to <laughs> duke 
ire <laughs> and that, and that mm-hmm. whole thing. Dorothea, and I believe Caspar also says this, but Dorothea brings up that Count Burgley's basically gave up his life for his, like, the people under him. Like, he basically told wow. them to, like, take me and then, like, quarter all my knights and stuff. Like, they were just following my orders. Wow. Uh, okay. And he literally, he gets killed. That's wild. And, and saves all, all his men. So Dorothea is, like, immediately after we've defeated Aelgard, all the nobles are like cozying up to the alliance and the church. Um, they're really thinking about themselves, except Count Burgley's, who gave his life uh, so that his knights would be given quarter. Wow. She said, when I heard that, I don't know, the simple act of humanity, I couldn't help it. I burst into tears. And Count Burgley's is Caspar's father, in case we didn't know that. Uh, and when you talk to Caspar, he is just lamenting the fact he's dead. My father's dead. I'm OK, though. I was ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um like his dad, he's aware his dad played a huge role in Edelgard right. coming to power. He was the minister of military affairs throughout the entire thing and before the war even started. Mm-hmm. So he calls his dad, uh, uh, what did he say? He gave his own life so the Empire's soldiers wouldn't have to lose theirs. That's a fight that only he could take on. He was such a tough guy. This whole time I fought side by side with you and Claude, but did I ever get any stronger? Will I ever be as strong as my father? Which I think is kind of talking up his dad a little too much because he yeah. did lead an army, <laughs> but that's fine. Um, oh, we'll talk the re- revisionist history right. about uh, <laughs> these guys when we talk more about that Ferdinand paralogue. Because yeah, um, it's weird. Yeah, so that happens with Caspar's dad. Bernadetta's dad is no longer under house arrest, and she's like, like I can't go back to live with my dad. Please. Mm please do something. Uh, And then I say, how about we exile him? And she says, thank you so much. (laughs) Her support goes up and she says, thank you so much. That's so funny. Uh, Yeah. That was really it with, with them. That's so interesting. Yeah. And then since I do have Cyril and Cyril spends the entire time talking about like, I can't wait till we rescue Lady Rhea. I hope Lady Rhea is okay. I got to make sure everything's okay for Lady Rhea. Uh, I was walking up to him. He was on the third floor and I was walking up to him. I was like, oh, he's probably so happy that Lady Rhea is back. And his, his lines are Lady Ray is back. Lady Ray is back. I'm so happy. Oh my god. <laughs> Nailed it. Dude. Anyway. So that's that. Um oh my gosh, sorry. I'm just now scrolling through my notes and realizing how much I want to talk about all my people and the supports and stuff. So I I thought we were going to be <laughs> I thought that wasn't going to be a large part of the episode, but uh maybe it oh will boy. be. Anyway. So that's it. Did you have anything else to say before we go into this dubstep battle? No. <laughs> And I don't have much to say about the dubstep <laughs> battle either. I, yeah. first of all, that was, I, I think I might be in the minority here because I've heard people talk about how much they love this music. It was an assault upon my ears it to the point yeah. that I almost muted the game and played. <laughs> I, I was actually going to play um, Between Heaven and Earth, the song that plays during the Battle of Gronder. <laughs> uh, but then I was like, well, I want to hear the dialogue because I like the voice acting in this yeah. game. So I endured it. <laughs> I don't know if it was worth it, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, I don't know, like, why, why are the underground people an advanced, like, technologically yeah, civilization? Yeah, that's so interesting. It's, it's, it's kind of weirdly implying that, like, the church is against science. I mean, uh, well, I guess <laughs> this is not explicitly said at all, but maybe what it is, is, like, we hear that the church shared right. knowledge with humans and created this like very prosperous civilization but then people got like too big for their britches and challenged the goddess or whatever i I guess not the church but the goddess uh shared that knowledge so i guess maybe 
she shared knowledge of a technologically advanced civilization that they ended up abusing. Right. And so those people went underground. But then when she rebuilt Fodlin, she probably didn't share that knowledge right. again, I guess. Right. Is the point. It just. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So I guess it makes sense if I fill in those blanks myself. Yeah. It's kind of weird. <laughs> so weird. Like I haven't really thought about it until right this second, but it's like it's kind of weird that I don't know. It's just like. Why are they so powerful? Well, why are they so powerful? What's with the weird magic stuff? But like, I don't know what the game's stance is here. Like technology is bad and against God. So you shouldn't do it. I don't know. I Maybe I'm reading too much into it uh, of like trying know. to say that the game is trying to say something. But I, this game, the thing I've learned is that this game is not trying to say anything. Right. But it's like trying to make you think it's trying to say things um yeah. so that makes it kind of hard to like oh where do i need to uh mm-hmm. like where where do i need to dig for extra information and where am i digging too deep right I right yeah i i don't know and i just it is not actually that satisfying to get to the end and it'd be like oh this all happened because these guys want some revenge yeah for thousands of years yeah like it's I don't know it just doesn't I think that the war and stuff is like what's interesting about this game yeah and I do well I do think it's interesting to get to the end and be like this all happened because much more powerful forces mm-hmm. are manipulating both sides mm-hmm. which is a very grounded sort of theme but for like the way that it, it's like oh there's like some ancient alien civilizations yeah. kind of it's like oh okay like <laughs> i don't know it just doesn't yeah. i think what you said was that like all of the like narrative tension kind of is taken out of it because there were no s- emotional stakes is what i said right right yeah because yeah it's like well we just have to, now we just have to save the world right. um it feels like the end of a marvel movie yeah 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 yeah, yeah. wow it, yeah i just think it's so like if there was no if this was the only route you played all of a sudden not all of a sudden i, I don't even know because they're in the rest of the game you know it they, is set up that's the thing it is set up but it's just like it was it was maybe this is what it is it was too it was too drip fed earlier in the game where then all of a sudden it's like, here is all of this information. Go do the fight. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I feel like it could have been such a bigger thing in a way, like a more protracted, stretched out thing. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, too, like the idea of there being this like secret order of baddies is not in itself. Like, I, I think it was interesting all throughout the game to find out that it's like it's just there was a war all those years ago and they just want revenge for that mm. to the point that like they just d- self-destruct literally yeah. at the end to destroy Rhea. Like that's just not like the most interesting way that you could have. I don't know. Like uh, and the idea of them like living underground, like I think it's much more interesting if they're just like an order of baddies who like have this this information about how the church works um, or, you know, the truth about the church and want to harness the power that comes with you know, the Gyllenhaals. Um, (laughs) Like that to me is interesting if it's just like, they're just like scattered throughout Fodlin and it's just like, you know, that at least feels a little more grounded 
<laughs> ironically, than them living underground. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, like it just it's, it it didn't need to be so fantastical. Yeah, I think for their goal to be like, we need to get revenge and kill the children of the goddess instead of their. I think that is a less interesting goal than them being like, we need to tell the world the truth. Right. Because at least there, there is like some there is some there there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that makes sense in a way that like holding a grudge for a thousand years and throwing a temper tantrum in the forms of bombs like (laughs) that sucks it's just it it, i think it it totally it totally sucks all of the interest out of that story like Mm -hmm. it's it's built up so much in the first half and then in the second half we don't we don't hear from them in this story until we get that note from hubert there's nothing there's no indication the there's the well, there's the javelins of light, I suppose. But even but even then, it's like there's no even with Claude like reading and stuff. There's no like, oh, maybe this wasn't the guy. I don't know. Ah, maybe <sighs> you're right. We do like the Death Knight is obviously associated with these people and stuff. But it's just I, I think, too, it, it really flattens the. Yes. The like the conflict is so like we spend this entire game feeling like the church is fucked up. Right. And that never stops being true. But these guys are so obviously the bad guys. Yes. That it it just sort of flattens that whole conflict into something sort of dull. Mm-hmm. You know, like like it, it does obviously doesn't change like the moral questions about like the way that the church suppresses information, the way that the church suppresses uprisings, sure. the way that Rhea, you know, tried admits to trying to use a baby right. to act as a vessel to bring her mother back and was disappointed to find that Sothis didn't just like take over your body. Right. Um, she, you know, gifted you her power and then bounced. Like it obviously doesn't take away from all of that. But if at the end of the day, it's just like, those guys are still worse though. Like yeah. we can all agree. Those well, guys are worse. It's like you're, you're kind of taking all of the stakes out of that stuff. And we've spent so much time here talking about how Dimitri and Edelgard and ultimately the church are all morally gray, but to have the, the Swifties just be fully evil or whatever, like it's just not interesting. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if there was some sort of like, Oh, I can kind of get it. Like I kind of get what it just, and I do kind of get it, but like in the end, it doesn't even seem like it just seems like they've I don't know. And maybe this is the point, but like they've like lost sight of the true goal and have now just been consumed by this. Like we have to kill the children of the goddess. But like that was something that I just did right now on my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the game didn't lead me there. I don't think the the one thing that they do is that line from Ignatz where he's like, well, to them, they were saviors because right. they were forced underground. Right. But there's no question, like before they were forced underground, they committed genocide. Yeah. Like uh, they're they're so obviously evil. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It just it just doesn't feel that that interesting. Yeah. And again, I think it's another example of the game making a nod to moral grayness but kind of pulling its punches Mm. because like what what we find out is yeah the church keeps secrets or whatever but it's like for their protection because they were you know like fair enough um but like at the end of the day like that's just Rhea looking out for herself Mm -hmm. and like Sedith and Flame like there's nobody else Mm. you know so it's like that is worth 
you know, creating an entire system where like the the commoners are subjugated and, you know, people are like and yes, that's like humanity doing that stuff. But the church promotes it and Mm. they kill non-believers. And, you know, like it's uh, I don't know. It's just. Yeah, it's very weird. uh, I I feel like I could go on and on about this just like in a million different routes because like we, we said we would talk about this stuff all the way at the end i know um yeah i don't know <laughs> so yeah i uh, <laughs> with the nemesis thing I, the yeah. fact that we wait all month oh my f- is so stupid i was so especially when the game like ha- there are situations where the game is like all right we're just gonna launch you into this battle mm-hmm. there's not gonna be a month here why is there a month here? The fact that they were like, oh, he blew through uh, Goneril territory. He's mm-hmm. already past the Bridge of Murden. And like they say, like there are really heavy casualties, like people are dying. Yeah. And then and then it and just, we're just waiting throws us into the I wonder what I should do this week. Like, yeah, come on, man. Like at this point, everybody has their master classes. Everybody is trained in whatever secondary thing you decided to train them in after you got them to their master class. The only thing that I use this month for, I, I went to, I went to lunch every day. Um, mm-hmm. I did not have enough resources and I wasn't about to spend time fishing <laughs> to, to get more food so I could have more meals. Like, uh, I just, I, I, it doesn't make any sense. It's mm-hmm. so dumb fucking everybody every person you talk to i i talked to three scholars slash knights whatever and then i didn't talk to any of the other ones because Mm -hmm. they are all saying the same thing it's like oh i I thought yeah i thought everything would be cool but nemesis is coming come on i want to just sell my wares it's like hey this is like a world-ending threat like you're about to be fucking murdered and you're worried Mm -hmm. that you can't sell your fucking tchotchkes or whatever in the monastery (laughs) parking lot like come on man i know it's fucked up manuela is fully just lamenting how nobody loves her she's not even she's just like i'm so old and nobody loves me and i'm like no you're fine and that's the whole conversation she doesn't even bring up nemesis or rhea or anything i'm like girl (laughs) what's that what are you talking about it just people are dying people are dying kim people are dying (laughs) it just doesn't make any sense oh my god it makes me so mad and this is compounded by the fact i will admit i it was midnight when i got to this part so i was like okay i was i was pretty or maybe like 11 30 but i didn't finish the monastery until midnight because i had to fucking feed people because i wasn't just gonna skip the whole (laughs) month i guess i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah (sighs) i i mean i pretty much skipped the month i i I did one explore phase and then i was like seminar rest automatic uh instruction (laughs) like Let's get this the fuck up. I should have just ended the month. I should have just ended the month. Yeah. Anyway, but they shouldn't have given us the option. Is the thing. No. So the uh, battle happens. Battle happens. It's whatever. There's a swamp. I I enjoyed. Well, okay. Well, the battle was fine, but I let's. Mm. I gotta start at the beginning. Sorry. The moment the music started. <laughs> Yeah, I messaged you. I was like, this is the wildest shit that's happened in the entire game. I had to like I had to take a moment. Yeah, I had to take a beat. Yeah, because the music literally it's some guy like singing an opera. It's so dramatic. It sounds like nothing that's been in the game. Yes. <laughs> before. Um, I was just like, I can't like I, I just couldn't emotionally process it. <laughs> Bonkers. Yeah, it was it was a lot. 
So I, I the battle was fine, but I thought it was really interesting that the 10 elites were there. Yeah. In some form and they all had their, you know, their weapon. I thought that was cool. I thought it was so fucking dumb that Nemesis's weapon is the sword of the creator, but it has two crests. <laughs> There's two I of didn't them. notice that. Yeah, I thought it was just like uh, like a spectral because it's like the ten elites are specters, yes. kind of. So they're not like really the ten elites, and they yes. have spectral versions of their weapons. So I thought it was the same thing with Nemesis. I didn't realize he has double crests. No, yeah, there's two crests in it, and it's called the it's called like the Dark Sword of the Creator or something. Creator. It's like okay, man, but there's two crests. It's so it fucking is. stupid. Yeah. Um, the fight happens. Literally, you have to kill. I, mean, I don't fucking know. You have to kill the elites so that his shield goes down and then you can kill him okay <laughs> yeah he was he was hard to hit even with my over leveled students yeah. uh, or not hard to hit but like hard to to uh take him down yeah. but i just sort of positioned everyone there and mm-hmm. you know managed to have people attack him uh and not get uh completely obliterated, obliterated. Yeah. in their their counterattacks. so i could finally yeah take i got out. um i got byleth up to him at full health did my, you know, whatever the ruptured heaven attack, whatever, uh, Mm -hmm. did some damage to him. But then he took a step back off of his automatic healing platform to attack. And I was like, okay, I'll take that. (laughs) I stepped onto that. Um, Nice. And then I I, see I tried. One thing I have noticed is I try to use sometimes when when people are on those heal tiles, I try to use the combat arts or sorry, the gambits that move them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't work for bosses. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Like I, I had that happen twice, I think. Um, hmm. I think the first time might have been with the Death Knight in the the end bar battle. Sure. And then again with with him hmm. and with what's his nemesis in this one. Yeah. I was just like, come well, on, well, it's like let me do it. It's like all the bosses having that, like, they can counterattack from any distance. Like, yeah. That's not fun. <laughs> yeah. I hate that. But anyway, I got him. Mm-hmm. Um cool Claude <laughs> during the battle calls him a crusty old bastard. Really good. Really good stuff. It's so good. Uh, there's also, I don't know if you did this, but if you have Claude attack the elite Regan. Oh, no. There's some dialogue which seems to suggest that like Regan recognizes him, but also like Claude observes like, oh, this is like, these aren't really the 10 elites. They're like spectral versions of them yeah. that are just controlled by Nemesis. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought that that was kind of um, interesting that nevertheless, this this guy has some dialogue with Claude such that he seems to recognize that this is his descendant. But I think mm. he's just like, you have to die or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, I think that last cutscene fucks. It's a cool um, cutscene. It's a really cool cutscene. It rules. I mean, the battle mm-hmm. it, are always fun to watch. Uh, Nemesis is a huge guy. So seeing him swing a sword around is fun. I do just absolutely love that Claude <laughs> reveals that the real fire emblem was the friendship French, in our hearts. Yeah. I, I just love that he gave that speech. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And then it all turned out to be like one of his, his schemes just to like distract nemesis mm-hmm. basically while he shot that arrow into the air or whatever and perfectly positioned everything. So mm-hmm. I could take him out. I just like toe to tip, just delightful yeah. <laughs> in all ways. Um, yeah. I thought it was uh, <laughs> very funny and very fitting yeah um yeah my my the thing that made me laugh out loud was the thing happens the arrow comes down stabs nemesis's arm and then byleth kills nemesis as soon as nemesis hits the ground byleth is up and like smiling and like giving a thumbs up and they shake hands <laughs> it's like it's like okay he's dead we gotta go we gotta get out of here we've, yeah. we've spent too much time in this cutscene. So it's I was like, like all right time to <laughs> start like, a new dawn let's revel in this a little bit gang like yeah like holy that. shit uh, very funny stuff, but, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, 
that's that. And then we get the the final um, tapestry narration. Yeah. Uh, one quick thing about about Byleth's origins, which I think we can all agree are fucked. Um, there there is a little bit more to that okay. from the church house. So I just I I just Googled because I was like, I'm I may do a church run eventually. Yeah. I don't know. As I said in our Discord, because I'm in the teacher's lounge now. <laughs> you gotta join me in there. But as I, as I said in there, I was like, I am either gonna be low-key playing this game in the background for the rest of my life just like working my way through runs at all times uh, or I'm never gonna touch it again Mm -hmm. and there will probably be no in between so I googled what do you learn in the church route that you don't learn in the golden deer sure and I'm wondering if you want to know that or if you want it to be a secret If it's something that's just like a minor detail that'll like kind of make stuff make more sense. Yes. If it's like mm-hmm. an entirely different story beat uh, that like, I don't know, unravels it's, a whole it's thing. It's not like, an entirely, entirely different story beat. It just sort of it gives more context to the uh, implantation of the crest stone in Byleth um, okay. and a little bit more information about Geralt. <sighs> mm. Or I can give you one and not the other. Oh, okay. If you can, if you can not give me the stuff about Gerald, I okay. think. So basically, um, Rhea had been implanting the Sothis Crest Stone in people for like a long time, Girl. trying, <laughs> trying to, oh my uh, God. yeah, get the goddess back. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, get Sothis <laughs> revived. God. Um, it failed every time. Byleth's mother was one of those people and Byleth was, but she, you know, she like was uh, pregnant with Byleth and I guess it's like they implanted it. It didn't work to bring Sothis back. So she was just like a woman. Okay. But she was still alive. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, fell in love with Gerald, had a baby, uh, but Byleth was born, stillborn. Um, That's what I had a feeling. And Byleth's mother asked Rhea to save to save Byleth by transferring oh, it to Byleth's heart. yeah. Okay. So she would need to take. So that's room. how, that's why she died. Uh, yeah. That's how Byleth lived. Got it. So it's it, it takes away some of the like, I can't believe Rhea did this shit. Um, mm. But at the same time, she did absolutely want Sothis to take over Byleth's body in yeah. the end. Yeah. Like, because that's what she that's what she expected that's when we goal. went to the Holy Doom. Right. Uh, and what didn't pan out for her. And I think it's why Sedith is like, what the fuck, Rhea? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. did you do? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just an interesting context to yeah. all of that. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. I thought it had something to do with who Gerald, is, like how Gerald is still alive. Like, I assumed that it would have had something to do with that. But Well, that's. I have that information, but oh, you told okay. me you asked me not to. Yeah, fair enough. If um, if while we're talking in the in the in the latter part, mm-hmm. if it becomes clear that like, oh, it's not that big of a thing, then you can just tell me. But like, I learned I mean, stuff about like how. I, I mean, we I think we kind of talked about it about we did like an Aloise and, and Leonis. But I know more details about it. I can't even begin to guess what the other details are because like. Okay, sorry. Let's we can we can talk about it yeah, then. Let's and talk then about it then. <laughs> I'll see if there's a way to yeah. bring it in. Uh so yeah, uh ep- epilogue? Yeah, epilogue. Okay, uh well first we have to reveal our smooches. Yes. Not that it's big revelation. Yep. So uh, I chose to S rank Cl- 
plot, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's supposed to be pretty shortly after the battle. Claude thanks Byleth for all of her help. And we talk about how this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We talk about how we're going to need to set up a new system for running Fodlin. Mm-hmm. But there is a coronation that is planned. Okay. And Claude's like, I'm not going to be there. So I guess we don't. Uh, but but he's like, you should be coronated. Like, you should rule. <laughs> okay. So it's like, we, we need to set up a new ruling system, but we are already planning a coronation, but we don't know who's going to be coronated. It's just like a bizarre. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, weird. Yeah, a lot of hand waving there. But the point is, he's like, I'm... I have to return to my homeland. So, you know, I leave Fodlin in your hands. He basically did what he wanted to do here. And now he has to go do the same thing in, in Almira, essentially. Um, there are, you know, the people there are equally as prejudiced. And so he he wants to, you know, bust down those walls, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he basically says, I know that you're going to, uh, you know, promote values that won't exclude anyone for being different. So I, you know, I trust that you'll be a good, good leader. And he says, you know, I, you, I used to just want to create a new world. But over time, I realized that what I really wanted was to see that world with you by my side. And he says, I still feel that way. I always will. But that's why I have to leave. But nothing will stop me from coming back. There's no way I'm going to let you go. You know that, right? (laughs) Um, and you know, he, I, I think the, with Byleth by his side is the point where he like brings out the ring. Uh, and so they embrace, he says, I love you with everything I am. Next time we see each other, it will be the dawn of a whole new world, a peaceful, happy world. Um, it's a really sweet scene. Um, it's nice that he says, I love you. The, the, um, the portrait you've seen it, um, is whack. He looks like shit in it. Uh, the chin strap looks worse than ever. He's, he's winking for some reason, even though he's hugging Byleth, so she can't see the wink. Um, and, like, his eyes look crooked. Like, I'm so sorry to whoever did this art. I'm not, you know, I could never do this, but, ooh. It's ooh. just... He it's, doesn't look great. It's but, so different from any of the other art in the rest of the game. It's so strange. Mm-hmm. It's so strange. It looks so bizarre. Uh, and, like, not as cute. Nobody looks as cute in these, you know, ending S rank mm. uh, stills as they do anywhere else in the game. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. tell me about your uh, yes. your proposal to Leone. Yes, I proposed. I S ranked Leone. We meet up in the Goddess Tower. She's looking at the sky, talking to Geralt. I asked what she was talking about, and she says that the war's over, and that his kid is the uh, his kid and his greatest apprentice uh, apprentice <laughs> did an amazing job out there. Haha, <laughs> maybe I'm overselling the part I played. So then we talk and then uh, in our previous uh, Goddess Tower thing, she had made the promise to be we'll, we'll meet up back here and she would be the a mercenary beyond compare. Um, mm. And she says that she's like, oh, well, there was, you know, there was no way that I could ever surpass you, but I have managed to keep my promise. So would you hire me again? <laughs> um, like as a mercenary, like as a mercenary, so we can keep spending time together. Uh, I'm like, oh. well, you've, you've fulfilled your promise. And she's like, but but there might still be enemies work lurking in the shadows. I better stay by your side to make sure you're okay. And I'm like, no, I'll be good. And she's like, oh, I, you're probably tired of me trailing after you. And my line is not at all. In fact, 
I love you, Leone. <laughs> Which is like, oh, okay. okay, geez. Uh, <laughs> and she says, love? As in as in the way the commander loves his soldiers? Uh, of course that's what you mean. Oh, it's that kind of love because I show the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, you want to marry me? Of course. Uh, all that stuff about my promise was like, I was just trying to get to spend more time around you. So I'm glad that you actually love me. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, that's actually kind of cute that she's like, She's just trying to, like, stay in the vicinity, you know? And she says, you've got a big job ahead of you building a whole new Fodlin. So I guess I also was put in charge here. I'm going to support you through all of that. Make sure it never gets to be too much. Then that's that. I promise to protect you until death parts us. And I'll be happy for you to do the same for me. Aw, that's nice. It's very sweet. I love Leonie so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I started thinking, like... It was like weird that it's like my dad and her mm-hmm. mentor or whatever, but like mm-hmm. I don't think it's that weird. I think it's no, fine. I don't think it's, it's that fine. weird. You two didn't grow up together. Right. It's not like right, exactly. It's just like we had we both had a the same person that we looked up to, which mm-hmm. is still a, a kind of weird, but not like we're step siblings or anything weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that. I love okay. my wife. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you have many happy years together. (laughs) You as well. (laughs) Thank you. You as well. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So everybody else? How's everybody else doing in your your route? Um, Well, Alois, son Mm. of the knights, Mm -hmm. son spelled S-U-N. Oh, okay. (laughs) Once all the fighting had come to an end, Alois officially took up the position of captain of the Knights of Saros. I don't, is there a church of Saros anymore? I don't know, but sure. (laughs) In this capacity, he was much beloved and the Knights became more unified than ever under his command. It is said that their accomplishments during his tenure were beyond even what Geralt's troop had achieved. Wow. Flane disappeared soon after the war and over time was all but forgotten that she had ever existed. Many long years later, however, a young woman resurfaced in a completely transformed Fodlin, when she looked to the man who stood beside her, she wondered if it would be all right in this new era to call him father. That was the one that I got in the my my yeah buckets. yeah. Uh, Sedith uh, remained at the monastery and worked to restore the authority of the Church of Saros, doing away with his old strictness. He adopted a tolerant stance toward all. His encouragement of believers to respect those of other faiths helped the people of Fodlin to find common ground with others cool uh felix so this is the part where i i must admit to my folly so i had a whole plan i first of all starting off i was like i'm just gonna let the chips fall uh and then i started back on my bullshit i wanted to pair people up Mm -hmm. and then i completely changed course i so what happened was i unlocked the a supports i thought i wanted and then i was like well let me read what the other a supports that i'm not doing would have been for these characters and realized that i had made a grave mistake (laughs) so i had been planning to put linhart and lysithia together so that linhart could uh save her her life i had been planning to put ignatz and marianne together because they have some beautiful supports together they really do um and i had been planning to put Raphael and flane together sure um my headcanon was Raphael. absolutely no way that this man ever figures out that flane is a saint <laughs> right right uh, even if he's told i don't call, think it's really it doesn't process yeah. and so Sedith begrudgingly is like yeah i mean i guess if you have to end up in a romantic relationship with someone <laughs> <laughs> at least this guy is never going to spill yeah. the beans because he doesn't yeah. fucking get it. Uh, so I thought that would be fun. Yeah. And then I and read then. a Lynn Hart's a support with Marianne. 
Oh. Where he all but admits yeah. that he is in love with her. Yeah. I was like, I have to let him be with his true love. <laughs> It got me in the heart. And then the other thing that I did is I read what happens if uh, Ignatz and Raphael end up together. And I'll get to that later. So I tried to change course and it was too late. Yeah. Linhart and Lysithia were already at max support. Yeah. So I couldn't fix it. And so here we have Felix who ends up alone, who in mm-hmm. my alternative thing, I was going to try and put him with Lysithia because they have a delightful support chain. Um, yes, but they do. I was unsuccessful. Sure. Spoiler alert. She ends up with Linhard, which we'll talk about. But so here is Felix on his own. Even after the war's end, skirmishes continue to break out across Fodlin. Bored and restless in his capacity as Duke Fraldarius, Felix abandoned his title, jumping at the opportunity to wield a sword again. Little is known of his whereabouts thereafter, but even many years later, soldiers continue to whisper rumors of a mysterious man able to deal swift death to scores of enemies. Nice. Marianne, unfortunately, also ended up alone. Yeah. I felt so bad about this, but I uh, get back to it. Marianne (laughs) returned home to a hero's welcome. The people praised her talent and acknowledged her as a savior of Fodlan. Her adoptive father groomed her as his successor, teaching her the power of words over weapons. By the time she claimed her inheritance, she had transformed into one of Fodlan's most skilled orators. Wow. This pairing I planned from the beginning and never swayed. Okay. Petra and Ash. Mm-hmm. Petra took Ash with her to her homeland of Bridget, where she inherited the throne from her grandfather. With Ash's guidance, she established an order of knights and used that order to declare independence from Fodlan and renegotiate diplomatic ties on more equal terms. Over years of work, reforming diplomatic and military policy together, Petra and Ash fell in love and eventually were married. The people of Bridget warmly embraced the union. It is said that the name of the knightly order, the Blue Sun, was born of their mutual love of swimming in the sea. Oh. That's a part of their their supports, which we'll, we'll talk about the so line. That is so sweet. Is, yeah, they talk about swimming in the wow. ocean together. Uh, so Linhart and Lysithia. Though Linhart researched vigorously for a method by which to remove the crest from Lysithia and save her life. The war ended before he could reach any conclusions. Lysithia, deciding that she should return home to her parents, thanked Linhart and took her leave of Garrick Mach. Not to be deterred, Linhart set his affairs in order, renounced his noble title, and followed Lysithia to Ordelia territory to continue his research. Years later, his efforts bore fruit, oh and Lysithia's God. crests were successfully removed. I thought you were going to say he didn't do it. I was about to die. No, I was like, no. no he did it. With a new future ahead of her, Lysithia, too, renounced her noble claim, and the couple married as commoners. It's said they raised a very happy family. That's so sweet. Yeah, so I did like how that ended up. Lawrence ended up alone because I refused to, A, support him with anyone. He doesn't deserve love. I agree. (laughs) Soon after the war, Lawrence assumed leadership over House Gloucester and helped govern Fodlan as a representative of the old Alliance lords. His political talent yielded revolutionary policy changes, many of which were of particular benefit to the common folk. Yeah. Uh, Leone and Shamir. Whoa. They're lesbians, Harold. Leone, <laughs> they're not in this, but in my in sure. my heart, in my mind, 
Yeah. Leone assumed leadership of the mercenaries formerly led by Gerald. One day she was hired to protect a noble who had been warned of a bandit attack. The warning note listed all of the noble's foul deeds and was signed with the image of a spider, which Leone recognized. Oh my God. Do you know? Yeah, I got that. I got that support. Uh, of her uh, being afraid just of as she suspected, the one who came on the appointed day was none other than Shamir. Leone was happy to break her contract on this occasion and even offered Shamir a position in her company. The result was the most famous mercenary group to ever to exist in Fodlin. Wow. It is said that their flag bore the image of a spider and... And yeah. another vaguely arachnid creature. <laughs> uh, so for those who aren't familiar, I'll just share it now. Leonie and Shamir's support line talks about how Shamir hates bugs. And so she would like draw pictures of spiders to like practice throwing daggers at or like yeah. shooting with arrows or whatever. So she suggests Leonie do the same thing, except Leonie can't draw for shit. And Shamir like makes fun of her for oh it. Oh my God. Um, so I, I just love that so much. It's delightful. Mm -hmm. This one is another one that I really set up. Ferdinand okay. and Hilda. Yes. After becoming the new Duke Iyer, Ferdinand married Hilda, the daughter of Duke Goneril. Their marriage was warmly received by the people with high expectations placed on them as they set about restoring the territory. Hilda rarely took part in politics herself, but she still contributed greatly by recommending exceptional people to influential positions. Her hobby of creating fashionable accessories also bore fruit as her designs achieved widespread popularity and she created the first artisan academy in Fodlin. The school produced many talented craftsmen, including Ferdinand himself, who is said to craft handmade trinkets for his wife. Wow, that's so sweet. Raphael and Ignatz. Yeah. Raphael returned to his hometown to serve his liege lord as a knight and spent his spare time helping out at the inn that his family had opened during his time away. He was compelled to give up knighthood and manage the inn full time. However, when his sister Maya suddenly declared her ambition to become an artist and vanished, years later, when she finally returned, she did so in the company of another artist, her husband Ignatz. <laughs> with cheerful support from Raphael's family, Ignatz and his wife rose to prominence and with their unique style, set the artistic paradigm in Fodlin for a generation. Did you ever figure out why Ignatz wanted to become an artist? I don't know. This is laid out in two different supports. There's, uh, I think it's Ignatz and Leone's B support, I want to say. Ignatz mentions that he's wanted to be an artist ever since he was a kid when he drew a picture for a little girl and she loved it so oh, much that she kept it. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And in Ignatz and Raphael's A support, you find out that... Ah, I didn't even make that connection. Raphael's little sister has an image that Ignatz drew that she's kept all these years. It's really sweet. So it's like, I, that's so cute. She's the reason he wants to be an artist. I got to mm. put them together. And finally, I know I've been taking so long. I mean, there's a uh, lot. Byleth and Claude. After ascending the throne as the first leader of the United Kingdom of Fodlin, Byleth sought to rebuild the war-torn towns and villages and to help guide the reformation of the Church of Saros. After a few months of peace, remnants of the Imperial Army joined with those who slither in the dark and marched upon the capital city of Deirdre. I thought we killed them. Yeah, wait, what? I, I mean, Cornelia was still around because we never find out who oh, she is. Yeah. Weird. The new kingdom lacked the power to repel the invaders, but when defeat seemed imminent, a battle cry rang out from the east. Claude, the newly crowned king of Almira, 
led a mighty army that broke through the rebel forces with ease. This show of solidarity forever altered the course of history, heralding a new age of unity. What happened to our marriage? Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, like, I, uh, do we get married? Like, no, you get coronated, I guess. <laughs> he told me he loved me. And then he uh, left. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That kind of stinks. Well, Bummer. he said he'd be back, but he was back. But then did we not get married? I don't know. We got married in my mind. Weird that that's kind of mm-hmm. just like hand waved. Um, interesting. Uh, so I had a couple of the same ones. Um, I also had Raphael and Ignatz. I also had Felix. Uh, I also had Sateth and Lorenz. Did you also refuse to A rank? Yes. Well, no, I, I A ranked him with people, but the people that I A ranked him with, I was really working hard to get them with other yeah. people. Got so one, as soon as he A ranked people, I just had him stop talking to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I would only like I would eat meals with like him and Catherine who only go up to a B. I think. Oh, no, actually, oh, I think nice. they do go up to an A. So I him and somebody else who who he either didn't have supports with or only went up to a B. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I was safe. Amazing. Um, so I have a bunch because I recruited a bunch of people. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the one I will skip, though, is Anna because I had Anna, the merchant. Oh. She just remains a merchant. <laughs> period. Me. Like, that's the Good whole thing. Uh, Annette. Who I had recruited because I recruited Mercedes and I couldn't not recruit them both. Uh, Annette returned to her hometown of Ferdiad where she took up a teaching position at the Royal School of Sorcery. She was a gifted instructor and many of her students went on to become world-renowned sages. Though her talent for teaching was remarkable in its own right, she was perhaps best remembered for effortlessly securing the trust and respect of her many students, as well as inspiring all who knew her by living a life of kindness, cheer, and humility that she yeah. becomes a teacher like Byleth. she becomes a teacher and doesn't talk to her dad ever again <laughs> yay fuck gilbert uh cyril uh ended up with no one uh unable to serve Rhea any longer cyril nearly left the church he was persuaded to stay however to assist in rebuilding the monastery he had helped maintain thanks to his devoted work ethic the officer's academy was able to reopen a few years later when the new students took the reception hall cyril found himself among them so fucking sweet that makes me really happy uh bernadetta eternal loner (laughs) as soon as bernadetta inherited house varley from her father she withdrew from all political discourse and focused solely on the management of her own territory because of this and her penchant for spending long periods of time in quote-unquote hibernation she became known throughout the house's history as the bear of varley okay i don't i don't hate that for her no uh ferdinand noblest of nobles uh with no one after reclaiming the title of Duke Iyer, Ferdinand set about reforming his territory. He overcame numerous obstacles to help the lands of Iyer recover, and in recognition of these achievements, he was invited to take part in helping to govern all of Foldland. Sure. Okay. Uh, Catherine left the Knights of Seros and set out to travel across Fodlin with Thunderbrand in hand, which is funny because I t- imme- I recruited her and immediately stole <laughs> Thunderbrand and gave it to Lorenz. I believe you told me that you recruited her just to get Thunderbrand. Just to get Thunderbrand. Uh, it's a good sword. It's a really good sword. It's a good sword. Uh, she wandered the countryside, seeking always to defend the innocent and punish the wicked. Her many years of heroics ensured that she would always be remembered by the people as a beloved folk hero. And okay, so now here is kind of where I, I fucked up as well. I wanted to get Ignatz and Flane together. Oh, um, I like that. Because all of Ignatz's 
<laughs> all of Ignatz's things with with I think for similar reasons why Flane would end up with Raphael, he would also end up she would also end up with Ignatz because she really lays it out for him and he is not yeah, figuring it out. He's like, he's like, wow, I love Saint Sethlene. She's like, really? Do you think she's as pretty as me? <laughs> and he's like, I can't answer that. Yeah. <laughs> That's disrespectful to the saint. Right. I want to paint a picture of Saint Sethlene. Can I use you as a model? She's like, yeah, absolutely, for sure. I it's just like it's so funny but mm. that that didn't pan out uh ended up with Raphael, which i was still happy with but i did end her up with uh linhart because i oh. wanted to get okay. up to their a support uh so linhart and flane immediately after the war flane disappeared from garrig mock at the same time linhart mysteriously abandoned his claim to house hevering and also vanished it was suspected among those who knew them that they had eloped although no one seemed to know just where they went over a decade later well after the officers academy had been rebuilt something strange happened a sleepy young girl with antiquated clothing and the major crest of Sethleen enrolled. Over the next two years, a young boy and girl with the same crest also enrolled. Uh, though crest scholars deduced that they must be siblings, the truth of their lineage was never definitely proven. <laughs> you look real confused. I am really confused. So they were just fucking like rabbits is what we're... Yeah, well, so they're a support. <laughs> they're, just, they're, they're just having a lot of kids. They're a support. So Linhart immediately clocks that uh, there's something weird with Flame. Yeah. Like, obviously, oh, yeah. she is Sethlene or is like the only person with a major crest of Sethlene. So there has yeah. to be well, something. Well, he's like, Sethlene, like, uh, I forget if she says it or he says it's like, Sethlene never married. So, like, yes. nobody should have her crest. Yeah. Because right. she wouldn't have passed it down. Um, so, in his A, in their A support, he's basically like, I think, like, <laughs> it's so weird because he lays it out it's like i really like enjoy spending time with you and blah 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 also if we were to our, our or no he starts off that whole conversation with we should get married because i have a minor crest of sethlene and you have a major crest of sethlene and that is never there's never been children mm. of of that lineage before so you know we should we should get together and have we would only need to have five kids for a good experimental sample size. And she's like, what? Why what do you, you want to just you want to just get married so that we can have kids for experiments? He's like, well, no, I really like you as well. This is Sedith's worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why they leave and elope and never show back up. Um, so I, I like that. I don't know. I think it's funny. It's good. Manuela left Garrig Mach to build her own academy in a small war-torn town. There, she contributed heavily to rebuilding efforts while teaching future generations the necessary skills of survival. Though she never married or had children of her own, she spent the last years of her life happily devoted to her students. So she remains a teacher. Mm. Uh, Shamir, it, it's, it's her solo one, which is the, it's the exact same as it was last time. Um, she ends up just like a mercenary who just kills people. Um, <laughs> Dorothea and Petra. <gasps> Uh, they finally ended up together. This. I wanted to get them together in Black Eagles, but I just didn't pan out. Petra returned to her homeland of Bridget and inherited the throne from her grandfather. As ruler, she declared independence from Fodlin and renegotiated Bridget's diplomatic ties to that nation on more equal terms. At every step along the way, she was accompanied by Dorothea, who had left Fodlin behind to support her. Dorothea used the connection she had made in her time at the opera to her benefit and even worked reluctantly with the Fodlin nobility for Petra's sake. The people of Bridget were skeptical of her at first, but warmed up to her over time. It is said that she became the person whom Petra loved the most. Aww. Yeah. Really. Wow. So it does canonically let them 
be together, I guess. They're together. Yeah. The person person she loved the most is kind yeah. of like okay, ambiguous. Towing, but... It's towing that line. But yes, definitely. Uh, um, it's as close as they get, you know? Yeah. We also have Caspar uh, and Hilda, uh, ah. my favorite himbo herbo pair. Caspar <laughs> um, and Hilda, under no pressure to inherit any noble titles, spent the early years of peace after the war oh. traveling. They journeyed to every corner of Fodlin and even ventured abroad now and again. Caspar's antics caused endless entertainment for Hilda, who loved to stand by and watch him fight or squirm his way out of trouble. Eventually, their free-spirited adventure was called to an end by Hilda's brother Holst, who offered Caspar a position as a knight in service of House Goneril. Caspar accepted, and before long, he and Hilda were married. The couple raised many children and were said to have had a notoriously lively household. Oh my god. I love that pairing. It's really good. I th- their, yeah. their first support is Hilda. Like, <laughs> Hilda is just like they're both dumb but but (laughs) caspar is actually dumb and hilda is like really really smart yeah (laughs) in the way that she plays right and though she plays dumb exactly in in their a support hilda is like because she's been kind of like conning him to helping her for stuff and he's like i Mm -hmm. see what you're doing but like i'll help Mm -hmm. you because i like respect you but her final support is like oh do you want to come back to my room and he's like, oh, why do you need help? Like lifting some stuff? Like she's like, yeah, I'm I'm moving. I'm moving somewhere else. I need you to help me come lift stuff. And he's like, yeah, OK. And she's like, are you really not getting this? He's like, I don't. What are you talking about? She's like, I'll tell you later. And then, oh, my God. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's really, See, really the, I, I put her with Ferdinand because they have a similar thing where Ferdinand's like, I know what you're doing. I know you're trying to trick me into helping you. Mm-hmm. Or you're, you're trying to get me to help you. And she just like comes up with more and more elaborate ways to trick him <laughs> until finally he's just like, I just like helping you. Yeah, <laughs> like I, yeah. I, I've come to enjoy it. Yeah, so Ka- I'm just going to do it willingly. Caspar's whole thing is like, because he is very straight up front. It's like, we'll tell people what he wants. He's like, why don't you just do that? She's like, well, if I make someone think it's their idea, then we both feel better about it because I don't <laughs> feel bad for asking for help and mm-hmm. they don't feel bad for helping me. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's so funny. Uh, Claude and Marianne. Oh. Uh, it was also kind of an accident. I was going to have Claude be alone and I wanted to end Mary. I wanted to pair Marianne up with Raphael um, because they have oh. some extremely sweet ones where she's talking to animals and stuff. Um, but I realized too late. <laughs> uh, so she ended up with Claude, which I still think is good. Uh, entrusting the future of Fodlin to his friends, Claude left for Almira to reclaim his place as heir to the throne. Several years later, when he became king, he took initial steps to open trade routes with Fodlin and entered into negotiations with Margrave Edmund. During this time, he was reunited with Marianne, who had grown under her adoptive father's guidance into a wise and talented woman. She offered him her aid, and as they worked together to secure friendly relations between their respective nations, they fell deeply in love. Hmm. Ringo, Ringo likes it. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about uh, Marianne's adoptive father being painted as this like cool guy because he spent his whole life being like, hey, your crest sucks and you should hide it. And it's like... Did he? I didn't he? Was that just her or? No, he like, I, I don't think so. I think he actively told her, like, don't tell people about this crest because I mean, it'll cause problems, which like, yes, it did. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Uh, I just feel weird. But also she was a wise and talented woman before her fucking father taught her how to do that. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, OK, now, uh, actually, mm-hmm. sorry, I'll do mm-hmm. Byleth and Leonis. I have I have a few more that I really okay. 
Um, Byleth and Leone. Byleth announced his marriage to Leone shortly after becoming leader of the United Kingdom of Fodlan. Though she accepted the status of queen, Leone disliked the pageantry of the position and refused to part with her weapons. She avoided court and instead founded the Geralt Company, an elite group of soldiers handpicked from the Royal Guard. They mostly busied themselves by hunting down bandits and monsters, but they also stopped the remnants of the Imperial Army from organizing a revolt. It is rumored that one knight of rare skill who fought alongside Leone in the Geralt Company was none other than the king himself. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Byleth's title is Ruler of Dawn. Leone's is The Blade Breaker 2. Aww. Which is very sweet. Uh, which one? Which one? Which one? Uh, okay. I'm going to say this one. Lysithia and Hanuman. Wow. After the war, Lysithia returned to her parents in Ordelia territory. She was joined by Hanuman, and together the two worked to research a method by which to extend her lifespan. Some years later, their efforts bore fruit, and they devised a procedure to remove her crests. Afterward, Lysithia renounced her noble claim and continued to assist Hanuman with his research. When he passed, she took up his mantle, and by the great discoveries she made, came to be called the Golden Child of Crestology. Wow, good for her. Yeah. Uh, because Hanneman's title was the father of Christology. Ah. That was that's a title he has already held. <laughs> um, oh. And she became the golden child. And finally, my most out of left field pairing that just like all of a sudden I was like, oh, fuck, I need to do this. Mm -hmm. Mercedes and Aloise. Uh, Mercedes left home for a life as a cleric at Garrig Mach. Uh, Aloise, as Geralt's successor, officially assumed the role of captain of the Knight of, Knights of Saros. Through, uh, wow. Though the two were quite busy with their daily activities, they would often find time to get together in the evening so Aloise could hear Mercedes's ghost stories. No one can say for certain whether it was the constant exposure to spooky tales or some other cause, but from this time on, Aloise's reputation became that of a totally fearless fighter. Mercedes' quiet support was widely credited for this increase in bravery. Her blessing came to be known as a guarantee of victory. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. What? Um, so I assume that that is sort of the, the course of their, yeah, their support. So I just really quick to, to, <laughs> to back that up. Aloise and Mercedes whole arc is that he asks her because she's apparently really good at telling ghost stories and he knows that and he's very afraid of ghosts. <laughs> and so he says, I need you to tell me a ghost story. And she says, oh, absolutely. Here's one. And then that's their C, their C support is her being like, oh, here's one. And he's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. I just needed you to know that I wanted you to tell me one. I'm not ready to hear one right now. Mm -hmm. Their B support, she tells a story and he blacks out after the first line of like seeing a, <laughs> he sees a spooky person in the graveyard and then he blacks out and comes back at the end. <laughs> he, she tells the whole story and then he just screams. and He's like, is it over? I blacked out. <laughs> And then their A support is her finishing telling the story. And it's like, see, you sat through the whole you sat through the whole thing that time. Um, and then just like, I really admire you trying to put in this work to be better for the knights. Um, I wish I could be a knight or or like serve serve the the church in some larger way. But my father wants me to marry and blah blah blah. But you know, I don't really want to do that. And then Eloise is like, well, you don't really really be a knight because there's like some dark stuff. Uh, you know, you have to kill a lot of people and like. I think the reason I'm afraid of ghosts is because every time I kill somebody, the pile of bodies gets mm -hmm. bigger and I would never want to see those people again, um, which is really deep and scary and like, wow. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, I get that. Like, I understand that it's like really, really a uh, thing. But 
I think we could we could work together and you could keep you could tell me those dark tales and I'll keep telling you ghost stories. Uh, wow. And then like I'll become, you know, so I was really hoping she would become a knight because she said she wanted to become a knight, which she doesn't do. But that's fine that she leaves. Wow. She, she denounces her nobility and becomes a, a cleric. Um, I, I can't believe that Mercedes von Martries invented exposure therapy. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I will also say, I don't know if you got like other Alois supports that. I got a few. Yeah. Yeah. So Alois, it turns out I I didn't actually see the end of this. I think I only got a few of their supports, but his mm. supports with Shamir are him talking about how like it really weighs on him how many people he kills. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. He's it turns out he's he's deep. He is deep. He's an extremely deep fella. And then for similar reasons, Lysithia and Hanuman, like he tells her about mm -hmm. Christology and like he used to be the head of like the leading Empire Crest Institute. He was born wow. in the empire. He was noble. But then he was like, I denounced my nobility and came to Garrig Mach because there I was only able to research empire crests and like mm -hmm. the things that the empire would allow me to research. So I came Ooh. here to, you know, get exposed to all kinds of crests so I could really further further my research. Interesting. And talks about <laughs> their, their supports start out with him being like, you're the only person who has two crests. Like the positives of that must be wild. And she gets really mm -hmm. mad. Yeah. Uh, and then it eventually tells him like, look, like there's nothing good about this. Like this was done to me. This mm -hmm. isn't a thing that I inherited. Like this was done to me. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But if there is a way to implant those, there must be a way to get them mm -hmm. out. So, you know, and then they, they went back and forth. And then from, from then on, once I got their A support, every time I would have lunch with them, Hanneman would be like, oh, this is a marvelous lunch. The father of Christology, the upcoming talent, and uh, someone they both respect very much. And Lysithia's like, that's you, Professor, because I'm the, the up-and-coming Christologist or whatever. Aww. I was like, wow, this is really sweet. That is really nice. That <sighs> is actually very sweet. Yeah. But I think I could uh, I could talk about a couple... I could talk a little bit more about faculty and stuff, but I feel like I've, I've dominated this this last. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we can talk about all that uh, now when we talk about our children. Our children. The general paths. Yes. Hey, Kim. <laughs> Hi, AJ. Hey, we're back from a, a regular break. It has been mere seconds. Just moments, really. Nothing, nothing is off. It definitely hasn't been two weeks. Definitely not. <laughs> we did a little. This really, this actually feels like our time. Skip. I was about to say we did a little time <laughs> skip of our own, right? Um, yeah. So it 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 has been two weeks, dear listener. Um, mm -hmm. Surprise. We had to unexpectedly uh, end our marathon yeah. Golden Deer session early. <laughs> yeah. Who, th who and, knew four uh, hours of podcast recording is too long to record a podcast? Um, uh, and then um, uh, ended up not being able to schedule mm -hmm. the uh, the rest of it until now. <laughs> until now. But here we are. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I do believe we're, we're just about to get into uh, supports and character conversation. Exactly. Yes. And I think first we're just going to run down the list of students, right? So you want to start us off? Yeah. Obviously at the top of the list is Claude. Right. I don't know... I frankly don't remember what we said last time. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> About him. Mm. Um, but I guess, it, you know, in general terms, as we discussed, Claude's whole deal is that he he wants to he wants open borders. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and he, the reason he wants this is because he wants to um, eliminate this problem of people not only in Fodlin, but in, in other nations uh, in this world yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> being very insular, uh, not trusting outsiders. And he sees the way that that is all connected to the problems within Fodlin as well, mm-hmm. which I, I, I liked that about Claude because it showed kind of an understanding of like how ev- all of these issues are systemic and mm-hmm. it's all, you know, part of the same system, mm-hmm. not to mention he is just a very fun character very clever, very funny. Uh, and I, I, I think we did talk about this. I feel like his relationship with Byleth is the most like organic and feels the most like a true friendship and partnership. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh, hello. Sorry. I don't, my, my thing just adjusted and made a very loud clang sound. Um, oh dear. yeah, I think Claude just generally is just like outside of the game is just like a cool guy who is fun to be around. So I think that really, I think that really aided that like feels like a friend to Byleth just because he just is like a relatable person. Um, Mm -hmm. Or at least if not relatable, just like chill and like, you know, I don't know the, 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 the problems of like, you know, systemic uh, racism and stuff like that are obviously big problems, but they're like problems that we can relate to more so than like, mm-hmm. I have to rule a kingdom now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or like my friend died in a war that my dad started. Like there's a, mm-hmm. there's probably a few people in, in the real world who could relate to that, but not most people and certainly not me. Um, yeah. Claude, yeah. cool guy. Big, big fan. Yeah. Best house leader. Best house Breath leader. of fresh air best house leader oh here we go look i don't know here we go (laughs) i think honestly i think all the house leaders are pretty good i do i I do just think claude is just like the the most fun to be around (laughs) i think he's just yeah i i think the the thing that i edelgard and dimitri Mm -hmm. have come up in this system and i think i know that this is um probably a controversial read on edelgard in particular but i think only know how to solve Fodlin's problems using existing structures. You Absolutely. Know? Like uh, Dimitri very clearly with his like neo-lib shit, but like Jesus. <laughs> Edelgard, uh, you know, like I've said before, I, I read her very much as like opposing as a revolutionary when in fact she's just staging a coup, right, right, <laughs> you know, right. or a, a, an imperialist takeover. And, you know, as you've said in the past, a lot of that arc is just you trusting that what's on the other side of this traditional imperialist yeah. takeover yeah. is a very non-traditional dismantling of power structure, <sighs> Yeah, which is a tough buy-in, I think. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> whereas with Claude from the very beginning, he's like, I don't care about any of that shit. Like we are going to take this down sort of from the roots yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. And it just feels more like, okay, like you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And I, I just, it was so nice not to be bummed out all the time. Yeah, that's I fair. Say. I know we're talking about students and I know that I, I know I kind of wanted to come in here and kind of keep this a little bit of a shorter segment, but get into it. I am now <laughs> I, I, I just came up with a question of like Claude has these grand ambitions, right? Of like, you know, mm-hmm. a world without borders and stuff like that. And and even so, like at the end of the at the end of this story, we don't even really see the fruits of that. It's it's like or we see the, the fruits of the beginning of it, I guess, of like that stuff starting to happen, because that is like mm-hmm. the kind of thing that takes a long time to to happen. But like without this war where do you think 
where do you mm-hmm. think this this whole thing ends up for Claude? Like, do you think that we still end with like, a, oh, and then the border slowly began to come down or like. That's a great question. I mean, so Claude's I'm trying to think about this, this alternate reality. Claude is the head of the Lester right. Alliance. And I think it starts with busting open Fodlin's throat. Right. I, I think it starts there and it's probably a more, I suspect a more gradual thing mm-hmm. of him uh, using his influence as head of the Lester Alliance to, to force that. So yeah, I think you are correct that like there is an element of, and I think it's very consistent with this character, Claude taking advantage yeah. of this, this conflict yeah. to hasten uh, his own vision of reality which is probably you know and i i think it's also consistent with the time skip in the golden deer route where you show up and claude's like oh you kept me waiting all right let's go we're gonna do this (laughs) new dawn like he's he's been thinking about this for five years yeah Yeah. um clearly so um yeah i don't know I, i i don't know what that necessarily looks like i know where it starts for sure i think it's it's you know using his influence to to end conflict with almira sure. and then at that point probably hoping that that begins to seep into the culture of fodlin at large yeah. the thing that i think is interesting is to think about what does this relationship with the church look like mm. in that alternative timeline because he's always been suspicious of the church he's always been trying to find these things out Uh, he would absolutely i think have uncovered a lot of (laughs) the background independent of of the war i mean he had he had the immaculate one in his vocabulary before mm -hmm. the time skip so Mm -hmm. yeah so like what 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 would that have looked like i don't know yeah it may very well have been this is totally total (laughs) speculation but you know basically exposing uh, the secrets of the church mm. and exerting pressure that way. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That's a very interesting uh, scenario to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I'll just very quickly so that we can move on. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, it's fine. You did, Once you set me off. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I think, I think you're right. Is, is the opening the borders of Fuldland's throat and, you know, guarding a relationship between the Alliance and the Amirans, I think is absolutely the first step. But then I feel like with like, House Gloucester and Ordelia, who are like already upset that they're not the ones in power or mm-hmm. Gloucester. I'm not entirely exactly sure yeah. about Ordelia's deal, but doing this thing that is like for, you know, a revolutionary more or less, I feel like would would stir a lot of internal conflict uh, even more. I think that's very I think that's very possible. The thing that I see happening is the the same way that he facilitated the relationship between the Almirans and like House Goneril mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm-hmm. I think he probably would have done the same there to the point that like he would have established, uh, you know, a- enough support yeah. among other houses <laughs> that, you know, House Gloucester probably would not have been able to, I don't know, to, to effectively resist yeah. <laughs> um, because he, he probably would have established enough support already just based on kind of how that went down yeah. in the game. Thank you for indulging that thought experiment. <laughs> uh, anytime. Next. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> oh, next. Next is Mr. Lawrence mm-hmm. Hellman Gloucester. Mm-hmm. My first note for this boy, foul. Yeah. Starts foul, stays yeah. foul. I think, you know, his whole deal is that he is uh, so noble, loves being a part of the nobility, 
um, has a very like protective view of the commoners, but also does think that they're below him at the beginning of the game. At the beginning of the game, he's also trying to find a suitable noble oh wife. My God. So like taking those things in parts, like the what's revealed about Lawrence and his motivations as we progress through the game is that he's the reason why he is the way that he is, is because he he sees a lot of potential in people mm -hmm. and wants to foster that potential. And so that, you know, that's why he views that as like his responsibility as a nobility, which is great. <laughs> but the way that it manifests, particularly with women, is bad. It just it's bad. sucks. Yeah. It's real bad. I mean, I, I think. It is most evident in uh, his supports with Marianne. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, you know, with polish, she'd shine magnificently. And if she put in more effort, I, you know, I could awaken her beauty. It's just so. Ugh, yeah. Ugh. And like by the end, I think he um, he's like, oh, I was wrong. Like, you don't need refinement or whatever. But it's like. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> it's notable that he doesn't get to a point of being like i'm sorry like you don't need refinement because nobody needs refinement yeah. because people aren't objects yeah, right he's just like no it turns out you've got it you've got it covered <laughs> um nasty like he's literally like a you should smile more guy yeah. i think um, he literally does say that to I think he does, someone right. at one point i think it's marianne mm. So, yeah, I just I just find that foul no matter how you slice it. Um, yeah. And uh, it never really it never got to a point where I was like, he is redeemed. I was just right. like, OK, we're cool. I, I kept waiting for his like Ferdinand heel turn. Right. You know, and maybe that's partly why I have such a hard time thinking that he like developed at all as a character is because Ferdinand like made mm -hmm. such leaps and bounds in the second half of the game. And I, maybe that's not a fair comparison to make because you don't have to like change a whole lot for it to be like a worthwhile change. But like it doesn't feel <sighs> like he changed. It doesn't feel like he changed. But I think I think put like like putting Lorenzo's story next to Ferdinand's story, um, like Ferdinand's Crimson Flower route story. I think a big reason why Ferdinand is able to kind of change uh, his views on nobility is a Dorothea is great, but also mm -hmm. because his dad is like removed from the equation. Right. Whereas he loses his title. Right. Whereas Lorenz, his dad remains Count Gloucester through the entire mm -hmm. time skip and is still like these systems are still at play in the alliance, mm -hmm. even though, you know, the world is in turmoil. So I think, you know, in the future, removed from his father and the the pressures of like what is quote unquote right to do in your noble position for your house. I think I think that development is the the beginnings of it have started. Um, I think it's just f frustrating <laughs> to me because we see it in Ferdinand and I want to see it in Lorenz as well. Mm -hmm. So maybe Ferd or maybe Lorenz is just like a victim of the system in some ways, as all of these kids mostly are. But that doesn't make his actions less shitty or yeah. like the things he says less awful. So that's where I land on Lorenz. Yeah, I agree. Not as shitty as he could have been, but not great. Not great. Not great. Not great. Sorry, Will. Sorry, Will. <laughs> okay, so next one on the roster is Mr. Raphael. We've already spoken a lot about him yeah. uh, in the Blue Lions uh, because he was my, I recruited him to the Blue Lions. Right. Um, so I, I don't have much more to say about him, honestly. Um, I think my love for him is known. It's documented. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you had any additional thoughts now that you've 
you know, played him. No, I mean, he's cool. He's a cool guy <laughs> who loves his family. And I am also a cool guy that loves his family. So there you go. <laughs> I, I'm like, Rafa, we're the same height. We are the same. You are the same height. <laughs> so I about that. Raphael is just me. And I feel great about that. <laughs> well, well put. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I really I, I truly don't have uh, much more to say about Raphael as a person, because I think we've covered it all in, mm-hmm. the, in the, re- the regular season, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Love him. Yeah, he's great. Next up, Ignatz. Oh, uh, Ignatz. Ignatz, his whole thing, of course, is that he wants to be a painter, but he, you know, his parents want him to be a knight. It is a more stable career, as we've mentioned before. Very relatable mm. story. Mm. I think this is such an underrated character. I love him. You think him. he's underrated? Yeah. I, I Like, so many people, I think don't like him think he's a bad unit like really um yeah i've had i've seen people be like oh i can't stand like you know the way that he's like a doormat and whatever like he is a great character Mm. like i i think he's so um what i like about him is that you know it's not just like they tell us that he wants to be an artist but they actually demonstrate to us the way that he sees beauty and like all things Mm. um his support line with marianne is really beautiful for that Mm. but i think also you know they show him having an interest in architecture and you know he's interested in religion because he wants to depict you know saints and gods and i like i i don't know i think it's such an interesting way to develop this idea of him wanting to be a painter yeah. by infusing those aspects in his personality. And I have to say the time skip voice drop, <laughs> I, it sent me into a tailspin. Yeah. I, oh my God, the, this boy became a man. Yeah. Um, he like doubled in d- height. <laughs> yeah. I was really into it. Um, and as I mentioned before, I also just like seeing the commoners interact because I like getting to see what life is like for them, getting like glimpses of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love, I love him. Yeah. I think, um, the, the point you bring up about the, seeing the, the commoners, um, in this world and stuff, I think with the Lester Alliance specifically, since so much has remained the same for them, mm-hmm. like Raphael and Ignatz come back and it's like, yeah, we've just been helping our family merchant business mm-hmm. for five years. Like, uh, which I think is so interesting because uh, it's like we haven't been at war for five years we've just been like surviving you know mm-hmm. it's just very cool but uh ignatz i love ignatz uh like i said in our episode zero i had tried to play this game before um and immediately uh ignatz caught my eye as someone who was like mm-hmm. i am going to because I, I was told like you probably only be able to recruit one person in your first run just because of the sheer amount of like work it takes and you know right limited action points and all that. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to invest everything into this boy. Wow. I was absolutely infatuated with him. I, I loved the vibes. And then when we started our second playthrough, I completely overlooked him. And I'm so, <laughs> so sorry for that, my boy. But I do agree. He is great. I love his character. I love everything. I mean, his supports are so sweet and nice. And he's mm-hmm. just like constantly like, oh, oh my God, this boy has such a low self image of himself. Yeah. Um, and especially of like his his desires to paint and stuff. Um, it's like really clear that he, you know, just wants to do right by his family uh, and, and whatnot. And 
I, I, I love the boy mm-hmm. and he's great. And all of his supports. Yeah. His Marianne support line is great. His Flane support line is kind of similar, but like a little more jokey, but it's also just like, you're so beautiful. Yeah. Can I paint you as St. Sethlene? Yeah. I, uh, I, I love, the, I love the boy and he has a great, I don't know if this is when I should bring it up or not. He has a great support with Petra. I don't know if I, I must've done his support line with Petra or at least started it, but I don't remember anything about you it. You would remember his B support. Oh my God. Yes, I do remember. You do now. remember? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So in his B support, Petra asks about Ignatz's glasses because apparently people from Bridget, Bridget. have like perfect sight. Everybody has 2020 <laughs> vision. Nobody needs otherwise glasses. Otherwise, you would get got by the monsters right. or beasts or right, whatever. Because it's, it's such a hunting intensive uh, uh, society. Everybody needs to have great eyes. Uh, so she asks Ignatz to try his glasses on. And it's the only time I think in the whole game that we see like an augmented portrait of a character. Mm. Petra has his glasses on. It is so cute. (laughs) She's like, I can't see shit. It's adorable. She looks great in glasses. She looks great in glasses. Um, And then Ignatz doesn't have his glasses on, which is equally as cute. Um, Mm -hmm. It's 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 such a good moment Uh, that made me like scream at my television. Yeah, absolutely incredible. (laughs) Just absolutely incredible. Yeah, I uh, thank you for bringing that up. I mm-hmm. totally forgot about it, but it was like one of my favorite moments yeah. in a support, I think. Yeah, mm. um, his support line also with uh, Cyril is really sweet. They're both oh. just because they're like around the same age and, you know, they come up in the monastery together and stuff. And uh, the, the like gist of it is they just kind of are like teaching each other about life more or less from like, mm. you know, somebody who they two people who work very hard about things that they are passionate about. Cyril's being cleaning the monastery for Lady Rhea, which is kind of a bummer. But, <laughs> um, you know, Ignatz is being kind of every time somebody talks about his painting, he's like, oh, you know, I don't know. It's just a thing. And my parents want me to come in or whatever. And Cyril's like, why don't you just like do what you care about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just Aww. it's just like really, really sweet. Uh, I said it's a crime that they can't end up together. So that's Ignatz for me. Yay, Ignatz. <laughs> Okay, who's next? Lysithia. Yes, Lysithia. Um, who, again, we have talked about a lot in your uh, Crimson Flower run. Yeah, what do you think about Lysithia? Love her. Love mm-hmm. the vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Always did. She has uh, one of the best lines in the entire game, I think, uh, in her supports with Felix. Uh, Cake is not a sweet. <laughs> Cake is the divine essence of the heavens. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you, girl. So I love that. Yeah. I one thing that I think is really good, again, not to to take too far of a step back, but one thing that I really enjoy is the extent to which different characters in the Golden Deer are folded into the main story. Mm. And so Lysithia becomes sort of a um a key figure. I guess it's after the After Murden, I after, think. After I think it's after Grandr, but especially like increases after Murden, because Grandr I think is the first time that she sees uh, those who slither oh, on the dar- okay, in the dark yeah. on the battlefield, and I I just I really like that. I feel like you know, like I've said before, I I was sort of frustrated with how Blue Lions in the part two kind of centered Dimitri to the point that other characters, uh, you know, they kind of just said some lines and scenes, but didn't really, you know, didn't really like impact the story in any way. And I like that, like 
we see at different points in Golden Deer, different characters kind of coming to bear with information that they have or with skills that they have. Yeah. Um, with Ignatz being like an innocent looking person. Right. So we sent him to send the letter, like stuff like that, I think is really fun. Yeah. Um, and so I liked getting to see Lysithia sort of step up and be like, hey, this is what I saw and this is what I know. And this is like part of unraveling this mystery. Yeah. And yeah, she's just a very fun character. I, you know, as we've talked about, her backstory is fascinating mm-hmm. and, you know, raises a lot of interesting questions. And yeah, I'm, uh, I, I, it was fun to get to play her. Yeah. I, and also like hell of a unit, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and I, I meant to say that about Ignatz too. Ignatz, I think has some of the best stats in the game. I don't know what people are talking about. I, maybe it's, it could be different. Like when you're playing a maddening run, I know that like, uh, that's true. depending on the difficulty, certain units yeah. become less useful, but like he is a crit machine, right? Like, he's got great decks. He's got great resistance, which is awesome from a, a not magic mm-hmm. unit. He's, he's just good all, all around. Anyway, uh, Lysithia equally as good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Lysithia a lot. I mean, I talked about her a bunch in the Black Eagles route, but I was like, I, I think I gasped when she like came up in that scene because there in mm-hmm. there's no scenes in Black Eagles where it's not just like Byleth, Edelgard and Hubert. And Hubert. Like there's yeah. never a, another person. There's never someone who comes in for like one scene and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. here's blah, blah, blah. So I was blown away by that. I loved that. And I wish that it happened more often. Yeah. Um, and then this time with Lysithia, I, I did her run with Hanneman, which I think is I think is the way to go. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, I think that is that should be Lysithia's canon route. So if you're playing this game, that ending, you should yeah. recruit Hanneman uh, and and do their supports because they're so good. I would love to talk about her paralogue with Ferdinand. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Really interesting. So, um, recall Ferdinand's dad has been, uh, deposed, Mm -hmm. um, from his role as prime minister of the empire. And I think he had escaped from his imprisonment. Right. He was under house arrest. Right. At the beginning of this paralogue, he is, um, in Hrim territory and, uh, bandits, uh, find him mm-hmm. and <laughs> capture him. And they say they're going to make him pay for the heavy taxes and forced labor that they've been subjected to since he took over Hrim territory. Yep. So Ferdinand gets word that his father has been found and is in Hrim territory somewhere, but is, is in trouble. Um, there is also at the same time, an insurrection happening in Hrim territory. And Ferdinand, like, does not know anything about the history of Frim, it seems. He just knows that, like, his father never let him be involved in that side of, uh, you know, governing their affairs. So (laughs) they basically we go, we try and, you know, try and save him. I don't know if there is any other way to do this where you do save him oh yeah i don't but i yeah i didn't so then lysithia finally explains like the history of the harem territory and also vordelia territory which like is alluded to so many times and i never really fully understood it until this point so um she explains that harem rebelled when emperor ionius the ninth uh consolidate power yeah uh power in the empire 
the Ram family threatened to or tried to split off uh, from the Empire and join the Alliance. And they were working with House Ordelia. But the Empire suppressed that rebellion, um, installed a puppet leader in Hrim territory, uh, and Iyer was, Ferdinand's dad, was tasked with the actual governance. And to punish them, this was called the Insurrection of the Seven. And to punish House Ordelia, they basically sent those who slither in the dark there um, to uh, control the house. They experimented on uh, Lysithia and the other children of her house, as we know. And... Uh, Lysithia also explains that in the time that Ferdinand's dad was in charge of Hrim territory, he imposed very harsh taxes and it was it was just, you know, very, very difficult for people to get by there. And so that's why there is so much hatred for him. Um, and then when he fell from power, he was replaced by Lord Arendelle. Right. But kept it a secret. <laughs> right. Arendelle in in Iyer's name continued to lead, but um, was even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, he imposed even higher taxes. People were conscripted for duty in the war and uh, killed if they didn't comply. And so the conclusion of this has Lysithia saying, you know, your father was not a great ruler, but Lord Arendelle is really the villain here. And I have this in a bigger font size highlighted because I this line is so interesting to mm. me. Duke Iyer is not perfect, but he's not the villain in this. Interesting. <laughs> the reason why I think this is so, why this stood out to me so much is that I feel like it is an issue with the storytelling <laughs> that we see over and over again, where we want to be morally gray, mm. but we also want to make sure everyone knows that there is this other right. actual super villain, pure evil super, yeah. you know, so that we can kind of excuse not excuse, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's this, this sense of like, we want it to be morally gray, but like not that. Gray, yeah. It's like, sure. Know? The system's bad, but there's people who are like, you know? Yeah. 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 It, I don't know. It's just an interesting way to conclude it when it's like, no, like <laughs> Duke Iyer sucks. Yeah. It's okay for, <laughs> for Ferdinand's dad to yeah. suck. I, like, I will say Ferdinand also says, I'm sure he got what he deserved. Yeah. Uh, in, in in reference to his death. Um, right. Yeah. But yeah, I just I, I I appreciated finally understanding what all of that was about because I never it was always like there was a rebellion and then the Empire did this. And I was like, you're part of the alliance. Why does right. that matter? Right. Um, so this sort of like cleared it up for me. And also, um, I don't know, I I feel like it is inherent to it's it's like an interesting thing to tack on to Ferdinand's whole redemption mm-hmm. arc. Is, is coming to terms with the fact that, like, my father was not necessarily good mm-hmm. purely because he was noble. You know, like, I think it's a nice it's a nice part of his growth. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Great character. Yeah. Great character. Great story. Great paralogue. The battle here was wild. Just like all over the place. Uh, very cool. Um, it's just so frustrating <laughs> because... <laughs> Like the insurrection of the seven and like Ordelia, House Ordelia and stuff being like, you know, we know stuff happened there, but we don't know exactly what. I don't know. I guess I guess as far as like burying things in like paralogs or like specific character combinations, I guess this is pretty it doesn't really have a big bearing on the story in general. So so I guess maybe I shouldn't be that frustrated Mm -hmm. with it. But I get the frustration. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's like just like this. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's just frustrating. Um, and I think maybe I wouldn't be as frustrated if if there weren't other things that were like buried in 
certain routes or like playing the game correct. Mm hmm. I think mm-hmm. it would be like, yeah, oh, this how is would cool. you ever know right, right. to put these two together? That is a recurring thing with these paralogs. And I think that like on the one hand, I think it is cool to to have this thing where, yeah, if you you know, if you happen to have these two characters together, look at this interesting thing that can happen. Yeah. It's just like you said, they don't the things that they're they're doing, the things that they're burying there feel important. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, they they feel like things that. They're questions that the game wants you to ask, but the answers are sort of hidden unless you're literally Googling like who has paralogs together. And at that point, it's like even when you're even if you're not Googling, like, you know, that maybe like these these pairings exist and stuff. So you just like in a new game plus you recruit everyone. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I did that, so I'm not trying to like disparage that. But (laughs) at the same time, if you're doing it for the purpose of like, oh, well, maybe I'll get some interesting story stuff. I feel like that totally sucks out any drama from like the the uh, missions where it's like, oh, my gosh, you're I'm like killing my fellow students and stuff like the entire last battle. I had Dorothy and Petra recruited. So there was there was Mm -hmm. no emotional stakes. Me choosing which way to go and kill Edelgard. You know what I mean? Um, It was just like. A, a, a battle decision it wasn't like a, a heart decision at all so forcing people to like just cannibalize every other house to maybe get some more story stuff is kind of kind of a bummer i think because i think those moments where you like have to kill a student is are like really really impactful mm-hmm. um right and i think the game should like want those moments to be impactful and not try and incentivize you to like I don't know, Pac-Man up every student, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It encourages a kind of like metagaming. Right. Almost. Exactly. Exactly. Um, as opposed to just like playing through the story that you have. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Marianne. Marianne. My sweet Marianne. Um, <laughs> Marianne, I think is like one of the most mysterious <laughs> students, like at the beginning of the game, she just seems very timid and maybe a little bit sleepy. Yeah. And it's like what she she's like, oh, I'm bad luck. Oh, don't be <laughs> friends with me. Um, and what we learn, um, which takes a lot of time, is that the reason she feels that way is because she bears a crest that has uh, a very complicated history. It's called the Crest of the Beast um, or the Crest of Maurice is the one of the elite who uh, bore it originally. Um, He transformed into a beast and slaughtered innocents, um, similar to the way that Miklon turned into a beast. So um, he was stripped of his honor. It was believed that his bloodline had vanished, but it had not. There are descendants and her family line is one of them. And so there is this, um, this real taboo, I guess with her that comes with her crest Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, as we know, turning into beasts is a thing that happens (laughs) with crests sort of, you know, like uh, it can happen to anybody who I guess wields a crest stone who doesn't. I don't know. I don't really understand why he turned into a beast. Uh, I think that might just be the power of his crest. I don't know, though, because he does just fully turn into like a demonic beast. It's not like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And it, it turns out in her paralogue he's been he is still alive he's been a beast for thousands of years and in that in that paralogue you kill him it releases him from you know from his beastly prison um and removes it says like it she's like oh i'm no longer cursed um it sort of like removes marianne's curse i don't know did marianne ever 
turned into a beast. Like it's always it's like implied, but never actually said. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it was all just like her father knowing that like look like we can't tell anybody about this because of like who Maurice was or you know what Maurice did um so mm-hmm. I don't think she ever actually like transformed into a beast and murdered a bunch of people it was just like her father was like you can't use your crest about anything and and I th- and I I don't know if if she took that as like okay I just can't talk to people <laughs> ever Mm -hmm. because like that's that's how she kind of is in the beginning of the game is like anytime anybody tries to interact with her she's like do not come near me i'm i'm like bad luck to talk to or something and Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's something she made up just based on like what her father was telling her about the crest or if her father was like you're bad luck don't talk to people yeah Um, i don't know but i don't think she ever she ever actually transformed but you do get a cool sword at the end (laughs) you do get a very cool sword and knowing what we know about the weapons it's just his bones it's just you just pick up some of his bones and say this is a sword (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a sword bones can be a sword if you believe bones in yourself can be a sword. um uh, yeah i i don't know it's uh, it's i think maybe not like the most satisfying conclusion for her but the mystery like leading up to that and the way that it builds up i think is very fun because yeah. you really do just spend the first half of the game like what is your <laughs> yeah. deal um I also love in the in the time skip, she's clearly doing a lot better. She's grown in confidence. She speaks up more. She no longer has like these dark yeah. under eye circles. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it it is fun to see. It's definitely um one of those she's one of those characters who has a very noticeable growth mm-hmm. <laughs> throughout mm-hmm. the game. And I um I think that's very fun. Yeah. Uh, just checking the wiki for Maurice. Uh, it just says mm-hmm. he overtaxed his crest and hero's relic, causing him to transform into a demonic beast. Oh, okay. uh, um, I, I really think she's one of those characters where like in Black Eagles, I was like, this is a nothing character. <laughs> like she is giving <laughs> yeah. me absolutely nothing. I, I don't even know the first thing about her personality. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe she's sleepy because she has those under under eye bags. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But like, I truly didn't know anything about her. And I really love her. She also has a really good support line with Hanneman because ah. of her crest mm-hmm. so basically Hanneman like you know finds out what her crest is and he's like look you have to like take advantage of this like this is like a, a wild crest not a lot of people have this the power that this crest has has to be you know blah 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 blah. and she's like no 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 I will never use it I can't use it blah 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 blah, blah. and as their supports go on it's basically Hanneman helping her come to terms with like no matter what you do this crest is a part of you and you need mm-hmm. to accept it kind of whether you want it or not, because it's going to be there whether you want it or not. So you might as well find a way to maybe use it. And if not use it, just like acknowledge that it is a piece of you because you can't spend your mm-hmm. whole life just like trying to hide this part of yourself because you're going to end up how, you know, how she ends up before the time skip of just like right. telling everybody she's bad luck. I love that. Yeah. He says you should find a way that the crest can serve you uh, and that you shouldn't fear yourself. Uh, and it's really, 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 really sweet. Uh, and I love it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hanneman, best boy. I love Hanneman so much. Wow. Um, I'm so excited to hear about Han. Yeah. Hanneman as we uh, move on to our recruits, because yeah. uh, your love for him is fascinating. <laughs> it's really just these. He, he has just these really good supports with uh, Marianne and Lysithia. Mm-hmm. I think those are the, the two big reasons of like he's just treating my my gals with uh, crest problems sweetly. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, nice. who do we got? 
We got Hilda. 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 Best girl. Hilda. Best girl. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So Hilda's whole thing, the defining character trait (laughs) is that she is lazy. Yes. And gets other people to do her work Mm -hmm. for her. Yes. And in her mind, pays them back in compliments. (laughs) Um, I love her. The reason, the underlying reason for why she is this way, which is revealed over time, is um, it's basically a defense mechanism. In her A support with Byleth, she explains that her parents always had really high expectations for her brother. Her brother is this uh, general who is responsible for protecting Fodlin's throat. And he always met those expectations, but nobody ever expected anything of Hilda. So if things were difficult, she'd find someone else to do it for her. So it's, she's scared of disappointing people because she's seen those expectations um, when you (laughs) start trying. And um, she said, people force those expectations on you. And then if you fail, you look, they look so disappointed. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, there's like a, a subtle sort of, I think gender commentary here where Mm. there is an expectation that as a woman, you know, in her family, she was not as capable. And so what I love about Hilda is that what she's doing here is is really gaming a system that's kind of stacked (laughs) against her, sort of the same way that Dorothea does. Yeah. Where she's like, okay, fine. Like if you're, you know, if you're not going to expect anything of me and if your expectations are going to come with so much weight, I'm fine with that. I'm going to take advantage of the fact that everyone thinks that I'm just this like, you know, useless, dainty little girl and I'm going to get them to do shit for yeah, me. Yeah. And I think that's extremely fun. Um, and I, you know, she's clearly like good natured. It's mm. not like malicious. And we also see particularly in her supports with Marianne that she will step up if needed yeah. to help people. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just think she's so great. Just to, again, like, just a fun character. Yeah. You don't have to worry about her like doing an extrajudicial murder to <laughs> <laughs> for Edelgard right, or right, right. you know helping Dimitri exact revenge. Right. Like she's just you know, she's she's just uh she's just being cool. Yeah, as far as non-recruitable vassal characters go, she's uh. great. And as far as regular characters go, she is also great. Yeah. She has a lot of really, really good supports just with everybody. I love her support line with Leone, um, where she helps her remake uh, her necklace pendant yeah. thing. Extremely, extremely sweet. Uh, and then her ones with Claude are also really interesting. Mm-hmm. Talking about his family and stuff like. Yeah. His, talking about him growing up and his mother beating up his con- his uh, combat instructor who was, quote unquote, <laughs> undefeated um Mm -hmm. so it was namir which means he grew up in elmira (laughs) um yeah it's that's like the first like huge hint you get there i think um uh but also something weird about hilda and cyril yeah um he so 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 fodlin's throat as we've established uh or fodlin's locket i guess is the base right yeah (laughs) the throat is the like the mountain range i guess and the locket is the like the stronghold thing um, that separates Foldland from Elmira, but also it's complicated (laughs) because (laughs) they, as they're seeing it and as Cyril seems to also think is true, which might be the truth. I don't really know. The people from, from Foldland's locket have like rescued orphans uh, from Mm -hmm. Elmira, but now they just work in the fort as like child 
labor. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and it's weird a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The only glimpse that I got of this was in their parallel. Right. Where Cyril, I totally don't remember if we've talked about this uh, on the show before, if we just chatted about it. <laughs> but um, Cyril explains, oh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm from Almira, but I didn't like it there. <laughs> you know, they're always just fighting to show off. Mm -hmm. And it's it's giving like, oh, they're, you know, savage Savages, and yeah. violent and it, icky, yeah. um, especially coming from someone who is from there. Uh, uh, Blech, icky. Mm -hmm. um, but he's like, yeah, you know, I was um, I lost my parents and then they you know, Fodlin like took me, I guess. And he served as he was a servant for House Goneril, right? Yeah, he, he worked in in the fort <sighs> under her under her uh, father. Yeah, her it's so so it's just that's uncomfortable, but it's uncomfortable how he's also like, but I'm glad it happened. <laughs> it's just very mm, uh, the implications with Cyril make me very uncomfortable, mm. which is why I sort of have no, not had an interest in him because <laughs> um, I was like, I don't want to see how the game is handling this. Yeah, um, it's interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I guess we can talk about it more when we actually talk about Cyril. But yeah, Cyril specifically feels like he owes a lot to Lady Rhea specifically for like rescuing him. I, I did air quotes there. Mm -hmm. um, Even though she created the power structures that right. <laughs> made all of that. Yeah. Made him need rescuing in the first place. But. Uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, I think I think we could we could move, move past Hilda. Yeah. Hilda's great. Love Hilda. Hilda's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last uh, golden deer, actual golden deer is Leone. Mm. This was an interesting one because I feel like I we didn't actually like learn much about her that we didn't already know. Yeah. Um, she's still the number one Geralt Stan. <laughs> Um, she's cheap because she's trying to raise money because she has student loans. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I wish we had seen more from her was like more development. Like I, I find that she stays relatively static mm. throughout the game. You know, her, her support arc with Byleth is that she's like, oh, you don't appreciate Gerald. You know, you had like the coolest dad in the world yeah. and you don't appreciate what a great fighter he is and how much you learned from him or whatever. And then later she's like, sorry, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really it. Um, and I mean, that does conclude with her being like, well, now I want to learn from, from you mm -hmm. um, because clearly you are as powerful as he yeah. is. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I wish we had gotten to see a little bit more uh, from her. She's a great character. Love her. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I I feel like she was a little, like I said, static. Hmm. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I get that. Sheds. I do think um, I actually streamed this uh, work play vibe. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if the VOD is still available, but I streamed uh, me playing chapter nine, which is the chapter where uh, Geralt dies at the end. And immediately mm -hmm. after that, the cutscene of Geralt dying, I got Leone's B support, mm -hmm. which was a really wild experience. <laughs> She just like apologizes for for getting mad at you in the in the C support, but it just like hits so different immediately after his death because it was like a hey we're processing grief here together and it's like I think that might be the time it always hits really 
yeah, I may have just misremembered because I might have I, I like watched my supports sort of less frequently this time. I sort of like uh, save them up, although I guess it's it just sort of hits that week. But for whatever really reason, I think it might not have like registered the it. timing of it. But I think that is just how it's how it's spaced out. Interesting. Well, if that's on yeah. purpose, then good job, video game. Because good job, video game. Yeah, it's it's uh, that that one really moved me. The the their B support and then their A support you fight each other and you actually kick her ass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's, it's really, really good. Um, I, I love Leone um, just as like, I think it's partly because she like, I feel like everybody should stand Geralt because he is like an incredible fighter and also has like done so much for the world. I think uh, in terms of like being a, uh, whatever weird kind of like forever soldier he is for the church, <laughs> um, which we will get to. I just think the, the the man is good at what he does and, des and deserves to be praised for it. <laughs> so I think uh, fascinating. Yeah. No, you disagree. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't disagree. I just think it's interesting that that's that's why you love Leone. Mm. Well, I think it's just because like we as Byleth don't feel super connected to Geralt, but Mm -hmm. like we cry at that one point when he dies but like well that's I, that's actually a good point i'm just thinking about the fact that like the things that we know about gerald that we learn about him about his like personality his likes and dislikes mm -hmm. it's all from supports with other people yeah yeah so uh, we are kind of seeing him through other people's eyes to really understand who he is. And so in that, in that respect, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And I think, yeah. uh, in a lot of ways, Leone trying to like emulate Geralt, like, <laughs> I don't know, this might be like a weird place to like, or weird misplaced, like daddy issue thing. Uh, but like <laughs> Leone is the, the, the version of my dad that everyone seems to think my dad is that I never saw. Um, mm -hmm. so it's oh, really yeah. nice to be able to like, I mean, in the end of my run, I, I ended up with Leone. So it's really nice to be able to spend my life with the person who is like most like the person <laughs> that I cared about or, you know, should care about a lot, um, mm -hmm. but never really felt that that connected to. And part of me is like, maybe that's kind of weird, but I don't think it is. <laughs> no, I, I see what you're saying. It is sort of a relatable thing to uh, for the game to tap into that feeling of. I don't know. This is just my dad. Like the, I've never thought about them in this way because right. I was raised by them, which is, <laughs> I think, relatable, even if your dad isn't like, you know, the greatest fighter who ever lived <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, you know, there's that feeling of being like, oh, my God, my parents are so embarrassing. And mm. then talking to friends and they're like, your parents are so cool. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's that kind of feeling. Yeah. So um, I do. Uh, <laughs> That is kind of funny to think about it that way. Yeah. I think that's also part of the reason I love Aloise so much, but we'll get there when we get there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, the the like random non-students who you recruited in this run and the fell faculty. in love with. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating to me. <laughs> um yeah, I mean if we're ready to move on from Leone. I think so, yeah. Um yeah, then then we can talk about those recruits. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I recruited, like I said, all the Black Eagles. We don't need to talk about them. Mm -hmm. They're all basically the same. Uh, but well, you recruited some Black Eagles. I so. recruited some Black Eagles. I like to talk about. Obviously, yeah. last time I recruited Bernie. Um, this time I recruited Linhart, uh, Ferdinand, and Petra from the Black Eagles. Um, Linhart, fucking love. Yeah, I do just want to say again. Love Linhart. I'm sorry for misleading you 
on Linhart. That's okay. <laughs> I think you just you just had a different read on Linhart. I think. Um, I sort of loved it. I also had the benefit of like there was a conversation um, in our Discord about how uh, Linhart isn't lazy so much as he's just like a pacifist. Yeah. yeah. Um, which led to me doing that really interesting thing where I, you know, <laughs> I made him a non-combat character as much as possible, which was really fun. I loved his supports with Ferdinand. He, he's mm. just like fully dragging Ferdinand yeah. and Ferdinand does not realize it <laughs> yeah. at all. Incredible. Really good. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed him and I liked his supports with with Marianne and with yeah. uh, Lysithia. He, he's a lot of fun. Ferdinand, as we've talked about, great boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love his Hilda supports, as I've I've talked about. Um, and Petra, obviously incredible. Her support line with Claude is amazing yeah. because it's um it's all about uh he's sh- taking a nap under a tree and she's like you should sleep in the tree because it's safer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, <laughs> Claude has to learn how to climb a tree. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically what's happening in yeah. this uh this line. And then I think it actually goes in a more substantive direction. But the the tree climbing and napping thing was really what spoke yeah. to me. It does it does remain consistent throughout the whole thing. Every time they meet in the same spot every single time. And, the, yeah. and their A support is like, oh, I came out here hoping that you would be here, mm-hmm. which is really sweet. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I I don't know if I've ever I want to go read their they have a paired ending, right? Yeah, because they have an because they have an a, a line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I need to go read that um <laughs> someday. But I her support line with Ash to me was just amazing, mm. and I I may have talked about this already, but what what happens with Ash is um. He finds her in in the first one uh, in the marketplace having a real tough time uh, negotiating with Anna. And so he hag- he like steps in and helps her haggle. And she's like, ah, you have the wisdom of the common folk. Um, <laughs> I've spent all my time in Fodlin with nobles. So I want to learn, oh my God. you know, your secrets and whatever. And he's like, I, I don't know how to teach you she calls them like commoner techniques. He's like, I don't know if they're really (laughs) techniques. And she's like, I know that you're trying to, you know, keep your, your special commoner secrets. Uh, (laughs) You know, you're being protective of your, not, not like that, but she's like, Oh, it's like, it's like an important wisdom (laughs) to you. So of course you don't want to share it with me, but I'll bargain with you. I'll teach you how to curse people. Oh, which obviously freaks Ash out. So he's like, listen, just, for free i will you know show you around town basically and uh takes her to like a commoner restaurant and you know they just sort of hang out and she's like oh i need to like pay you for taking and she he's like no like we're friends so we can we're not uh, we're just hanging out um (laughs) and then in their a plus support you know she's talking about bridget and she how much she misses it she misses swimming in the ocean and he's like well i've never gotten to swim in the ocean and she insists that he come back to Bridget with her so that they can go swimming. And he's like, well, I'm trying to stay here and become a knight. So she's like, all right, fine. I'll establish an order of knights for you in Bridget <laughs> so, you can, so you can come. Um, and when, wow. if you get their parrot ending, that's exactly what happens. Oh and I, I don't know. It's a nice vibe with yeah. the two of them. They're, yeah. They make a really great pair. <laughs> um, so it, that was really fun to get to see. Mm. Um Obviously, as that implies, I also recruited Ash um, and I recruited Felix, as I think I spoke about when we talked about the different chapters. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those are really, I I think, all of my recruits. Sure. Um, So, like I said, I recruited all the Black Eagles that I could. 
I also recruited Mercedes and Annette because I couldn't recruit one and not the other. Um, poor Annette though I did not use or really talk to at all and I'm sorry about that Annette but Mercedes is great I love her a lot Mm -hmm. and I think what the the support that cemented it for me was her supports with Lorenz I think I only got up to their B support but it doesn't even matter just their C support is Lorenz trying to do the Lorenz thing and like Mm -hmm. charm and you know whatever and she just absolutely destroys him like oh, good bit her. by bit just rips him apart and she doesn't have any like her portraits don't have like an angry or, or you know frustrated one mm-hmm. so she's always smiling and she, at one point she chuckles and says I grow irritated just looking at you and she just has <laughs> the Marianne like sweet smile on her face and Lorenz mm-hmm. is like what <laughs> she's like get fucked Lorenz and basically it just like leaves it's so oh, I gotta watch these so good God, I love her so much, but she sure does love the church. <laughs> yeah, she. That's the that's the the challenge with yeah. with Mercedes. Yeah, let's see who else, who else, who else. Uh, we've kind of already talked about. All right, so I'm going to talk about Aloise now. Okay, great. Because we've talked about I, I paired Mercedes up with Aloise at the end. Right. Um, also, Aloise and Shamir. I also think I talked about this. Um, oh, yeah. Be- I didn't get to finish that one out, but I'd be really interested to hear about it. I also I think you got farther than I did, actually. Um, oh, did I? Yeah. Um, but basically their whole arc is that he has a hard time dealing with people that he's killed. And Shamir is like, mm-hmm. look, that's like the job, dude. Like, you just got to do it. Um, just don't think about it. And then uh, I think I only got their C because it, it ends with him like deflecting and then just like walking away. Mm-hmm. I think I. Oh, no, I think I only got their C, too. Oh, <laughs> OK. I have nothing. Nothing useful to add. <laughs> um, I see my time. Uh, also, Aloise uh, obviously has some really great supports with Leone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about Geralt. They tell I think every time Leone comes up, it's like Aloise. Can you tell me another story about Geralt? And it's really, yeah. really sweet. It's very cute. Every single time. Um, so here's the thing. <laughs> um, Aloise drops some information about Geralt mm-hmm. um, throughout those supports and throughout the supports with Byleth. Just like it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. So Geralt recruited Aloise um, after... Gerald's previous squire died from quote some terrible plague I don't know (laughs) and then he said he recruited Aloise because he looked like that squire which makes me think like can Gerald raise people from the dead or something like (laughs) I I don't know or like was it his dad I truly I have no idea his brother maybe I don't know I don't know if you did you get all of Aloise and Leone's supports all the way up to their A Uh I don't know. I don't think I unlocked oh my their God. A so they're want a, them to end up together. Tell a, me about their A. Their A support is so funny. So it happens post time skip, right? Um, Aloise says, like, you know, I have I have done all I can in my life to try and be like Geralt. And I'm just like, you know, I, I can't do any more to, like, become like this great man. But you still have plenty of time to follow your dreams and, and you know, whatever. So I give my dream to you. Aww. And she accepts it. And then he's like. And along with that dream comes all the bar debt he owes <laughs> across <laughs> Moldland. And Leone's like, that's what? amazing. She's like, I don't oh, want no. your dream. Leone doesn't need more debt. Yeah, she's like, I don't want your dream if I have to pay off a fucking bar tab across every oh, bar no. in Foldland. Yeah, Alois is like, I haven't been able to go get a drink in years because people know. <laughs> it's like, what? 
That's so funny. <laughs> That's so good. It's, re- it's a really good ending. And I think it's an extremely good um, way to like offset yeah. the scale of like, here's this extremely, extremely sentimental, nice thing. But right. also Aloise is goofy as shit. Uh, and also so was Geralt, apparently. Anyway, um, <laughs> very, very good. So. Oh, I'm so sad that she has so much debt now. I fucking know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so back to Aloise talking about Geralt with Byleth. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew that just through like regular story stuff, we knew that Rhea saved Geralt's life. That's why he joined the Knights of Saros. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he left. Mm-hmm. But what Aloise tells us, uh, is that Geralt got an infusion of crest bearing blood, Rhea's, which extended his life greatly. And then he says, when I asked him how old he was, he said he stopped counting after a hundred. Mm-hmm. Which is like, hey, Eloise, this is a big fucking deal, dude. Yeah, yeah. People don't live that long, man. Remind me, how did you find out it was Rhea's blood? Uh, well, because I th- we talk about somebody at some point talks about how Rhea saved Geralt's life on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Aloise says he got infused with crest bearing blood. So okay, I'm assuming see, that's it just was something that you put together. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Nobody says it outright, but that is. OK, that's all I got. OK. Um, you are correct. Okay, thank you. Because that, that is confirmed in the church run, which I know because I looked it up. Got it. Okay. Um, okay, is that one of the things you were you were keeping a secret? Yeah, Got that it. was one of the things that I was like, I don't want to. Yeah. So um, just, to, just to circle back on that, though, that's why Byleth is so special. Because she has Rhea's blood and the crest stone. Oh, okay. That was the, the winning combo Got it. to actually... Uh, put Sothis in a human body. There you go. Okay, that makes sense. Eloise also raises some interesting points. Uh, Geralt loved fishing. And as we also Mm -hmm. know, Seteth and Flane also love fishing. Yeah. And I think that's just a saint thing. Or or it's just a, like a child of the goddess thing or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Um, It's never, I I still never had an explanation for it. In Leone and Seteth's supports, Seteth talks about like, he just likes fishing because he can just like stand there and kind of turn his brain off. And then mm-hmm. Leone like teaches him how to actually fish, and it's very cute. Um, yeah, doesn't he say he's like I don't even usually like bait the line. Yeah, he's like, like I, I, usually, I literally here. just throw it out and sit here. Um, so I think that might just be a thing with like people who live a long time need time to just like chill, and like fishing <laughs> is the only way to do that here, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, which I just think is really funny. Oh my god. When Aloise, in, I think it's in your A support. Aloise talks about how like Gerald was a huge jokester, and that at some point he gave like Gerald gave Aloise a, a mm-hmm. book of jokes, which mm-hmm. is, which is what one of Aloise's lost items is. And that fucking destroyed me. I died when I read that line. Yeah. See all of these revelations about Gerald that like, Oh, you know, he loved fishing and he loved drinking yeah. and was such a jokester. I was like, that's not like the Gerald that I know. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a part of me that was like suspicious of all this. Mm. And now, again, I think I have a different read on it, which is just like, you know, that feeling of like seeing your parent through someone else's eyes. And I also like Byleth has memory issues at the beginning of the game. So like (laughs) we we do literally do not know, you know, anything that has happened before the the events of the game. Yeah. But yeah, that that like now knowing that there's nothing <laughs> suspicious about that it is really like that is really yeah. touching yeah and i think the line that leads to him telling you that the joke book was gerald's is he talks about like 
all the killing that everybody has done in the last five years. And he says something is very wrong with the world to make children killers. Yeah. Um, and to which I replied, you're you're, you're more handsome when you brood. <laughs> and, then he, and then he's just like, oh, you joke just like your dad did. And like and then he talks about the jokes and stuff. It's like, oh, my God. So I I didn't I thought that might be like an f Byleth only thing oh. where like they were making me flirt with oh him God. and i was like no 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 and then he's like oh haha you're yeah. joking so uh, but oh my god the horror that i felt <laughs> they don't give you they don't give you an an option to not tell him he's handsome yeah. either <laughs> horrifying but thank god it ended the way it did because yeah. i was like Real fight or flight. Yeah, it's the the, the Edelgard. Uh, very, really, a very cute shriek. Yeah, yeah. like, huh. <laughs> um, I don't want to flirt right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I, what really cemented my love for Aloise um, was that he says that you're like siblings and he'll give you the strength of a knight and the love of a big brother, um, yeah, which made cute. me tear up and it's making me tear up again. So I love Aww. Aloise. He's my favorite. <sighs> and then really quick, just touching on Catherine. Mm hmm. She was her her real name is Cassandra Rubin Caron. She has the the crest of Caron uh-huh. or Sharon. Wow. I think actually they say it in the game. I don't know. She was expelled from her territory for some crime, which is why people call her Thunderstrike Cassandra. Um, she was she was framed in a plot to kill the king, basically, is was kind of the whole thing. And I don't know who framed her or how whatever. King Lambert. Yes, I think. Y- yeah, I. Wait, this doesn't make any sense. I could be I could be wrong about which king it was. Um, Let me actually look real quick. Implicated in a plot to kill the king. So that might. So that that seems to be related to her support line with Ash. Oh, okay, Yeah. Where we find out that Lenato's son ostensibly killed because of involvement in the tragedy of Duskar Mm. actually was killed because he had been involved in a separate plot to kill the king oh. and Catherine was the one who who turned him in and so i wonder if that's the same incident yeah. where she was implicated and the way that she cleared her name was to uh basically throw Lenato's son under the bus i don't know that's so strange well or no no that was a plot to kill Rhea. i'm sorry oh okay yeah because she she says that she fled she fled the kingdom and the archbishop took her in so I don't know okay. when she killed Lenato's son or whatever. It was, um, I mean, it would have been around the time of the tragedy of Dusker. Sure. I I don't know. Yeah. They were at the officer's academy together. Mm, okay. 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 They were like old friends. Oh, wow. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. And another just one like pretty interesting thing about Catherine that is not cleared up in any way is that she like got really injured in battle and was healed by Rhea. But that's all we get hmm. out of that. I, I I don't know. I don't know if it's just like she was just regularly healed or if it's like some sort of Geralt yeah, situation, like Geralt two situation, because Geralt at that point she already has a crest. She did already have a crest. That's true. And I guess yeah. if she had some of the blood, she would have another crest. Right. That's I guess how that so. works. I really don't know. Hmm. Anyway, so interesting stuff about Catherine. Uh, and then I guess finally Hanneman. Right. Mm. 
so yeah, I've already talked about Hanneman's stuff with Lysithia. It's great. I've talked about his stuff with Marianne. Also great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in my supports with him, um, I don't get as much information about A, my crest or B, Hanneman's life as I as I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, at another point, he says oh. he says um, an old colleague hypothesized that people with crests are prone to like sweet things. Which I thought was very funny because we know that Lysithia likes sweet things and she, like a lot, and she has two crests. Yeah. Um, and we also know that uh, Yuritsa likes sweet stuff, and he's got a crest. <laughs> I don't know. I my counterpoint to that is Felix, who obviously has a crest. That's and true. Not he like sweets. hates sweets. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a fun little bit. Debunked. Debunked. <laughs> Myth busted. <laughs> and then he also says that uh, he talked about crests so much that girls would just stop talking to him. He just wouldn't, he just never dated Fair. anybody because he would talk about crests too much. <clears throat> but I think that there is more to him leaving the empire than he let on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I just didn't get that support because I was pretty sure I got as high as I could get. It might be a DLC thing or it might just be with somebody else where he talks about mm-hmm. uh, more stuff. Cause I tried to get his stuff with Aloise and uh, Manuela, but I didn't recruit I didn't really start doing that until the second half, so I didn't get a whole lot. Mm, yeah. Uh, which I think is actually really interesting. The supports between the faculty is like pretty neat because they are they are those supports are basically like the supports between the students because they are like mm-hmm. colleagues, you know, they are like peers. Um, so you're right. not like I don't know, you're not just spending the whole time like learning about their past or whatever. It's like they are interacting like people. It's I wonder really if it would be fun to do a church run with all the faculty. All faculty. Yeah, dude, that's got to be. That's got to be a thing. <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, I think that seems uh, that seems really fun. Um, but yeah, so I think uh, that's pretty much all of the recruits that I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about. Oh, I guess Cyril as well. Um, I can't believe I forgot Cyril, but I honestly I don't have a whole lot to say about Cyril. Yeah, I, I I was honestly kind of disappointed with Claude and Cyril's support line because mm-hmm. they only have two supports. The first one is spent with Claude being like, don't you know who I am? And Cyril being like, no. And Claude's like, "Okay, bye. Uh, And then their B support, which happens post time skip where Claude is trying to sneak into the holy tomb. And Cyril's like, well, no, you can't go in there because Rhea told me that people aren't allowed in there. And then Claude says, like, I didn't realize there were people like you from Elmira. And then Cyril compares Claude to Rhea. And that's that's like the whole support. So that's just kind of like. Is the the arc it didn't really go anywhere, and I thought that it was going to go somewhere like really, really interesting. This is yeah, it's another one of those things where it feels like the handling of Almira is a it's not great. Yeah, sorry, I do just want to clarify. I in my notes, I severely mischaracterized what Claude said because he says I never knew there were people in Almira in your kind of situation, uh, and oh. as in like orphans left because of wars and stuff Mm -hmm. um okay so i'm really really sorry for that bad note i took i mean yeah i don't know that that necessarily changes the my issue with it because yeah i we have on the one hand we have um cyril being like oh it's you know everyone there is just violent and i like it way better here i'm so glad i was uh kidnapped and forced to be a child laborer right um, and on the other hand, we have Claude being like, I think if everyone, uh, you know, <laughs> interacted, if, if people from Fodlan actually met people from Almira, yeah. they wouldn't view them as such villains. <laughs> um, this feels like two really disparate accounts, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, to have 
Cyril be like, no, actually, all the stereotypes are true or whatever is. uh, mm." And I I guess apparently never have that resolved in any way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand what the point of that is, because it seems really counter to the point that the game is trying to make at large in the Golden Deer run. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, I, I feel like. The game is not trying to be um, insensitive, but because it, you know, uh, some things I I think are presented, but not actually really explored in depth, mm-hmm. it, it comes across insensitively mm-hmm. or maybe they are explored, but it's buried somewhere yeah. and you have to figure out where it is, mm. you know, in a support or in a paralogue or. And so I just, you know, we're getting back to this big bugbear I had with Dusker mm-hmm. and to do it, it, it just feels like if you're gonna invoke these kinds of issues um, and invoke certain language or, or stereotypes or tropes, mm-hmm. you have to give them the space that they need, mm-hmm. even if your intent is not to, and you know, it's very possible that the intent is to just rely on those tropes and um, not examine them. But yeah. if the intent is to examine them, you got to take the time, you know, mm-hmm. um, you can't just sort of drop it at our at our feet. You know, in a lot of media for many years, there's the myth of the happy slave. Um, oh, yeah. You know, the idea of like, uh, for example, in um, Gone with the Wind, it's like <laughs> the family owns slaves who love the family and they love mm-hmm. being slaves. And, they, you know, like which is obviously so harmful. Yeah. And that's that's what I get from Cyril. Mm. And it doesn't seem like that's ever unpacked or disassembled in any way. No. Which is frustrating. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, the fact I, I think it's the fact that Cyril is the only character we meet in that kind of position. Right. So we only get whatever Cyril feels or whatever Cyril is like told to feel, mm-hmm. which just feels bad because we don't ever like outside of, you know, talking to somebody outside of the game about it. Like mm-hmm. there is nothing really in the game kind of interrogating those those ideas, I don't think. Yeah. And I will also say even just saying, well, it's it's what he was told to think. I don't even think that that is explicitly spelled out for us. That's mm. that's something that, you know, we're filling in the blanks and assuming because yeah. yeah. um, at face value, what we get is Cyril saying Elmira is a, you know, violent, savage place. And so I'm happy to be here. Mm hmm exploited (laughs) you know um that is a really troubling thing for the game to to just put at our feet Mm -hmm. um and let us interpret as opposed to actually addressing it you know yeah yeah and i think the thing i i just i think the thing the game was trying to address with cyril was that like wars affect children Mm -hmm. and not like anything about his his you know, slavery or indentured servitude or whatever. They weren't trying to comment on that. They were just like, this is just what happens. And then there are Mm -hmm. orphans because of war. Isn't that bad? And then that was like, that was all the game was really trying to say with Cyril, which is a bummer. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I I just, I feel totally could have done that if it was just like, this is just an orphan kid who lives at them because there are just orphans who live at the monastery. We know this, right. You know, you could have had that without him being a servant. And I, yeah. You know, I, I think you could even have the backstory of he was a servant in House Goneril mm-hmm. and then was brought to the monastery to just be a child. Yeah, well, and, he's, he is Shamir's squire or, or Catherine's squire. Like right. that is this like just have him be Catherine's. Squire. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. 
yeah, just have him be a squire. Yeah. That's such a good, just, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't understand kind of what the point is in, in injecting this into the game and not yeah. saying anything about it. But yeah. I, you know, that's something that I've complained about many times over. Yeah. It's just one of those mm. things where the game is so big and there is so much happening that it's impossible for it to like do most of it in a satisfying mm-hmm. arc. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's just, there's just, <laughs> I'm going to say it. There's too much video game. There is too much. There is too much. And I'm, I'm sorry to anybody who disagrees, but I am right. <laughs> I no, I listen, I I agree with you. I also think that you're right. Um I think that I don't know. I if you're going to like just just focus the story, you yeah. know, just yeah. just zoom in a little bit um yeah. and do one thing really well instead of so many things half well. Yeah. I'm now thinking, you know, it would have been re- I think a better move in general mm-hmm. for a Nintendo and whoever made the game. Who made this video game? Uh Forget the name intelligence systems yes um a better move for nintendo and intelligence systems is to like make this three games okay well sell so the game three times no <laughs> <laughs> first of all no because that's exploitative but <laughs> second of all uh i think they have done that before there was a prior fire emblem game that was you had to buy three games to get the whole story hmm. and so for from what i've read from our friends who our big fans this was much more preferable sure <laughs> sure um but in my opinion it is a big old mess yeah it's <laughs> um, a big mess yeah and i just don't know i don't even know if splitting it into three games really solves the problem because ostensibly the idea is well you're just you know you're getting three stories here but to what end yeah um <laughs> Um, you know, I, I still don't think that just make one game, (laughs) just make one story. Yeah. Have they considered, you know, I, like we have talked about, and I guess this now can just be us transitioning into final thoughts about, um, like I, I feel like there is a world where this game is one thing that varies each time you play it Mm -hmm. based on what you do in part one. Like we have talked about, and you know, far be it from me to like rewrite the game, but (laughs) like having, I think you and I are uniquely positioned to, to think about the game this way, considering that we have played it like a second job for six months, (laughs) um, and taken extensive notes on it and thought about it a lot. Yeah. And also I just, (laughs) and aside the reason why I am so hard on this game is because I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like I do like the things that are good about this game are so fucking good that the things that are bad are so frustrating. Yeah. But there's a world where this game is the same always at the beginning. You don't pick a house. You just pick students to focus on. And then the students that you spent the most time with, that becomes your house in, right. in the second half. Yeah. And then you get the emotional impact of, I didn't pour as many resources into the rest of these students, and now they are my enemies. Like, mm-hmm. think about how much more powerful there could yeah. be. And it's one story. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, like, yeah, I, I just like I don't think that this game is served by the three root structure. I really mm-hmm. don't, especially considering that each route has wildly different levels of I don't want to say effort put in. But, you know, Golden Deer feels like a cohesive story in a way that I don't think the others felt. Yeah. And, you know, it's been interesting to see as we've just this week 
released the episode where we finished yeah. uh, the Blue Lions and Crimson Flower arcs, some people in the Discord, multiple people have said, wow, I didn't realize that those arcs have so little lore <laughs> in them. And I don't know how I would have felt if I yeah. had played those arcs first. I, that part I might be putting in their mouths. Let me double check. Um, <laughs> I do remember seeing somebody saying that they are sorry that you did the Blue Lions first. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't remember who it was uh, or if it was even in our Discord or where it was. But I do remember someone saying, like, maybe Blue Lions isn't the best first route for this game as a, yeah. as a Fire Emblem introduction. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand the a lot. I think a lot of people have said that that Blue Lions is a good first house. And I think I understand the reason why someone would say that because it's the most contained, you know, if you're looking at this from the perspective of, you know, wanting the full story to unfold over the course of all yeah. of the runs, yeah. I can see why you would view it that way. But the problem is that it requires a certain amount of buy-in from that beginning that I unfortunately just didn't have um, yeah. just because of my personal issues with that story. Oh yeah. The, so just looking back, the comments were from Chris L. I'm amazed at how little you learn about the lore in those runs. Very glad I did Golden Deer first. And our hmm. friend Matt said very same. And yeah, I think that it is very possible that if I had done Golden Deer first, I would certainly still have things about the game that I would criticize. But I think my overall feelings about it might have been very different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it's what you said, like Golden Deer gives you a whole story with a beginning, middle and end mm -hmm. and then a weird little epilogue. Um mm -hmm. <laughs> Which I also yeah. think is is, you know, is thematically appropriate and, you know, whatever it addresses other parts of the game. But I think if you do Golden Deer first, you get this whole story. Then you go back to Black Eagles and Blue Lions mm -hmm. thinking like, oh, what are these stories about? Not like right. what is the story of the game? Like, right. what am I going to learn about the rest of the story of the game going back to these houses? You're thinking like, oh, what is the story here with the Blue Lions? What is the story right. here with the Black Eagles? And I it's think it's better that way, honestly. I agree. I think they tease the Blue Lion story really well, where it's like Demetrius thought dead and then suddenly he's alive, but he's a totally different person. He's and, got an eye patch. Yeah. And he, for some reason, like is hell bent on revenge against Edelgard. Yeah. Like, I think all of that is enough to make you like, I have to play Blue Lions because I have to know. And with Black Eagles, obviously, you're going to look at that and be like, why did Edelgard do this? Yeah. You know? So I, I, I totally agree. I feel like it is absolutely the best first run mm -hmm. because it, it does what I think every route should have done, which is give you the big macro story, but tease the micro stories that you missed yeah. by picking that house and incentivizing you to play those other routes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I don't know if I have much more to say about it. Uh, uh, I'm yeah. just imagine if you did Blue Lions and I did Golden Deer in the first, in like the main season. Imagine I so jealous you would feel so left. Yeah. Out. But honestly, maybe that would make you. I mean, I think it would make you a little upset at the Blue Lion storyline. But I think you would be less just like fully angry at the game uh, if I was like, here's what the actual story is. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe. I think maybe that might just make you even more mad. Maybe I'm like, why is none of this in the game? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it would have maybe it would have made me feel a little bit better in that at the end of Blue Lions, I was like, you know, you learned a bit, but certainly not yeah. everything in, in Crimson Flower. And so I, I was like, I am just going to have to now trust <laughs> that 
that there is more, you know, yeah. that, that, that yeah. there are answers and yeah. some things there really aren't. But I don't know. I, uh, I mean, we cannot go back. <laughs> we cannot go back. We, that, you know. that's, that's absolutely right. We cannot go back. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I'm glad we did Golden Deer. It's absolutely my favorite run. It is, um, I think, the best first run and the best run in general. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am in complete agreement. I honestly, if 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 there are still people who have not played this video game and they find out that I've made a podcast about it and they say, which house should I choose? I will <laughs> tell them to choose the Golden Deer first, I think. Yeah, I do think that the Crimson Flower ending is still my favorite ending. Killing, killing the Immaculate One, turning back into regular Byleth, maybe dying, but then not dying. I think it's and. I think that's a really, really powerful ending. I, I am bummed with like the epilogue being just like, and then everything was fine. But mm-hmm. I, that final cutscene is I, is so impactful, I think, uh, mm-hmm. and absolutely just fucking rips. Dude, it's so good. So, yeah, that's uh, I mean, that's generally my feelings on the mm-hmm. on the route as a whole. Should we move on to ranking the kids? Yes, let's rank the kids. So it's time to do our final ranking of all the kids. And I actually have a couple extras on here as well that aren't aren't the kids. But um, (laughs) yeah, kids and uh, others. Others, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So where should we start? Should we because normally we go by house. Do we want to go by house again or do we just want to do like from bottom up? I kind of want to do just bottom up i think yeah okay I agree. because i i feel like now this is like a holistic view yeah, yeah and i think worth noting before we start this is like we made we went in one of those tier makers and yes. made our our final tiers so i think there's going to be potentially some significant variation from where we were when we were just going like beat by beat mm-hmm. so th- this will be interesting and i think <laughs> my guess is controversial <laughs> okay okay uh, starting with f tier yeah well I'll, let me just start with dad Rodrigue, because i have no opinion on Rodrigue, but he is a dad okay, he is a dad <laughs> i yeah i have him ranked somewhere yeah that's what i figured i i didn't feel right putting him in like c because i didn't interact with him enough to like feel like i appropriately mm-hmm. didn't have feelings for him you know what i mean yeah um but he is a character that like definitely had an impact on felix a character who i had in mm-hmm. my black eagles run so dad for Rodrigue. Congratulations, Rodrigue, for occupying the only dad's spot. (laughs) Okay, so F tier. Mm -hmm. Should I go first? Oh, sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, F tier, I have Sylvain, Gilbert, and Anna. That's it. That's my whole F tier. Wow, okay. Mm. Why Anna down there? Anna is so nothing. Anna is awful, <laughs> and the fact that they made you pay money to like be able to recruit yeah, her, to recruit even her. though she has just no for her to do nothing supports with anyone. Oh nothing. God. She has no utility. She's like a fine unit. She's like a pretty average mm-hmm. unit, I think. I, I wouldn't know. I didn't send her out. But there are people who are better than her and have supports. So like, why yeah. would I choose Anna ever? Yeah, I. You obviously have more perspective on her, but my. <sighs> My read on her is just walking hustle culture. Mm, interesting. Yeah, she she is uh, she's extremely like just trying to get that bag at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, all she loves to do is to sell things. So congratulations, Anna. Um, <laughs> my F tier is uh, Raya and Gilbert. OK, mm-hmm. Raya F. Raya F. Still an F. Mm. Shady. Yeah. OK. OK. <laughs> e. 
I have Hubert, Lorenz, and Thallus. Okay. I did not rank Thallus. Yeah, I um, That's fine. Yeah. Uh, my E, which I think uh, will be controversial with you now, Catherine, Hanneman, Sylvain. Look, I mean, if you don't know anything about Hanneman, he is, he's just a rough guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's like got no redeemable vibes, mm-hmm. really. <laughs> Um, I, I, I can get that as someone who hated Hanneman in the first half and then actually actively docked points from Linhart for wanting to be like Hanneman (laughs) in my Black Eagles run. Uh, I get it. Um, no shade. That's fine. Um, but you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I do just want to say I put Thallus in E kind of as a placeholder for those who slither in the dark in general, Uh because, hey, their motivation is so stupid. It's really dumb. Really dumb. And their goal even is like what? To kill Rhea? Just to kill Rhea. It's just it's just pure revenge. It's dumb. It's dumb. (laughs) And like, maybe that's the point because it's like, oh, they've been devoured by their revenge plot, whatever. I don't know. It's I don't like it. It's stupid. Yeah. But as as like the reveal of everything, you know, like it really is what everything is building to. Yeah. To have that be the reveal is like. Right. I'm throwing a tech. I'm throwing a a temper tantrum in my techno hell. Like, Mm. okay. Cool. Great. I do think it's they lead to more interesting story stuff uh, just like about the story in general and not about them. Like the Mm -hmm. fact that the 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 stuff that Sothis brought that was like, oh, this is too much for humanity was like technology, I think is a really cool story beat. And I think is like a really interesting thing to bring up. But it's really not even like touched on. It's just like, oh, they 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 got too powerful and they thought they were there with their own gods. And then it's up to you to kind of find out like, oh, the stuff that they thought was made them gods was technology. Mm -hmm. Whoa. I don't know. It's just really dumb. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. D, I've got Rhea, Monica, and Solon. <laughs> These are purely okay. just from from character vibes. <laughs> Monica, rancid vibes, uh, talking to Edelgard too much. And Very rancid. Solon. Solon's only above the rest of those who slither in the dark because he's he's kind of goofy. He's kind of getting mm-hmm. like like goofy villainous. Like <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, my D. Again, I didn't go to, well, whatever. i I'm fine with it. Just do Cyril. It. Sure. Lawrence. Mm. Edelgard. I'm sure one day yeah. I'll do a Black Eagles Crimson Flower run and I'll understand why everybody simps for her so hard. But uh, <laughs> right now, just not getting the vibes. Yeah, that's like that's fair enough. Fair enough. C, I've got and then I, I think I'm really taking C as my like I really didn't have enough time to form an opinion or I just mm-hmm. didn't really bother to form an opinion. Dedu, Ash, Annette, Ingrid, Catherine and Nadir. <laughs> Yeah, uh, another one I didn't rank. <laughs> All of the Blue Lions. <laughs> a lot of the best Blue Lions, too. In yeah, there. sorry. Um, someday. <laughs> uh, that's that's your equivalent of um, yeah. me ranking Edelgard D. I think I think I'll like my Blue Lions run more than you'll like your Black Eagles run. <laughs> I'm sure you will, because you'll have gotten the whole story already. And yeah. now you're just, you know, uh, playing through the that kind of contained tale. Yeah. My C... Caspar, Flane, Ingrid, Hubert, Alois. Caspar mm. and Alois hurt. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Well, I uh, I didn't get to know Caspar literally at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. It's one of the few students that I didn't recruit from Black Eagles in either run. Yeah. And Alois. Yeah. I think I just didn't. Exp- I don't know. I got those supports. Um, 
It's fine. I don't know. <laughs> it is it is very touching, but for whatever reason, um, didn't hit me as hard. Yeah. But he's a good, you know, he's a great character. I think I would have he probably would have been ranked higher, I think, if I had gotten more of the like Shamir supports with him, because I feel like that was going a really interesting direction. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Might be here's what they get they start to get a little packed. My mm-hmm. my my, Same. my list. Dimitri, Raphael, Caspar, Flane, Manuela, Geralt. Sothis, Yuritsa, and Judith. Okay. Um, I'm sorry about Raphael. I do apologize. It's fine. It's fine. And I mean, I know you just ranked Caspar C and I put him at B. Um, I just think he's like, he's like a really interesting, the, the story around him is really interesting. I think him as a character is like not that compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that like the, the story beats that are like centered around him and his supports and stuff are really good. Uh, and then yeah. Geralt's at B because as a dad, he's just kind of, or as like a character in the game, he's kind of just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I, like we don't get a lot. We, we get more about his past through other people, like uh-huh. we said, and, and all our interactions with him are like, hey, check behind this book for a ring yeah. later when I die, maybe. <laughs> yeah, if I die. Your B? Um, my B. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for some of these. <gasps> Lysithia, Dimitri, Leone, Mercy, Annette, Rodrigue, and Yuritsa. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised that you have Dimitri at B too. <sighs> yeah. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. Like, are we ranking yeah. him from like his, that's, that's kind of the thing is like, I was having, I don't know. I think it's important to take it as like a holistic view as like right. who their character is, but also the story that they were written into. <laughs> right. Uh, and that, I, yeah. yeah. I think that that's kind of how he ended up there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Cause like I, you know, I was very fond of him. Um, right. In the blue lions run. But in retrospect, I, I do think that like, I mean, listen, we know my issues with that story and with his characterization, especially in part two. So I, mm-mm, you yeah. know, I think that's sort of how he ended up there. Yeah. Um, and I mean, also he's kind of a war criminal. So <laughs> That that didn't help. Yeah. Um, and who else was it? I'm sorry. Say it one more time. Uh, Lysithia was probably a big surprise and Leone was probably a big surprise. I don't know. I mean, from what we kind of kind of talked about, I think Lysithia, uh, Leone makes sense for you mm-hmm. for me. And um, I think I'm surprising myself with where I put Lysithia. I am surprised. It feels Lysithia. right. Yeah. Hmm. I don't want to ask you to defend yourself, but <laughs> defend yourself. No, I don't even. Yeah, I don't know. She's it's an interesting story. Mm-hmm. She's a good, fun character. Mm-hmm. I think it's more it's probably less about her and more about the others that I just enjoyed more. Mm. This might also have to do with how she treats Ignatz. <laughs> <laughs> She's so uh, fucking mean to him. Yeah, that's true. Um, But yeah, I mean, I there's a part of me that wants to bump her to A. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'd call her a B plus. I'm not sure. Sure. I'm not sure. Just uh, it's where my heart led me. Yeah. Okay. A's. Uh, A's. Edelgard, Linhart, Felix, Seteth, Hanneman, Shamir, Cyril, Mercedes, and Ignatz. I have Sothis, Seteth, Geralt, Manuela, Bernadetta, Shamir, Marianne, Judith, and Kranya. Just because she's such a good villain. <laughs> there you go. And in my opinion, still the best villain in the game. Yeah. I'm glad we both ranked Judith. I love Judith. I love Judith as well. Yeah. She's great. Anyway. Um, I think she's like all the other routes you don't you get 
introduced to like secondary, you know, mm-hmm. like a supporting cast, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I think Judith is like in this interesting position where she's never a unit and she's not supportable, but she's still so present in every yeah. s- like through the whole story. It's so good. It is true. She's she's sort of like Rodriguez that way mechanically, uh, where he, he's there uh, for part of the time in part two uh, in Blue Lions. Mm-hmm. He's not a unit that you can play. He's sometimes an ally in certain battles, but um, yeah, I I just. I find her very interesting. I like her vibe um, Mm. and I like her character design. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Okay, that leads us to S. Mm -hmm. Claude, Ferdinand, Bernadetta, Dorothea, Petra, Lysithia, Marianne, Leone, Hilda, Aloise, Kranya, and, Hmm. and the Death Knight. Nice. And yes, I did rank Yuritsa and the Death Knight separately. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Why? Uh, why? <laughs> and uh, why was Death Knight so much higher than Yuritsa? So the Death Knight, if you're going purely on vibes, they are rancid and yeah. hilarious and like. Another good villain. He's sure. an incredible villain. And the fact that he's like, he is a cartoonish villain, A. Mm-hmm. And this is the same reason I put Kranya uh, up there. Cartoonishly villainous villain. Incredible, amazing, wonderful. I love it. The Death Knight is just wearing like a full <laughs> skull mask with these yeah. big ass horns and these beady yeah. little red eyes. It's like, mm, nom, 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 nom. I'll eat it up all day long. <laughs> you know, it's so good. I love it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same deal with Kranya. She's just like, the vibes are so good. The villain we never knew, you know? Yeah. Um, really a bummer. Yeah. That's the thing. I think that they... They de-emphasized the best villain. Yeah, in this game for real. Yeah. They just made yeah. her a, a a heart to squish for the the yeah the spell. Which is bummer. Yeah. Okay. My S tier: Claude, uh, Linhart, Petra, Dudu, Hilda, Felix, Ash, Raphael, Dorothea, Ignatz, and Ferdinand. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it tracks. Um, it's the greats. <laughs> the greats, honestly. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't have any questions. I fully agree. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all great. Um, yeah. So uh, what blue lions do you have in your S? Uh, the blue lions were to do Felix Ash. Okay. Okay. I feel like blue lions does not do right by it's girls. Oh, interesting. Like I listen, I love Mercy and Annette, but they're like defining characteristics a lot of the time are just like we are friends. Uh, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I just wish there were a little more depth to both of them. Yeah, yeah. Um and I I sort of understand why there can't be because you kind of have to balance out the heaviness of the Dimitri, Felix, Sylvain, to a lesser extent, Ingrid. Um, I mean, no, not to a lesser extent. She lost her fiance. Like you have to balance that out with something a little lighter, but I just wish that they had a little more substance. You know, the, the Annette and Gilbert thing is interesting, but um, I just hate Gilbert so much. (laughs) It it just um, sort of flattened that for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think Mercy shines in relief to other characters. Like, Mm. I think that the way that she interacts with certain characters is very interesting. But her I mean, I guess her story is interesting. I just didn't really get to 
sink my teeth into it because I didn't recruit Caspar. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> the know? thing. That's the thing yeah. with Mercedes. Is, I'd is, probably feel differently if I had. Now yeah. that I think about it. Yeah, it's such a bummer about that story. Like, like Mercedes and Yuritsa are really done a disservice, I think, by having their story kind of like mm-hmm. swept away. Like, it, and even the story yeah. that you do get in their paralogue is not the whole story. And I know that right. there's more of it in the DLC mm-hmm. for Yuritsa, at least I think. But yeah. <sighs> so uh, mm-hmm. that's the final ranking. Yeah. Um, we're not doing more children, right? Because like we. I think we might have talked. We did. We said we were going to do top three, I think. We said we were going to do top three. Yeah. 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 Uh, Okay. So top three. Top three. More children. I think for me, and I'm going to go. Are we just doing Golden Deer? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do a a Golden Deer top three. Okay. I think my Golden Deer top three is Claude, Hilda, Ignatz. Those are my faves. This is much harder for me. If I if I hadn't had Raph in uh, Blue Lions and given him previous uh, War Child rankings, yeah, that he might have had a battle there. But um, uh, for for purposes of of this, I feel comfortable. Uh, yeah, not ranking him. Oh, I have a top five. Is the thing. <laughs> you know what? It's the end. Yeah. So just go for it. Right now, I've got. It's Claude, Lysithia, Marianne, Leone, and Hilda. Very good. But that is more than half the house. <laughs> so I don't know if that really... <laughs> Listen, it's a good house. It's a good house. Here, Okay, here's here's what I'll say. I married Leone, and I mm-hmm. gave Lysithia War Childs uh, in my Black mm-hmm. Eagles run. So Claude, Marianne, and Hilda. Okay. There you go. Yay. Uh, it's the best house best house is the thing um i know we've done final thoughts like two or three times already in this episode and we're gonna have another episode (laughs) to talk about final thoughts but um best house yep sorry everybody else this house is the best one it's the best house okay (sighs) so uh finally still not even no we're not even done with this season yet (laughs) we still have one more one more episode in our <laughs> Fire Emblem Three Houses season. We will be talking again with Alana, doing our final wrap up of our thoughts and feelings about the video game. About I don't know what else. I, I the video game is the broadest category I could give. So I don't yeah, know what else. I, I think gonna... I think sort of overall final thoughts. I might want to revisit some of the questions that we had asked. Just oh to yeah, see bookends. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very excited. I'm extremely hyped. We're going to be talking to her 24 hours from now, which is exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to the conversation and the conversation will be out next week. As for this episode, thank you so much for listening to this episode uh, of the show. Really means a lot. If you want to join our discord, we have links in the show notes. If you want to patronize Amaranthan, who wrote our intro and outro music. That link is also in the show notes. He's great. And also, thank you so much to Scout for making our episode art. That link is also in the show notes. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at AJ Falleri. That link is also in the show notes. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at Kimmy's. Is that link in the show notes, AJ? That link is in the show notes, I think, actually, is the thing. <laughs> um, and also, I do just want to uh, big shout outs to Kim because the intros to all of these episodes have Aww. been penned by one by one uh, co-host of Asynchronous, Kim. Uh, and I adore them all, and it they're, they're just, they're very fun to read. Um, and it also makes writing the show notes much easier, because I can just 
take what you've already read. <laughs> but well, they, thank you for doing the dramatic readings of mm-hmm. them uh, each time after after you've already spent hours editing <laughs> the podcast. Yeah, um, it's a nice it's a nice little cap to the whole process. Honestly, if I'm being if I'm yeah. being honest, um, I'm so glad. Yeah. So thank you everybody for listening. Thank you Kim for doing the show with me. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, excited for more. Mm-hmm. I do have some final <gasps> words for us. Oh my gosh. AJ and listeners, I love you with everything I am. Next time we see each other, it will be the dawn of a whole new podcast. Woo! Woo! I mean, I guess hmm. after the last uh, Yeah, episode, after the next after one. So. The next episode. <laughs> yeah. Yay. <laughs> Bye, everybody. See you next Bye. week. Bye.